Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. I'd like to welcome everybody to episode number 73 of the Broken Token Podcast, uh, September 2018. It's, it's been a wet one, Brent, four and a half inches at my house over the past two and a half days. That's all the math that I can do for this show. Jeez. Okay, straight up. Four right and a half inches over beginning. How, how long? Two and a half days, man. Two and a half days, four mm-hmm. and a half inches of rain. Uh, of rain, yes. And it's it's been coming on down. It, it I'll tell you what, it has been so much rain, it has actually stymied me in my updates. And I'll talk about that as we get to it. But uh, man, it has been it has been just wet, 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 and I know it's been the hurricane and everything that that has been uh, kind of a, a hurricane pom- Florence, a hurricane Florence yes. for those stateside yep. and for those not stateside. Yeah, you know, we it's 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 been it's been a big big deal, and so uh, even uh, even Alex, my buddy over in the UK, he asked me. He said, you know how how big is this storm? And it's I showed him a radar picture and it's just it's like it's like made it is massive well so, the, the weird thing about this crazy. is welcome to the broken token classic arcade weather talk yeah, yeah the, the, well it was plumbing one month now it's meteorology <laughs> you know, meteorology and everything else if so. anything we cannot be accused of uh not being diverse in terms of topic well there's too many knots in there I, I guess and we could we'll never be accused of proper grammar no <laughs> there's definitely that but you know every podcast needs a springboard topic to start the show well, and that's kind of you know behind the scenes the that's weird, how we do it the weird thing with the the whole florence deal is we went into media overload and i don't know about you but if i heard one story i heard or and saw and you know, in terms of memes and video shorts oh, and yeah. covered on an audio format, if I saw one, heard, read, whatever one, I, I, I it was a dozen yeah. reports, but it was staged. It, it was all staged. Where and, and it, it actually became a farce of itself. Yes. which which is probably the first time in history, in recent history, may, maybe even maybe even broadcast history that that I think the general public has been made aware of it to the mm-hmm. extent that they were for this one, where you would see that you know, weather reporters and and uh, the camera crews and everything like everything like that were staging the severity of the storm yes. so that it looked worse than it actually was. The, the classic one that... <laughs> Welcome to American media. Yeah, yeah, I know. Gosh. The, the classic one being, and for folks that aren't in the U.S., well, even folks that aren't along the east, eastern seaboard, which is where the, you know, southeastern is where the storm came came yeah. into play. Yeah. If for, for folks that aren't in this area and haven't seen this, I mean, the, the classic, and I'm making air quotes here, was uh, a reporter and waiters in some situation where they were, you know, calf deep to hip deep. Uh-huh. And then while they're reporting live, somebody walks behind them like 15 or 20 foot away, just Joe Brent Griffith yeah. walking down the street. Yeah, in a pair of sneakers. In a pair of sneakers. Like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Yeah, you know? exactly. And the weather reporter should be standing in <laughs> three and a half feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's the way it's depicted. So... Uh, it, and it's the weird thing from somebody that's trying to live through it. And I made a note down here. We might as well go and talk about it. I, I did reach out to a friend of the show, Eddie Cox, yeah, because did, he's down well. there in North Carolina, yep. which was a uh, an expected uh, affected area. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be heavily affected. Mm-hmm. And in his his friend David that owns Flippers Arcade, I know uh, Eddie does in, in Grandy in Grandy, yeah. Grandy, North Carolina. They they managed to miss 
the storm. So yeah. the sort of the storm missed them. However you want to put it. So he 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 was kind of right there in that expected. I would effect. say the storm missed them. The storm missed them. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. He 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 avoided uh, yeah. catastrophe. Yes. So yeah. Uh, good for Eddie and Flippers and, and you know, their family and, and that whole community, they're all, that community, they're doing great. And then, you know, that's first and foremost above the games and all that kind of fun stuff. But they're OK. I did reach out to Eddie and check on him. Yeah. Where was I going with all this, Whitney? Oh, 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 oh. Find, you know, so I understand you got to You got to make people aware and all that. And then there's the overboard stuff that we talked about. And yeah. then when it hit, it was a category one, which yeah. it was expected to be like a five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So lots of rain, and you know if that's all the if that's the the bulk of what everybody in the periphery area of it of the storm has to deal with, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. At this point, just just kind of waiting for it all to end. So well, in weather like this, I expected you to have moved some games, maybe yeah, like I, a I crazy tr- climber. I, I, I would have tried. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> There's a that. Callback. That's a callback. I wonder what episode that was in. Probably because, like, like two. Yeah, you think so? And I went. I actually went and searched the show notes, and I couldn't find it and friend of the show jeff waldron he pinged me on facebook messenger and he and he said hey can you look up what episode that was where you had that story about the crazy climber and he did that a couple of weeks back and I, i've not no i'm sorry it was in a facebook post rather where he did a mention for me and i, I looked for it but could not find it i at think all. it was in the episode where we talked about moving games yeah, very well and that been. that was the the now famous ratchet strap episode if that was episode number two which was two that was number two then then that's where it probably could be yeah i mean we, we had to we had to hit it on a high note so early in the show because you had to bear you had to bear it all man yeah. you know it's like listen listen to my pain listen to my pain <laughs> episode, and love it episode two was four hours and eight minutes Golly. <laughs> that was so short oh my no. gosh well <laughs> we we set a precedent straight up oh, but, uh, we've tailored it a little bit we, we have, still ramble we have but it, what's interesting though bringing it back to the time is that summer and fall have literally been like a light switch here in Kentucky. I, I mean, it's it's now officially fall. Yep. Summer's officially over. And it feels like, we had somebody, like an, feels like somebody literally turned a dial. And it's like, okay, fall, click. We had not one day, literally, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, that, that, I'm trying to get away from that word. So let's rephrase that. It was actually pushing 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, I, I'm not wearing enough clothes. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> this right. This is too cold. Yes. Yeah. And then all this rain set in. Yeah, for sure. So, so it's, anyway, it's, been, anyway. it's been a weird couple of weeks when it comes and to that. And you didn't move any games, you know. No, no. And it, it, no it, pinball machines. It, I mean, it was just a little rain. It's just a little rain. But I, anyway, I'll get to that later. Oh, okay? there sounds because, like a story. Yeah, sty- stymied for sure. But... Uh, all that being said, Brent, I'm sitting here looking through the show notes, and, and man, you know, if, if words were miles, you you've driven ten thousand of them, you know, this month. So, man, what all have you had going on? Because, uh, man, dude, there's like all kinds of stuff here. <laughs> I kind of started this like I do status reporting for work. I take the last status report, <laughs> yeah, so I can follow up on everything it's, and either mm-hmm. add to it or subtract, uh, update from it, it yeah. subtract from it, or add to it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did here. So let's just. You know, to keep up with the rolling updates. Yeah. I've still got a space shuttle pinball. Uh, Mission Control scrubbed the launch. I, when it I never left that, the house. When I read that, I laughed. That was it's funny. It's still here, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. You know, it, it 
may hang out for end of year festivities when I have the family over for the holidays and all that stuff. So if it is, hey, it's another pin. We'll yeah, it's still it. working okay though, right? Oh yeah, still working yeah. fine. At least yeah. last time I turned it on. Yeah. It has a little extra dust on it, but you know, so does everything else down here. Yeah, it's that's the way it goes. Everything looks really good until you kind of get down low and look across it, it and, and you're look, like look Ugh. across the glass and then you can see it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Need to yeah. do something need to work it, on this. Well, you know, hey, it's all it'd be the same way at my game room as well. So yes. I've talked about rearranging the game room for a couple months. Haven't touched it. Getting super close, though, and that'll come up here in a few minutes. Talked about pole position cab that I freed up last week when I was kind of detetrising and retetrising the garage. I still have that. This has been a this has been a rough month in terms I, I, of I letting can, go. I, I can understand it, and it's tough when you've got somebody ready to buy it, but you just can't get there yet. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. We had, just haven't been able to get together on the time. So, yeah. as I often say, it's not eating anything, and I don't have to clean up after it, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah. Eventually, though, it's got to go. It's, it's got to go. Yeah, it's got to yeah. go. Three uh, D printer update. We'll keep this one short because in the last month, I've uh, I've. Well, I, I felt bad, but not very long because I don't, I don't, I mean, whatever. No, you know? and what's been interesting I is. I on and on and on. It, it, but it's okay because what's interesting is we're finding out that this is a, this is a skill and a, oh, yeah. uh, in a pastime that a lot of our listenership uh, is, is very into as well. Uh, yes. so, so I've enjoyed uh, reading some of the updates and the feedback and everything like that. So yeah, continue on. Good, sir. So a quick shout out to Joe Zinkus again, because he and I, uh, since the last show, we've traded some additional emails oh, and some jo- tips Joe's, and all Joe's that. Joe's a good dude. He's al- always helpful. Always. So what's really stymied me is time. Like uh-huh. it gets all of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this was the classic. I've got several things floating. I've got this project here and this pile of stuff here and this over. And I just, I had to stop and focus because I, I was letting things get away from me. And I mentioned mm-hmm. that a little bit here as we, as we go down the updates, how things are working their way out of the queue. But I did get through some additional tuning. I've learned more about the machine and just kind of some of the settings and, and, and everything that goes along with setting it up to print a given model. And you've got to tune a little bit to the idiosyncrasies of a given machine. I think we mentioned a comparison to pinball last month where you might have two identical titles. Yeah, we were talking about that like Adam's family. I okay, think. yeah. Yes. But yes. they'll play entirely differently. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, they're machines. Yeah. Not like an air. Well, I'm, I'm sure even a pilot, a good pilot will tell you, or even a lousy pilot, <laughs> the two aircraft of the exact same model are going to have their own little oddities about yeah. them. Yeah. So peculiarities. I've, yeah. yeah. So I've worked through that a little bit, and I've I've had some longer prints. I've printed some frame braces, and then I've actually got that installed. And you know, is that needed? That that there's a whole argument in the community, yes and no. And people do wonderful things, stock out of the box, and then they solve air quotes a lot of problems when they brace the frame up and. Is it covering up some other issue? You know, it, it, it's Ford versus Chevy versus Dodge, in mm, my opinion, yeah, okay. how, how some of the stuff works. But it was a good exercise in, in printing a, a little larger model, something that was more useful and doing something other than than like bench uh, uh, benchmark type models. And that's led me into, am I being a little OCD about it? And have I tuned myself in a hole? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I was fighting a nozzle clogging issue. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I've created it. And, and sitting back and thinking about it, I was, you know, if you're going to tune something, well, why not tune 18 things, you know, and then make, well, that's what ended up. Oh, I need to, let me try this a little bit. Well, I already tried this. And I, I squirreled around with the cooling settings and I, I'm pretty sure that's what I did. I, I, because oh, okay, yeah, you want to start with, uh, um, you want generally, and I'm sure that this is another Ford versus Dodge versus Chevy argument. You want to start with a little less cooling on your first couple layers to get good adhesion to the bed and get good bonding of those first couple layers. So you've got a really solid foundation. I, I was doing just fine. Matter of fact, if anything, I almost felt like I needed to take a sledgehammer to get some of my prints off the bed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, let me try to make it a little better. And I ended up making it a lot worse. So I ended up putting that aside because I was spending a lot of time on that and kind of time slicing my brain. And I needed to focus and knock a couple other things out. I'll get back to it because I really want to get into enjoying the printer, mm-hmm. you know, making yeah. some baubles and yeah. making some stuff for the pinballs oh, and all yeah. that stuff. So. Anyway, that's kind of where I sit with it right now. The thermoforming machine. All right. So I've had a a sizable leap forward and I actually have started the build. And what I've got now, well, I'm building two machines. All right. For for new listeners of the show, a plastic thermoforming machine takes a, a sheet of plastic warms it up so that it's pliable. Then you drop it down or set it over a mold or they call it a buck. And then that buck is sitting on a platen or a flat table, if you will, that's got a, a multitude of holes drilled in it. Then you draw a vacuum on it and it pulls the plastic down around the shape. Okay. So uh, they're good. For, uh, pinball ramps are made that way. And uh, I, I just, I'm trying to think of anything like packaging. Like if mm-hmm. you ever get anything that's like form fitted in oh, a package, oh, oh, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, Surely vacuum form, mm-hmm. but on an industrial scale. So I'm yeah. making a couple of these. Mostly star, like wrap styrofoam, though, is how, is how I see that done. I don't know about styrofoam. I'm thinking like like hang, hanging carded items. Like if you go into a Walmart and you want to buy a set of, of headphones or ear, I'm just looking at you with your headphones on. Oh, you know, the plastic oh, oh, you're, is oh, formed. You're, ta- you're talking. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, the plastic is formed roughly yeah. okay. to the item and the item sits in it. It's yeah. not a perfect shape. Yeah. But. The, that pl- that forming would yeah. be done generally with a vacuum, oh, for like a vacuum a plastic pump. tray or yeah, something like a plastic like that. tray. Yeah, okay, or fa- okay, fair enough. So yeah, I'm building a couple of these. It's something I've kind of always wanted to putter with, and uh, the uh, what finally kicked me over was my niece is doing the cosplay thing, and she, that that's something you can use to make armor and all kinds of fun stuff. Sorry, there's the backstory from a couple months, a couple months back to what got me here. So I basically got those platens made. All right, so I've got a base with about a one inch clearance around it, like this chamber that the vacuum will be drawn out of with the aluminum top on it. And I'm sh- the next step is to go and drill all the holes. I'm going to, I've, as I've looked at my mental design, I, I think what I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make in two of these. Well, four total. Okay. I've got two now and they'll handle a 24 inch by 24 inch sheet. And I was trying to think of a way to make the machines handle like 12 by 12 inch sheets. And I've already figured out in my mind how I'm going to build the heater so I can switch on the outermost elements independent of the center ones so I can warm smaller sheets and not turn the whole deal on. I'm going to do the elements in strips of four strips. Okay. So I have two inner and two outer. All right. And it's going to be roughly 24 by 24 inch oven on the top, if you will. 
and where I was trying to figure out was, okay, now what can I do? I was thinking of making some kind of adapter and all that. And, and at the end of the day, I think what I'm going to do is just this platen, this piece, the center piece that you put your, your buck on, I'm going to make two for each one for two for each machine. And yeah. one will handle the larger sheets and one will handle our 12 by 12 sheet. So you can also use less material if you want to do something small, you know, the 12 by 12, or excuse me, the 24 by 24 sheets are, I don't know, five bucks a sheet or so. You might not want to throw away five bucks if you're making something that's a couple inches. Yeah, I get that. Yes. Yeah. Because then it's, you're throwing away more than what it costs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you can kind of save up if you will, and try to do multiple things, but that just makes a, a given pull more complex. Say if you lay out six or eight things and, so like I said, I just I just wanted to to try to make it a little bit more uh, uh, capable, if you will. So yeah. so anyway, the next step is going to be to make the base that this will sit in. And once I've got the base, there'll be a lower shelf for the vacuum equipment. I've already got the vacuum tanks. Okay. I've got to still figure out. I've, I've kept in. It's it's just a matter of order by mm -hmm. a matter of ordering the actual vacuum pumps. It's mm -hmm. not really figuring it out. I already kind of know what I want. I just got to go do it. Mm -hmm. Talking 50 bucks, 60 bucks or so for your generic unbranded Chinese vacuum pump, which is fine for us. It's not like we're going to use it every day for its intended purpose. Exa yes, exactly. These are like HVAC pumps you would use to draw down like an air conditioning system. I'm not going to use it a hundred times a day in a commercial installation. So an inexpensive model is fine by me. And, you know, if we burn it up, we'll just replace it. But so anyway, that's kind of where it sets my, my next thing. Like I said, is I'm going to build that base. Okay. And then once I've got the base and it's freestanding, then I can lock in the, the last few dimensions to take care of the framing that will lower the, the plastic down because I've got to have these uprights on the side that'll guide that frame that the mm -hmm. plastic's clamped in. Mm -hmm. And then at the very top of those uprights is going to be the oven, the heater. So the idea is you put your sheet into that frame mm -hmm. and it pushes itself up and locks in mm -hmm. ideally about head level, maybe my head level, mm -hmm. which is, five, seven, six foot, somewhere in that range. The ovens, <laughs> five, seven, but you might have a little taller. So five, seven-ish. It's all good. Yeah, I, I, Let's put it this way. Yeah. We know where you're going yes. with that. The oven will that? heat it up, and then you take that assembly and lower it down, <laughs> straight down, and bam, oh, hit the vacuum. that's funny. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I, I've got it kind of worked out in my mind. I've got 80% of it sketched out for my rough dimensions to keep me on a path. Mm -hmm. And when you get into those finer details – I'm honestly, I'm, I know where I'm going. I know what the end of the road looks like so I can plan for that. And in the, the final measurements, I'm just working out on the fly. You know, there's that way I know if it's a half inch here or three quarters of an inch, so to speak. Uh, okay. Okay. If that makes any sense. Oh, it, it does. It, what's, what's neat about this though, is it sounds like you're, you're pretty much thought through this start to finish and it's just more so, uh, there's quite an operation. a few, there's quite a few plans that float around the internet mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a handful of styles. I don't know, maybe if anyone's really deeply interested in that, I can, in a later show, I can talk about the, the, the basic, maybe three ish type of, 
um, forms I see these machines fall into in terms of heater and platen arrangement. Okay. But no, okay. if if you go out and you Google uh, vacuum machine or actually, excuse me, YouTube thermoforming machine or vacuum forming machine, chances are you're going to find Adam Savage's video from tested <laughs> and he's got a pretty good size machine and it's, it is built from kind of the more common, the more popular hobbyist plan set. And then there's several machines that you'll see documented on the internet either in individual pages as they've gone through and they've, they've blogged through the build or in videos that are variants on that machine. And by variant, they generally just change the size or I I know one, one person did as I'm kind of thinking about, he came up with a, with a method to change that, that platen size out so he could do huge sheets like 48 inches long and smaller sheets just to, he made the machine very usable for different situations. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's large, and, and that's what I've done. I've I've looked at at basic basically what's out there, the the styles and everyone's builds, and I've incorporated all the pieces into my design uh, of, of these different elements of all these different styles and machines to give me to put me where I'm at. And then, of course, like I said, there's a few details that I kind of have to work out on the fly. So, you know, I think it'll work out and hopefully it, it well, hopefully it actually works out. You'll never, you're not going to know until you act, you, you heat it up and you drop that thing down the buck and you hit the switch and you see what happens. And, so yeah. And you, you run it to see what it does. Uh, yeah. Cause some of it from some of it's a guess in terms of how big can I get away with the chamber underneath the platen to draw enough vacuum into a tank of a given size through X number of holes of a given, you know, so some of it, it's like the 3d printing. I have a, I have faith that it will work, but I'll have to understand the variables and those variables will change with the type of plastic, the thickness of the plastic and just the, the, the machine itself. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of variables. Yeah. So anyway, that that's still rolling. Hopefully, I'm going to get to spend some more time with that. Maybe have some cool stories somewhere down the road. Back tighter into the arcade side. I mean, tangentially, that is sort of gaming related because if I wanted to, I can make some some game stuff. Game stuff. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. but the Tron. I've talked about this Tron that's been sitting in my shop, and. Uh, my desire to basically get it out of my life. And I, I've got my Tron. It's on the game in my game room right now. It's sitting here actually right over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. This, the only reason I, I say it th- that way is I'm just ready to get it out of that space, the other Tron and move on mm-hmm. and free my shop back up. And j- it, it's, it's just time. It's time to get the space back. Mm-hmm. I really focused on that this month. It's almost done. Uh, I knew the game had some issues in the bottom and somewhere along the line, I thought it had been slammed kind of hard because I knew that the, the, the back wheels, Tron has wheels in the back so you can tilt it back and scoot it along. I knew the wheels were kind of popped up through the, the particle board bottom. And once I kind of dove into it, I was telling you off, off air, Whitney, that when I got the game, I'd actually set it on 
uh, a piece of tarp or a piece of plastic, whatever it was. And I wrapped it kind of up from the bottom. And this was early on. I, I I don't know why I did it other than maybe I thought that was probably just the better way to wrap a game up. I, yeah. I mean, it wasn't raining. I remember the day. It was a beautiful day. So anyway, so it sat in my building forever with the bottom third covered in a dark tarp where I, where I really never could get at it up until the time I opened it up to start working on it. But you I knew, think, you think maybe that collected some moisture or something like no, that? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it wasn't, it never was wet. It never se. was wet. Yeah. Okay. No. Right. And I knew the bottom had issues when I picked it up. I just, I remember my grandfather being with me and I remember tilting the game and I remember, okay, guys slide a little of that tarp and I got it underneath it and walked the game back and forth and got a tarp underneath it and folded it up. And it maybe went as high as the coin door and I just wrapped her up and, oh, okay. and shrink wrap and threw yeah. it in the truck. And yeah. actually I got it at the same time that Gorf right there. And I, I packaged that Gorf up the same way. So they both came from the same place at the same time, same day. Mm, gotcha. Nonetheless, I knew something was going on. I hadn't really seen the bottom of the thing in years. And I opened it up, and it was apparent it, when I really looked at it with 10 years of experience later that it had been a little damp at some point in time because some of the, you know, some of the edges were a little puffy on the bottom, and that, that particle board base where the wheels mount toward the back, it had a little bit of a bow to it. So, you know, I don't know if it got wet enough where the wheels literally, there, there, I said that word again, literally, where the wheels actually, whatever, well, I just, I'm making a bars now, Winnie, where the wheels just, you just, you just keep on going, man. I know, it, it, I know. We're recording the show. It's I all know. good. Yeah. Anyway, I just, just roll with it. Yeah. I don't know if it was wet enough that the wheels collapsed up inside of it, like someone tilted it back and it went, just popped up in, or if it took a hard hit and it was already, you know, compromised because it was wet. Nonetheless, what I ended up doing is I pulled out the transformer assembly. I pulled everything out of the bottom of the game, took the leg leveler plates off of it, took the um, transformer assembly out of it, all the harness that went with it. I basically just gutted it. And at that same time, I took the monitor and everything out of it. So it was a lot lighter and easier to move around. And I ended up skinning, for lack of a better term, the bottom of the game. Okay. So this game is obviously moving on. I'm not keeping it. The one I've got in my game room is the one I'm keeping. This is going to be a solid game. I'm obviously going to be honest about the deal. But my intention was to stabilize it. There was really no give in the bottom. But you can tell, like I said, it was wet. And it had this little bit of a concave part toward the back. I yeah. ended up putting like a three-quarter inch piece of plywood in the inside of the cabinet, in the floor of the cabinet, and a quarter inch piece on the bottom. And basically, I ended up capturing that damaged bit in the middle of cross-screwing and cross-nailing these pieces of plywood. And then I put the, the, uh, um, the supporting gussets, the little blocks of wood that are on the sides between the, the floor of the cabinet and the sides of the cabinet. I put all that back in made sure it was all nice and sturdy. And when I did that, I recut the pockets for the, the wheels. So the wheels are back up underneath it. Overall, the thing now sets about a quarter inch t- higher. You'd really never notice it. And put the leg leveler plates back on it, drilled the holes for the, the leg levelers back through it, 
reinstall those. And that was a good opportunity to go ahead and use a little longer screws and really draw everything together and tighten the cabinet back up. Worked out really, really well. So in my mind, if I didn't already have a Tron, this would be a fine addition to my game room. That was kind of a way to fix it. And, you know, the other option was to try to completely disassemble the bottom of the cabinet and remake that floor and then just put it back in the original place. But in looking at it, I'm describing it far worse than it actually was. Oh, when yeah, you see and, it. and it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't look bad at all. And I think I told Brim before we started recording. I mean, most every Tron is beautiful, so it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's we're, we're talking about we're, we're talking about uh, grad, we're talking about gradients here. Yeah, you know? so that's what we're talking about. So it's going to be a nice game overall. You know, it's not going to be a perfect game. It's not a full restoration. If it was going to be a full restoration, I would. Do, have done it completely differently. Matter of fact, honestly, I'd probably. Uh, Whitney, would you ever knock the bottom? Have you, you've broken a cabinet up before. Like you've had have, a cabinet yeah. that was so far gone. Yeah. All right, there's yeah. nothing. Nothing. It's eaten up with mold. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a Donkey Kong. It's got some other problem. <laughs> you surely no. Those are all saved, Brand, <laughs> and and they're saved. I mean, I, I would I would you know cradle it like a little baby and then hit the ground with it you know what i'm saying so yeah oh I, hey, I mean, i've had not, a game not push- like we're talking like you know a, a galaxian or something oh, here, you oh, know what oh I'm is that what it yeah, is okay yeah, exactly. all right fair enough, yeah. fair enough fair enough fair enough i've had a game push over on me before that's a story Ooh, yeah, yeah that, that was that, that would hurt that was several chiropractor visits that would hurt yeah yes and it wasn't an arcade it was an arcade game it wasn't a video game it was an electromechanical game even worse if i was much younger if it happened now it probably would be much more <laughs> much more debilitating yes. yeah i'll be over here yeah yeah it's just, and by over here i mean right here yes yes i'll, I'll heal in six months it, you know what it, it'd be like an asteroids falling on you you know oh, something like yeah, that yeah. i mean just something so egregiously heavy that it's like why does this thing weigh 450 pounds when a Donkey Kong weighs 110, you mm-hmm. know, something stupid like that. So, yeah, I get it. So back to my original question. Have you ever been faced, have you ever considered trying to remove a panel out of a game? And Nintendos don't count. I know Nintendo does um, a little uh, like air nailing or stapling of some of those, Sta- some of those wooden Sta- blocks. Stapling and gluing, yes. So. Yeah. But a lot of that's still screwed together. So mm-hmm. you, I have a yeah. feeling I, I've known people that have replaced like the front panels. Like, yeah, yeah, I have, and it's uh, Nintendo cabinets come apart pretty dang, pretty dang on easy. Okay, so yes, have, have, would you consider other than a Nintendo? Uh-huh taking a cabinet apart like trying to take a panel out of the cabinet because that's what I was faced with. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that it would completely depend upon the title and how bad and how much I. How, how much of an emotional attachment I had mm-hmm. to that game. Because if it was a, a B or C title, no, w- wouldn't even consider it. The, I, it'd have to be a B plus or an A title for me in order to consider doing that. The, the couple that I've had to break apart, uh-huh. it it was obvious they were never designed to come apart uh-huh. because they were glued, stapled, screwed, yeah. everything. Yeah. And especially when you get to the, the bottom of the cabinet, the foundation of the cabinet, you're all the it's not you don't necessarily always have just a butted joint Mm -hmm. you've got some situation where they've cut a slot 
and there's a male, female, a tab A and a slot B type of a deal. Mm -hmm. And they start the assembly that way. And then they start gluing and screwing it. And it, oh, I've got a, what is, I've got a Robotron out in the building. The sides are beautiful. The back's beautiful. But the front, the, the front panel, the kick panel below the coin door, it's shot. And I've got a replacement panel for that. I, I would replace that. Yeah. And yeah. I've got a replacement panel. And one of the years ago, I had one of the early folks that was doing reproduction cabinets. Mm-hmm. He, he went ahead and he cut just that panel just for me. Just the panel, yeah. I have, I keep putting that to the bottom of my little mental list because I can only imagine how much of a pain it's going to be to try to get that busted open and get those sides split a little bit and get that panel out yeah. without doing more damage than I'm trying to repair. Exactly, because you've got to ask yourself, I mean, at what point does, can, can you get the glue undone? Is it going to splinter the insides? Is it, you know, what's it going to do? Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that, that was my solution here. An otherwise nice game. Mm-hmm. And I had this bottom plate issue, and that's that's what I did. I, I I skinned over it on the top and the bottom, and locked it all in, and and solidified the game. And in a way, she goes. I mean, you you've taken a peek at the game. It's pretty. It's solid. I oh, mean, it's it's, it's yeah. solid. There there's no doubt about it. I but I I will say this: it's not in bad enough shape that it would qualify for cutting the, the cutting the bottom quarter out of the cabinet mm-hmm. and rebuilding the bottom of the cabinet and essentially mating a new bottom oh, of the yeah, cabinet yeah. to the, to, to the, the good portion of the cabinet. I've seen other people do that and I've got total respect for it. I mean, it, it's a time commitment, but it would, again, ha- the cabinet would have to warrant it and it would have to be the t- a title that I would care about doing. And that would be a full, re- if you're going that far, you're doing a full restoration. You're doing a full on restoration. You're, you're in yeah. for a penny, you're in for a pound. That's exactly you're, right. You're all new art. Yep. Yeah, everything, cause, everything, because you're going to bondo it, you're going to sand it in order to in order to blend it to the point to where it looks like no work's ever been mm-hmm. done and everything like that. So yeah, it's full. At, on. at that point, you're even making the the trade off is what is a replacement cabinet worth in that in situation? Terms, you know, is it going to be time. easier time? Uh-huh. Didn't just go get a cabinet. I, I am of the school, and people will probably disagree. Some some folks will probably disagree. I am of the the mindset that a replacement cabinet is not a bad option once uh, once you deem this the, the source cabinet to be too far gone. Because I just don't want to spend I just don't want to spend three and four weeks of time, whatever it is, rebuilding and doctoring a cabinet back from the dead. It seems to me like a three or four hundred dollar investment in a brand new cabinet. That to me, economically, when I look at what what's my time worth, mm-hmm. it seems like an easy choice to make. I know a lot of people will hop on the purist bandwagon and everything like that, and I get that. But I mean, it was plywood then; it's plywood now. <laughs> you know, I mean, you it know, was particle board then; it's particle board now. So I've there often, you are. I've I've often wondered, and I've not sat down and tried to measure it. Can you even get? H- how do you get the same? wood in terms of dimension because like if you go buy a three-quarter inch sheet of plywood uh-huh. it's not three-quarter inch anymore that's true it's like a two by four two by at least in my lifetime oh yeah there used to be in this for for folks not in the u.s we're mm-hmm. talking yeah you know in, english measurement here mm-hmm. imperial imperial right? thank yeah, you there you go we're talking imperial measurement here 
a two by four used to be two inches by four inches. <laughs> it's not any longer. No. It's what one and three quarter by three and a half by or three and a half. Something, something I like can't that. remember yeah. right now. Yeah. We're podcasting. We're not, we're, well, I guess we are kind of doing some carpentry work. Yeah. Nonetheless. I'll hop on Lowe's website. Be right back. Yeah. So nonetheless, if you go by a three quarter inch thick sheet of plywood now, it's not three quarter inch. Uh-uh. It's a little thinner. Yeah. And if you look on the, the, the card at your home improvement store, it'll say three quarter inch and there'll be a note with the actual dimensions. Yeah. It's a little thinner. Yeah. It's, it is. That all's changed. Uh huh. Can you get that wood any, or do you have to start getting into a tr- get a little tricky where you're going and buying the the current size and then a piece of veneer to take the difference up uh-huh, and, and make up the difference? Because I've actually had to do that on some things around this house, yeah. Where I can't get that dimension of wood anymore, so I have to go and I have to do the mental gymnastics of well, if I get this and this or this and this, and I can buy, and then I can get the thickness that I want yeah. to match. To, to match where I was at. To match where I was at, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, that that's that's one of those scenarios where you probably have to approach it on a case-by-case basis. But ultimately, depending upon the source, and you know, are you going to improve on the cabinet by making a particle board ca- by making what was a particle board cabinet into plywood as a replacement cabinet? Which me personally... Well, I keep saying plywood. I just mean in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But it, it's one of those scenarios where... You, you may very well be into that and you may be into that even if you're trying to replace the bottom third of a cabinet today where you would have to blend veneer into the uh, into the side of the cabinet to make up for the gap mm-hmm. and so i mean you've got it not only do you have the bondo work for the for the uh for the wood or the particle board and you've got the bondo work for the finish itself and it I mean, that that's Hats off to the people who go down that's that a, road. That's an interesting question for a person that makes the cabinets. Uh-huh. At, at the end of the day, I, I would assume your your big catch is if if truly you can't get that same dimension of wood 30 years later, mm-hmm. your interior dimensions have to be spot on because that's yeah. where all your monitor bracketry, your uh-huh. control panels... Yeah. Your marquee metal, all yeah, that, fits. all the bezels, everything. Yeah. I mean, I would care more about that than I would the outside because you can shave a little T molding, or you can hide a little extra material within the T molding with mm-hmm. some very skillfully applied black marker or something like that. To where if you're literally eight inches away from it, you would never see the shadow yeah. or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I think there's little tricks of the trade here and there, but. I guess it gets into a purist discussion. That probably gets a little too much like a religious discussion. And oh boy, do I love to have those. <laughs> oh. All right. So, yeah, exactly. Anyway, this is how this is this was my solution for putting yeah. putting this this game back in back in the game. Yeah. It, it I've had it for ten years. It sat in my garage yeah. in a, a state of disrepair and some level of damage and this it's going to go back out and it's going to have a life with somebody yeah and and it looks good and i don't think i don't think that you shorted anybody or anything by going down the path that you went it didn't need a full-on restoration just didn't so that that's situated and since i've gotten the cabinet stabilized again i've been able to focus on everything else and the quick rundown is new t-molding all new lamps, and if you haven't put lamps in a Tron, it's got three different types of fluorescent lamps in it. It's got blacklight blues, 
black light whites and a standard fluorescent lamp. The standard fluorescent is in the marquee. The black light blue is right there above the control panel in front of the joystick. And then the black light whites, one goes in the back of the game and it lights up that MCP surround Mm -hmm. that's above the monitor. And the other goes in the fixture below the, uh, the control panel. Yeah. Yeah. So in, it, Whitney, do you know the the difference between the black light whites and the black light blues? Um, I do, I do, but I, I think it'd be good to to discuss them. And I I do appreciate you putting in a link to where you purchase these. I'll make sure that it gets into the show notes as well. So, so the place I purchased them mm-hmm. is uh, an industrial lighting supply place here in town, and they have a. a you can walk in. You, you don't have to be a business. You can walk in as an individual. Matter of fact, one of the guys I know here in town that does slot machines, he's got my number and I got his number. And I, that, that's how I, the lady on the space shuttle got in touch with me. Oh, I see. If I get a slot machine call, I send them over to him. Yeah. And if somebody calls him up looking to sell a game or a pinball or something, then I get a call. From, oh yeah, this Bob slot machine guy. I got yeah, yeah. You know, we so that, I met him. It, it's a good system. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was his brother. Someone in his family. I met up there waiting around for stuff to come out. All the black lights and all the fixtures here in the game room actually came from there. I just walked in and, and purchased them. But yeah. So anyway, here's the difference. When when you see a black light, like if say you go into Walmart and you see a black light fixture and it's got that purpley kind of filter well mm-hmm. that's what it is the filter on mm-hmm. it that filters out the uv so that it's not damaging your eyes basically mm-hmm. a black light white is the same light as i understand it but it doesn't have that uv filter on it mm-hmm. and they're suitable for situations where you're not directly looking at that so if you've ever been to well let's, i was gonna i was gonna use the bowling alley example because all the modern bowling alleys they're doing all the black light stuff and you don't directly see the fixtures like down at the end of the lanes. Everything's all glowing, though. Yeah. Those are generally the black light whites yeah. because you can't directly see the lamp. It's all indirect view. Yeah. If you get into like a battle zone where it's got the light ups, the black lights around, those are going to be black light whites. They're not going to have that filter on it because you're not directly able to look at the lamp. Yeah. That's why the control panel one in a tron it's the black light blue or black light black as some Mm -hmm. people might call it it's got that filter on it to filter out some of that that uv so it's not going directly into your eyes Mm -hmm. and honestly if you think about it probably wouldn't be a bad idea maybe to put uh, a filtered black light in the lower control panel yeah just in case you're just in case you're in the game with it on or there's kiddos around or something like that you know i've got that tron back there behind whitney now just running just as a burn in and i don't have a control panel on it so you walk right in and you can look right at the fixture that is under the control panel because the control panel is out and i've i've twisted the light out of it just to keep just just to because yeah Yeah, just because yeah uh space invaders that's another good arcade game it it'll have a black light that's back there behind the moon base in that surround that goes in the cabinet yeah that'd be a black light white most likely asteroids deluxe has has one in for for lighting up the background and everything like that so yeah very beautiful and i even if i just turn around and just look at the the artwork on the tron it's just it's just got that glow to it yeah and it's just it's so beautiful yeah i (laughs) I love it i just i love the game absolutely love the game 
So all new, all new lamps and, and Whitney, you've got the link to in the show notes. If you're in town or yeah. I don't know if you're doing a lot of lighting, it might be worth calling them for shipping or yeah. something like that. Yeah, but see if boys help you out. Uh, if you're, if you're not here in Louisville, just look for a local lighting supply place. I want to say the lamps they they were far cheaper than going into like a, a, a big box store. Yeah. And if I walk into like a Lowe's or Home Depot here in the US, I can probably get the blacklight blues, the filtered, but they're not gonna have the unfiltered, the blacklight whites. Yeah. I just walked in there and said I need this side blacklight white. Yeah, and they had them, in, and they had them, and knew and exactly it, what you wanted. It, and I, I'm sure there's probably some industry name. I've just seen blacklight blues and blacklight whites yeah. to, tossed that, around. That's all I've ever seen them as, as well. The blacklight whites look like a standard fluorescent lamp, mm-hmm. except when you actually look at the markings that are that are stamped on it, it'll tell you it's a air quotes blacklight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it, anyway, they were far cheaper. They were. Three four dollars a lamp, yeah, two three bad. bucks a lamp. Not bad at all. I bought a bunch of them when I was in buying lights for the game room. Yeah, yeah. And I just keep them on a shelf. I did uh, rebuilt the monitor. It's got Geo Seven in it. Whitney, do you, when you do a Geo Seven, do you do the the famous sync mod that's usually I, I, in, all, in like Bob Roberts uh-huh. documentation? Yeah, I have, and I'll say this: I I, I don't do it because I've got any significant insight into the pros or the cons of it. I, I just, I tend to just try to do as much research as I can about, about the topic and then find out, have there been improvements? Have there been, you know, field fixes? Have there been kind of, kind of like the, the, the mechanics helper type of scenarios mm-hmm. that have come along. And I also try to make sure that, that I, I, I take some reverence to the people that have done this far more times than I have and intend to say, quote, it's a good thing to do. And and I've seen others that talk about the sync mind. They say, well, it doesn't really make an appreciable difference that we can tell. And I mean, I, I've seen both sides discussed to death, even even on the claw forums. Myself personally, yes, I've, I, I do it to my Geo7s. Well, for those that have never heard of it, what yeah. it's supposed to do is help take a curl mm-hmm. out of the top. Mm-hmm. So if you've, if you've mounted your monitor, monitor horizontally, yeah. and, and if you're in a Pac-Man or like a centipede, I'm looking at a centipede where the monitor is rolled vertically. Of course, mm-hmm. this is a Geo 7. Mm-hmm. It would be on, on one of the edges, depending on how it's all mounted. Mm-hmm. But if it's a horizontal monitor, the upper portion of it, you can get this little curl mm-hmm. where you'll have, uh, I don't know, maybe three quarters of an inch or so mm-hmm. where it wants to kind of pull off to one side and yeah. you'll get you kind of distort the image distorted exactly yeah, Whitney, thank you yeah this is supposed to take that out and from what i remember from long ago it was more obvious if you used a geo 7 with a later type game and, and i don't know what difference it would make because to me you're you're gonna have to meet the the st- the standard that the monitor is expecting for an input, mm-hmm. and I don't know why one generation of technology would be any different than another. You still got to meet that standard, that interface for the for the the board to talk to the monitor to some degree. Yeah, but I, I still remember reading that it was more obvious with later games like JAMA games and, and the like. Uh, uh, maybe it came up more when people were kidding out more. Mm classic games and the way you do it is a little capacitor swap around you pull one cap from this location and you put it here yeah, and then you put a different cap kind of swap and swap some stuff around you swap some stuff around and 
I've always done it. I've never done the AB comparison. Honestly, I've never had time. I, I haven't, and I, I'll be quite honest with you. I've never even had the interest. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like it's like do the mod as I'm doing the cap kit and roll on. Yeah, I, I've know? never had any yeah. problems with it. Nah, so n- neither have I. I don't know if you've got an opinion. I'd love to hear it. Uh, just email Whitney <laughs> at. <laughs> Uh, Whitney or Brent at BrokenToken.com. <laughs> I did that just as he was taking a drink. <laughs> oh, so that was, sincerely apologize. That was awesome. But yeah, if you've got an opinion, if you tried it both either way, if you've taken the same game and the same monitor Ooh. and then did a before and after, I'd love to hear your experience. Yeah, just th- throw me the hate mail. It's yeah. all, it's, seriously, it's all good. We can have a cabinet restoration discussion and then discuss the Geo 7 all at the same time. Uh. It'll be great. All right, so I need to scoot along here because yeah. I am boring everybody to death. But <laughs> I ran through the I've ran through this game. I put an arcade shop switching power supply, yeah, or switching power supply and an arcade shop adapter, and we'll talk more about that in the tech section. Okay. So that's in it. New ribbon cables on the board. These are M- that's an MCR two board set. So it you know same as Spy Hunter, the same as My Domino Man, the same mm-hmm. as Tapper. Yeah, and they've got those Satan's Hollow all Satan's Hollow. Yeah. they've got those crummy factory ribbon cables. Jeez. Uh, so I put in a set of those like on it. Flick them with your finger, and they fall oh, apart. They look like paper, don't they? They look like paper. Yeah. The uh, the ones to the point where you even wonder, it's like, how did this even work? Well, the funny thing is, is th- I, I the last couple of sets I've replaced, I'm like, how is this still working? Yes, because exactly. It's like you can't really see the wire in it. I'm sure no. if I ripped it apart, I could see something, some it, kind it, of copper. It's, it's like maybe there's. I don't think it's considered wire. I think it's just a copper conductor is all it really like is. Like a foil or something? Yeah, a foil. And it, it feels like it is as thin as a foil. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like it's laminated between yes. the, the thinnest wisp of yes. two pieces of plastic. Wisp is right. Wispy. And, and, now, those cables are wispy. <laughs> yes. Now, and maybe I, I've I've said, how does this <laughs> that work? Might be, that, I, I'll make a show title out of there that. There you go. Trust there me, you yeah. go. It. I don't know how some of these games that I've where I've replaced these have worked. My only thought is is that if I left them and I really tried to run the game in any period of time, this would get warm and that that those wisps of plastic would open up further and the game would fail. If you've never seen these, they're just it it. I don't know how to describe them other than junk. You know, <laughs> yes, they're just they're just unequivocally they're just junk. They're just junk. They're junk. Yeah. I, I, anytime I've got an MCR game, keeping or selling, I, I replace them just just to eliminate the yeah. the, the issues. Yeah, because, because you've done yourself a favor that does the other person my, a favor. My luck, like if it say it's a game I'm going to sell, my luck, the individual, it'll run a whole show. I'll burn it in for a month, never turn it off. And then whoever takes it home will roll the cord up, open the back door and throw the cord in there and bump on those cables and they'll <laughs> poof, that'd be the end of it, you know, because they look that fragile. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have I have great respect for the engineering, but production control failed on that one. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. these things weren't also designed to last this long. Yeah, this much is true. So I replaced those. Arcade Shop carries them, and Mark Spath, he actually makes a pretty darn good set, too. Mm-hmm. I already had a bunch of stuff coming from Arcade Shop, so this has got Arcade Shop uh, cables on it. I've just got to finish up the control panel, and that's going to wrap the game up. i got to tune the monitor, and I'm going to do the new joystick from Gro- Groovy Game Beer. Gear. Groovy Game Beer. <laughs> Groovy Game <laughs> 
<laughs> that is an offshoot business they should have. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Man, you can tell Whitney. It's been uh, it's been a long day, man. The, where the I'm beer worse. tastes like yeah. a wispy cable. Just, like, just that's some good beer. Just when I think I cannot get any worse with my uh, pronunciation, my sentence structure, <laughs> just general grammar, remembering names, not saying um. Yeah. Uh, I then blow past my expectation yeah. of failure. Been podcasting long, mate. Yeah, this is. I'm phoning it in. With it's all good. Yeah, that's what, that's what happens after seventy some odd episodes. It, it, hey, we're, we're here. People that are here now other. still. They love us. They, they, they do, and we love and them for re- yeah. I have no idea why. <laughs> Finish the game, Brent. Finish, Finish the, the game. game. Oh my god! It's it's. Oh my gosh! It's like. Oh. So yeah, uh, uh, the groovy game gear Tron handle. It is sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we cannot nice. recommend this enough. They make. The the blue for Tron, they make the red for Satan's Hollow, yeah. and I think last time we looked, they even make make them in black, like for Gorf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're from the original molds, if I remember correctly. They are beautiful. I've used several, and I highly recommend them. I did notice that they've they've marked them up a little bit. I remember the first one I bought forever ago when they first started production. They were like twenty five bucks, and I've bought a couple more since then. Here recently, like within the this year, and they were still twenty five bucks. They've gone up five dollars. That's inflation has hit them, but not. What are you laughing about? I'm, I'm like he's I, about I, to die I, over there. I, I'm like I can make a political joke, but I'm not going to. Okay, all so, right, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, exactly. The, you but yes, let's call it inflation and roll. How about will, that? They will. They will uh, argue. Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah. we've both got Ford, so we can't argue the Ford no, versus no, Dodge Chevy. Do that, daggone it. Okay. Yeah. We're, not, we're, we're we'll argue kitchen appliances. How oh about my that? God. Well, yeah. uh, Whitney, that's episode seventy four. <laughs> 74 <laughs> the microwave comparison oh yeah new centering grommet they've got the centering grommets for the flight six like gorf and yeah. satan's hollow and tron arcade shop has those arcade shop their uh new decal for the spinner somebody had just painted it red kind of hastily mm-hmm. so i stripped all that off the other night and got the nice new decal for it and a new insert for the flight stick to oh, arcade yeah. shop has those. has those. So wow. I made a little order from Arcade Shop. And I mentioned T-Molding. That came from them as well. Yeah. Just got it all in a nice little pack. It, One it, shot. And, and their new website just awesome. It is. It, it, it's yeah. so much better. Just so much better. It is. Yes. Hopefully I'll have this thing finished up this week. Yeah. And I've got a couple people that are definitely interested in it. And bring them over and give them a preview and see what happens with it. Yeah. Well, it looks good. And I mean, and, and that's, I mean, that's a lot of parts and that, I mean, that's a lot of uh, add back to the game. So whoever, whoever gets it should be in good shape. I, I hope so. It's, it's, it's going to be a nice game when yeah. it's done. Yeah. And then when it comes out, my Star Wars episode one pin comes in. Right on, right on. Are you looking forward to working on that? I am. Yes. I am mainly because it's in pretty darn good shape. Mm hmm. I'm, it just needs a a good cleaning, mm-hmm. and honestly, it really doesn't even need that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to just go through it anyway. Mm-hmm. And the playfield, it's not that complex, so mm-hmm. knock on wood, it's not going to be that big of a, of a deal to go through it. And you know, I'm going to have it out here in the lineup. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, so no computer issues with that. No, no nothing. No, nothing but I'm starting to do. You the, have to address. No, I, I mean, I can go out there right now. It's out in my garage. I can plug it in, boot it up, and play it. Yeah, good. and and I have. Yeah, the um, the computer is always a big question. Yeah. So I'm already starting the the preliminary research to prepare for that because 
I'm not saying I'll never get rid of it, but mm-hmm. I don't plan on getting rid of it. I understand. It, I mentioned on the last show the intention would be at least for the for the foreseeable future to pair it with my Star St- Wars arcade Star game. Star Wars Upright, yes. And right here in this little cubby that yeah, I've got. Yeah. So yep, that's what I, you'd mentioned. I I I want to be prepared for the long haul, the eventuality of the failure of that computer. Yeah, and I think that's wise because that seems to be uh, seems to be what all the owners of those games uh, need to do. So mm-hmm. yeah. it'd be neat to see, see how you, how you address that. Well, I'm thinking perhaps maybe cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. and just, just sock know, puppets. some lights, yeah, you exactly. know, oh, Hey, you know, if it were, if it's some blinky it lights, way. Christmas lights, yeah. mainly. <laughs> if it fools everybody else, then it's mission accomplished, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I could put that, uh, I could, put the marquee or the back glass on a fire power or something. I don't know. Yeah. Big guns or something <laughs> big like guns. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's big guns lovers out yeah. there. Yep. Poor people. Uh, like Donkey Kong. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I wanted to touch on is I paid a visit to the Cincinnati comic expo. And you know, we've, we've been able to do this. And cover some of the the Comic Cons, the many I say many the San Diego Comic Con, I guess is the Comic Con, yeah. and I'd be willing to bet or Dragon Con or however you want to look at well, it. Well, I was going with Comic Con, and, okay. and I I would be willing to bet that if I, you looked at it, Con is clear, but if you say Comic Con, you get in trouble with with Cincinnati crud with uh, San Diego. Oh, I see, and because it's the Comic Con, okay. And past that, everything is some variation of comic or con. Okay. You mentioned drag, Dragon Con. So it's like Barcade is what it yeah, is. I yeah. See. Okay. Yeah, that, that would right. be my guess okay. is that Comic-Con is uh, trademarked okay. or, or whatever the proper term okay. would be. This so. is an outtake that you can use, but color me educated. How about that? <laughs> well, think about it. Yeah. I, I've looked at quite a few. It, it, a lot of this circles back to what we do. Yeah. You, you look at an arcade show... And your heavy pin and video, mm-hmm. and you get, you get console, depending mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. And then you start to get, I'm going to use this word again, you start to get wisps mm-hmm. of content from other show types that kind of yeah. fit our genre. Exactly. So you'll get the cosplayers. Yeah. You'll get the vendors with uh, art or your your kind of fandom. Yeah, your pop, pop culture. Pop culture, pop your culture, geek culture-related yeah, yeah. items. And then the flip side of that is, is in my mind, you get into these comic type shows where it's heavier on the artist, heavier on the pop culture type stuff, heavier on the collectibles. You still get your panel discussions and and the like, depending on the show. It's heavier on the, the comic side of the house and the anime side of the house. And then you get your, here it comes again, you get your wisps of what we do, you know, so you'll get your video stuff, you'll get some pinball stuff, you'll get some home console stuff, you'll get the crossover stuff. So I've, I've tried to visit a few of these and, you know, for example, you know, we've talked about Fandom Fest before, which is a show here in town and it kind of took an ugly turn last year. (laughs) And that's kind of one of the notes that I put in here. You know, I, I visited the Cincinnati Comic Expo. Overall, I enjoyed the show. It was not in a. It was not in a mall. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. wasn't in a in a closed down Macy's. Yeah. Got, it was okay, held at the you. Duke Energy Convention Center in Cincinnati. Three day show, I believe it was, and I made it up on the fifteenth. So, if anybody 
doesn't know the 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 comic con or excuse me the uh, the fandom thing the the kind of the the joke there just google it i've mentioned it to a few people uh the people here in town really know about it and because my niece and the like she is and her friends they they do the cosplay stuff tying back to the thermal former tying back to some of these shows I've started to try to educate myself more in that community and the prop builder stuff there. I know there's a, there's the, an Ohio, uh, Ohio river Valley, yeah. uh, costume and prop builders organization. There's the local chapters of the 501st, which is the star Wars mm-hmm. crew that do the stormtroopers and everything else. Mm-hmm. They have, they have a huge showing across the country. So I've tried to educate myself to keep up with them, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah, and to support where I can. Yeah. And I've listened to a show that's hosted by a couple costume and prop builders out of Texas, and they've even made reference to the show in the Macy's here in Louisville. So, oh, is that right? Yes. Which is kind of funny because the Macy's is four minutes from my house. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised that it garners that much attention. It's a tight community. It I mean, must there, be. there are Facebook groups dedicated yeah. to the comic and anime type shows to discuss what goes on yeah. and the organization and the people and yeah. uh, pe- just discount the content altogether. Discount the, is it? <laughs> we're just talking about the show, the show, the logistics of the show. How's the organization? Yeah, that's how cool, was it to deal with the staff? Yeah, that's cool. I'm a vendor. How did how, what happened there? I want to. I just want to be a visitor. Yeah. What's my experience going to be like? There are Facebook book groups dedicated to just that aspect. The the sub genre of the genre. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's yeah. kind of mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I, I visited the show this year in, in Cincinnati, and overall, I really really enjoyed the show. So at the end of the day, would I recommend going? I would, and I would go back. And, and I got there after the main the main opening on Saturday, and the the tent, the ticketing area it was open in terms of space. They had a lot of of staff there, and basically I looked at it and I said, "Hey, if I would have gotten here during the crowds, they are set up to handle this type of situation. I would have been in line, I'm sure, because generally there's a land rush, just like there is. You've been at at our equivalent of the show, you know, the arcade and pinball yeah. show. Yeah. And even if you've got a show that opens midday on a Friday, there's generally a line. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks you think would be in work, but not all people work for shift. Exactly. I mean, it's a big, big world out there with a lot of people. So doing a lot of jobs. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, in my opinion, they were, they were ready to handle the crowds. They gave you a, a nice map of the space with the vendors laid out. There were the the show was vendor heavy because that's in my in my experience that's how these comic and anime type shows run. You're going to go in and you're going to find art or an artist that that strikes your fancy. You're gonna you're gonna find the person that sells the thing you're interested in collecting. You're gonna have vendors that have uh, classic toys or modern toys that fit this genre. Yeah, okay? okay. And I'm not downplaying the Cincinnati show or any show, but for anyone that hasn't been to level set, the main show floor is like a mini, depending on your state state fair, U S side mm-hmm. or flea market. Mm-hmm. You're going to go in and it's, it's vendors. And then the satellite draw to that is all the talent. 
kind of like if you have a pinball guy or a video video game designer that comes into a show that's more in our genre. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just what to expect. I mean, the first one I went to, I didn't know what to expect. I was used to, all right, here's the game room floor. There's a small area over here for vendors. How does it work out if you're going for a comic show? There's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy it, but just so that you know, if you've never walked into one, that's, that's kind of what you expect. And I give the Mm. same advice for a show like this as I would any other show, check the schedule Mm -hmm. because there's more than just what goes on on that show floor Mm -hmm. there. It's okay to walk around and meet an artist that you like, or find a new artist or find somebody that's doing something cool with a theme that is Mm -hmm. something that hits home to you. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to go, Oh, well, I enjoy this and the person responsible for this has a, a has a panel at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'll go in and I'll listen to him for an hour. Yeah. Make sure you check out the schedule. Yeah. Were, were the panels good? Well, here, here's an interesting thing. There was one panel that I was interested in going to. So let me scroll down here a little bit in the notes. I'll get his name wrong. I've heard it pronounced multiple ways, but Carrie Ules or E L W E S. He was Wesley slash the man in black from The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. okay. How about that? So he was there. And this kind of gets this. Let me tell you what, let me table that for a second. Okay. Because All right. I, I fair don't. Enough. Okay. Uh, I, I want to. I, I do have a couple criticisms because I, I want to be fair about it. You know, I'm not going to say everything was all roses. If I bumped into a couple things, I want to mention it. So mm-hmm. l- l- let me let me get to that here in a second. So h- here was the quick rundown of the show overall. Mentioned how I came in. It looked like they were well-staffed to handle the rush of folks. I didn't feel that I would be standing there for a, a long time. Good number of ven- vendors. This particular show was really artist-heavy. And, uh, th- and that's fine. I'm sure that's a function of who signs up for a booth, Okay. I know I've been to these shows where they're, say, 70-30, like I'm going to sell Funko Pops or some kind of uh, collectible, this, that, and the other thing, and I'll lump into that people that make their own their own type of collectible, whether you're making bracelets or which kind of branch, which kind of steps over into maybe the artist category. And then in my mind, probably incorrectly, when I'm thinking artist, I'm thinking um, like print artist. I'm going to make an original, my take of what Loki looks like Mm -hmm. from this movie. And I'm going to make a print of that and I'm going to sell it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So that, and and like I said, probably incorrectly, I'm downplaying other forms of art, but you tend to see a lot of that print art at least at the shows that I've gone to. So to me, this was a little artist heavy, but that's fine. You know, it's just, it's the roll of the dice. You could walk in to a video pinball arcade show and not see an Adams, Mm -hmm. even though it's one of the more common games in terms of, it just is what it is. Um, They had a huge star Wars area. And I think some of those people were actually have been here in Louisville. So one side probably half of a wall was taken up. These folks are in it. They had a huge diorama of a, of a speeder bike. So the guy dressed as the, uh, either the, the rebel from Jedi, or he might be cosplaying as a, a biker scout. He'd get up on it and there's photo opportunity. And 
they had like a life-size Dubai and they'd have a, a live, a cosplaying stormtrooper up on the Dubai in another scene. <laughs> How often do you see a Dubai? Oh, it's Seriously. just like, oh, yeah. there's a life-size Dubai. That's awesome. At the end of the display, they had the, an ice cave from Hoth, you know, the one Luke was in. Oh yeah. With it, was it like with complete, you know, bloody severed claw? It and was. Stuff like now that? here's the funny thing. When huh. I looked at it at first, the, is it, oh, you think I, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong because I'm just going to let it roll off the t- my tongue. The Wampa, the, I, the, the, the creature that was in the ice cave. Yeah, we'll go with that. I, I, I'm, it's a, you did I'm, better than I did than I it, would have. Five yes. minutes from now, I'll remember the exact name. I think it's a Wampa. Okay. I'm like, why is he upside? Oh my gosh, I know what it is. Yeah. They built the entire thing <clears throat> so that you could stand in front of it mm-hmm. and stick your arms up in the air, and it looks like you're Luke hanging upside down. Yeah, yeah, that's and awesome. And then you could take the picture and flip it. And flip it. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. So, I mean, this thing was ginormous. Uh-huh. They had a complete cantina band. They come out and play every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, one of the bet the the cooler things in my mind, and even though it was kind of simple, they had this display up, and it looked like the original series, like from '77, the action figure card. Do you remember yeah. what they look like? Oh, totally. And you could stand, you know, in the figure. You could stand in the figure spot. You could stand a, your in the figure taken. spot and take your picture. Oh, yeah, that would it, that would have been worth the trip oh, alone. Yeah. Yes. It was. Awesome. Yes. Yes. That, so they had this huge Star Wars area. The front of it, they had a pretty cool car display. They had an, a really nice looking Ecto-1 in there. They had the four-door Chevy from, like, would not from, but they had, I guess, a car cosplaying, whatever. Yeah, you know, as in. As in. Yeah. Supernatural. They had the little a little Ford Anglia, like was in the Harry Potter, one of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. That's a whole other story. I got to catch up on those. That yeah, that's uh, Mr. Weasley's car. Is it? Oh, yeah, is that's it? Ron Weasley's father's car. I, yes, I've got to watch those movies. Uh, no, I have no, got to no, watch no, them. no. I'm telling you, don't watch the movies. Read the books. Okay, seriously, do yourself the favor. Oh, I've done both. Okay, and the All books right. are the. There's two times. There's two times the story. Oh, I'm in sure. The books. I'm sure. Well, just looking at the books, they look like a phone book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's Seriously. way more story. Yeah. There's there's twice the story in the books than there is in the movies. Whitney, I don't have time to tune a 3D printer. I, I understand I'm that. To, you know, I, I get it. I totally. Do you get remember? It. Do you remember that? You want to talk about a segue? Do you yeah. remember the Rodney Dangerfield movie Back to School? <laughs> oh, yes. And there's one of his professors is asking him, the English professor, if he's ever, ever read this book or that. No, I'll go see the movie. I mean, I'm out in two hours. I'm done. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, the professor's going through all these classic books. No, I go. Oh, and he he mentioned the movie. He said, Oh yeah, that was such 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 great movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. that whitney yeah oh my gosh i, I get I, it no i've just realized i'm, I'm running yeah fair, fair. <laughs> oh my gosh it's all good it's all good i'm crying it, just just let yourself down easy and, it, oh. and it's all okay you know what uh get them on audible or something like that oh my and, gosh uh, you know do do that i do but, listen to a lot of podcasts maybe i should do that well i, I will say this when i read them is Several years, several years back, when I would read, uh, Grace and I would sit at night and we would read. And she got to the point to where she was interested in Harry Potter, and her and I sat together and read, uh, read through the, you know, read through Harry Potter. And it, I'll tell you, that was that that became a lot of fun. We really well, enjoyed it. For our younger listeners out there, yeah, I had an interesting insight into the Harry Potter mania, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if this carried through. All of the books, but uh, 
in the early runs of the book, after the first book came out, mm-hmm. you know, because then, then it hit. Mm-hmm. I guess it was kind of like Star Wars. By yeah. the time they got to Jedi, they were filming it. They call it Blue Harvest. Blue Harvest, that's correct. So that it, everything they could do so that they could throw people off to try to keep things from leaking out. Yeah. Okay. And I, so I'm going to gauge this as I'd, I'd have to go back and see the release dates, but say the second or third book. Yeah. My uh, girlfriend at the time worked with a trucking company and they did logistics. And when those books left the printer, it was an across the country, all of these trucking companies, they were tracking trucks everywhere Yes, to make sure they left point A and showed up at point B and they had everything they were supposed and, to and, have. And that, that it was did that big of a deal. Yeah. yeah it I'm was sure. a huge deal. I am sure. But anyway, okay. So, um, game related, Brian Colton was there. Oh yeah. So great, I, great I, guy. I hadn't seen Brian in a few years. We talked a little bit about SFGE where we'd first met and of course, I didn't expect Brian to remember me. I mean, when was he at SFGE? That was before they moved venues. Yeah, it was the, it was the last year at the original venue. So I think maybe that was the second year. Uh, didn't they do two years at the at the I at the first think venue? They did. Yeah. yeah. So it would oh, be the second right. year. He told me Brian said that was the first show he'd ever done. So that that was oh nice. I mean what. A couple years ago, three years ago, uh, four years ago, four, four years ago. So I think. he'd been in the industry since. For for people that don't know the name, uh, he he was game designer, artist. He was mm-hmm. responsible for Rampage. He did the mm-hmm. art on Spy Hunter. He did discs of Tron. He's yeah. just he's done Sega um, Sega console games. Yeah, just he a, a multi talented guy. He his resume is long. phenomenal. It is long and distinguished. It is. And he was telling me that that was the first show he'd actually done. Oh, nice. And he is, he's just, I could see the smile on his face. He loves it. He yeah. says, like, I'm doing like 10 to 12 to 13 shows a year now. Yeah, good for him. And I'm, he's getting out, he's meeting people. Yeah. And he's happy he, about he's, it. Oh, he? my gosh. Yeah. I, I saw him early ish afternoon, mid afternoon on Saturday. So he'd already been there Friday. Yeah. I think he, he'd already done a panel. And I stopped by his booth a few times trying to get a, a minute with him. And every time I stopped by, there was a line of people or just an individual that he was deep in a conversation with. And he, his voice was, I was like, how do you, how do you still do this? By midday Saturday, my voice is shocked. Mm-hmm. And he was big smile on his face and he was doing his thing. Yeah. You know? good, and he, good for him. So if you, if you go to a, a, a comic show, good opportunity, you might run into a designer of a game that you, you know, you grew up with and you know, and you love. Yeah. So yeah, Brian was at the show. Cosplayers were everywhere because this is a, like I was talking about the, the shifting and the show types and a little bit of overlap. Your typical comic and anime show, that's heavy cosplayers and they really cater to them. You know, the things that stood out to me is there was a lot of stormtroopers, good looking stormtroopers where people put yeah. a lot of effort into these yeah. costumes and Jawas. And one of my favorites was there was a Monty Python troop and they look like the, uh, they look like they were from the Holy Grail. Uh-huh. And so there were several of them that were dressed as the characters, you know, as uh, Galahad and, and the crew. Sir Galahad. And yeah. they had a they had one with them. Yeah. He, he had the coconuts. He had the coconut. And he was behind he them. He was right? behind yes, them. Yes, exactly. So you, you would be on an aisle and then you'd hear the coconuts and they'd get louder where they cross behind you and then you'd hear them fade off in the distance. 
was great. Yes. They had put a lot of effort into that. Um, Bob Ross, I don't know if, if Bob is well known outside of the States. Bob's R- not with really? us anymore. Is it, really? He was there? No. Well, cosplayers oh, is cosplayers Bob Ross. Cosplayers yeah. as Bob, Bob Ross. If Bob oh. was there, Bob's Bob's past. Yeah. Oh, has he? Yes, he has. Oh, I did not realize I'm, that. No, now you're wanting to make me Google that. No, no. I, keep talking. I'll Google. You You, you go. But, so. uh, now, I, I don't know if this is... As I mentioned, I don't know if Bob Ross is known outside of the U.S. He uh, he was a painter, and he would do like educational type. Uh, uh, he had educational programming that ran for years. He was oh man, I just I, I just uh, did a quick Bing search, and he died in 1995. Okay, the poor guy was only 52. Yeah, he was young. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Wow. His 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 signature, his visual signature, is just like this full head of like curly hair and um uh, uh like a thick mustache, and he would do painting programs on public television. Yeah. And, and it was, it was just, it was a hit for the time. I guess it was viral for as viral as you could be in the eighties and nineties on television. He was just very, very popular. He very laid back, very interesting painting style. If you have seen any of the trailers for the new Deadpool, like Deadpool two, Deadpool two, he did this thing where he was painting and he had this wig on. He was doing Bob Ross is who he was doing. Oh, so yeah. Okay. I've it, not seen that. Bob okay. Ross has taken on the last couple of years as I've noticed kind of this additional mystique. And he has kind of been on the outskirts of pop culture, but now he's deep into it. I expect a Bob Ross pinball at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, a, bit, a bit tropish. You yeah. Know, yes. if, if you want to call it, he, he's showing, he's like golden girls. He's showing up on shirts a lot here in the yeah, States. Yeah, exactly. So, wow, that's you, you walk into a, a target here uh, and you I, see I, your, your Atari shirts and, and Bob Ross and golden girls. Yeah. It's crazy. I, yeah, I did. I had no, I had no idea that he had passed. I, I in my mind, I, I guess you see, you still see him pop up in enough places that you tangentially think, Oh, he's just no, retired. No, he's not. He's yeah. passed. Okay. Fair enough. And, and I've got pictures from this. I'm, uh, they'll be up on our Facebook page by the time the show goes live. I, my, my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite cosplayers, uh, was Spaceballs related. So I did see okay. a Mog walking around. But at one point in time, I look kind of across the crowd. I see a, I see a guy like, it, it's obvious he's a guy because I could see his face and he's got like the cigar in his hand. And he's in kind of a jacked up wedding dress. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, I don't understand. And then I see the girl next to him who's in the same wedding dress. And it's Princess Vespa and her stunt double. <laughs> oh, do you remember to, the together, scene yes. where they capture their stunt doubles? Yes, yes. So I've got a picture of me with Vespa and her stunt double. I got a picture with Brian, and I got pictures of the show floor and and all that fun stuff. But uh, and they'll all be posted on the Facebook page by the time this goes out. Check them out. They uh, uh, they and they do a lot of as I mentioned earlier. They do a lot on the cosplay stuff. They do a, uh, there's a heavy focus on it. I mean, there's there's a whole row, uh, a whole hallway with a row of rooms where they were doing even the prejudging for the different levels. I guess of the cosplayers that would eventually boil down to the main cosplay contest. So it's one of the focuses they have at a show like this. So yeah, I mentioned some of the celebrity guests. Lavar Burton was there. Brian was there. 
Brian Colon, uh, Carl Urban was supposed to be there. And we know Carl in the pinball world from the Star War, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek Stern pinball. Yeah, in the Kelvin. He was bones in the Kelvin timeline. In the Kelvin timeline series, yes. So if if you have a a a Star War shoot, a Star Trek with recent code on it, Mm -hmm. like when the game first came out, you know, shortly thereafter they followed up with some with the language pack. Well, the language pack is what they called at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, Carl had come in and he actually even did like a little promotional video for him that was out on YouTube of him playing the game. And then he used his voice as bones to do a lot of the additional call outs that's in Star Trek now. Yeah, and it's so. good. It's good. It, it makes. Oh, it, you've got one. Yes, That's right. It, it, and I'll, I'll tell you, I absolutely adore the game. My my wife and I, Jackie and I, play Star Trek quite a good bit, man. When we go down to play together, we almost always start and finish on on that Star Trek. It, it, it's it's fun. I haven't played one since oh, it first so came fun. out. Yeah, and well, that's a lie. I think. I think think there was one at Zanzibar. Yeah, there is one. There, there. He, he had a premium, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. pretty sure I played it a few times. Yeah, and Ants and I got those together. Actually, I, I, I hauled his back with me from Trent's. Oh, okay, I, when, yeah. When I got ours, or when, when, when we got ours. So I played that one a couple yeah. times. Yeah. And then prior to that, I played a couple at. You remember when we did the interview with Larry Pavey? Oh yeah, yeah. way back in the probably yeah. the single digit numbers of the show. Yeah, he, he, he had, had an LE. He just took it out of the box. It yes. still had that fresh LE smell. Yes, it did. Does did <laughs> <laughs> it does? Yeah, <laughs> that. What's your head doing on the coin door? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Smells like pinball. Smells like a brand new pinball. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I haven't gotten to play it a lot. I, I need to, I don't, I, I want to play it again. Cause yeah. I, I, I enjoy the, Oh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Th- that's one of the games where the, where the call outs and the sound effects get me. Oh, I yeah. just really love it. And, and, and I will tell you, that's one of the things that Jackie enjoys about it so much. And she, she said, you know, we, we go around, go around the pinball machines in the game room. And she's like, the Star Trek is the one that feels the most like an experience rather than a pinball game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's, I, I'm lacking there. I need to play that one more. Yeah. I, I liked it when I played it. I, I want to spend some time on it. Yeah. Anyway, so I mentioned, was mentioned the celebrity guests and Carrie Yules was as well was there. And if you've never been to one of these shows, generally what I've noticed is, is they'll have a signing, like a meet and greet area. And it'll be, it, it kind of all depending on how things lay out, they'll have everybody in a general space in a long table and everybody will have their banner and there'll be a queue out in front of their space. And then uh, there's a signing fee. So don't expect to walk into oh, these shows yeah. and get them. I mean, I they, they got to keep the lights on. I understand I, I, it. I, I know. I, I know. I, I, I understand it. I, I roll my eyes in disgust, but I get it. But still it's like, oh, geez. Okay, here we go. But I, I get it. I, I get it. If I could get away with it, I, I could see doing it. <laughs> I think I'm going to be honest with you, Mage, just because I'm a cheapskate. I think that the signing fees in general are a little stupid high. Mm-hmm. I think so as well. Because you're looking at forty mm-hmm. to sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
even more if you you know pack a picture in there with oh it. yeah 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 if you, you go, get upwards of 100 bucks when you look at these shows there's generally a matrix a table of the 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 artist or the celebrity mm-hmm. and uh, this show uh, i made a note here not not only do they have movie and video celebrities but because you've got the comic aspect, they'll have illustrators mm-hmm. and they'll have voiceover people mm-hmm. that, that work in Animation. cartoons and anime. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll have people that are related to comic and pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. All right. And they'll have a table where it's like a matrix, a table, not like a table they set at generally on their website and it'll have their name, It'll have each of the services, signing, mm-hmm. picture, this, combo pack. And then their headliners, generally you'll have a VIP package where you'll get a little bit more personal meet and greet mm-hmm. versus standing in line. And, you know, LeVar Burton isn't going to spend 15 minutes with me. I, and I don't expect him to. He has a line of people that he has to time slice his day and go through mm-hmm. and to respect his fans. Mm-hmm. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. So that everybody gets a fair shot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. So expect that. Don't, if you've never been to a show, that's something that, that it's just part of it, you know? All right. So anyway, to move this along a little bit more, it wasn't all roses. So let me give a fair critique of it. And then I'll give you my wrap up on it. And, and then a couple suggestions. So this particular show, the, the staff, they seemed uninformed. And I had an occasion to ask several staff for something as simple as where are the food vendors? Mm-hmm. And I was sent ping ponging across the show floor. And as my luck would have it, the path that I was sent on never crossed one of what I found later to be multiple food vendors. I that It's the old, if you miss it by an inch, you might as well miss it by a mile. Mm-hmm. And what kind of got me there was, is I would have expected after having talked to three or four people that either they could have found somebody yeah, or would have crowdsourced itself. Or, yeah. They yeah. would have, they would have been able to figure it out. And my, my write off there is, is that if the show of this size, you're, going to get staff that's going to help you wherever they can and they're going to probably most likely be trained on the thing they're doing whether they're doing ticketing whether they're doing whatever but i was just kind of shocked that i did i went through several people and they couldn't tell me at one point i asked someone and i could see on the wall a sign of two places that were like contract vendors for that venue. They were permanent signs. And if you walk into a convention center, at least here stateside, a lot of times you'll have these contract vendors. They've got a permanent sign and they'll open up for events. I was within feet of those, but they were behind a curtain, the curtain that was behind all the people signing. Turned out they were opened. Mm. And because, oh no, you need to go over there. I never walked the additional 15 or 20 feet to peek around the curtain. Yeah. And, and again, I know that they're, they're working with, with probably a lot of volunteers, a lot of people that are season, seasonal workers, yeah. this or that. Yeah. I, I was just a little surprised that there wasn't a little higher level of training or if not a, Hey, look, here's what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you for helping out. Thank you for volunteering. You get a weekend pass. If you got any questions, call Bob. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. there wasn't, a, there wasn't a level of ex- escalation. So 
anyway, that's I'm nitpicking there. The aisles were a little tight at this show. So that's something to be concerned I with. Mean, was that the overall just size of the venue, or just how much they, well, the venue they was, crammed in? I think they crammed in a little more than they 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 than they should have. They should have, and yeah, it almost okay. felt to me that as you got further toward the edges, the aisles got narrower and narrower. Yeah. and they had a couple cho- choke points, like in front of that big massive Star Wars thing that took up half of a wall. That's right where you bottlenecked to an aisle that was probably the width of a supermarket aisle. Oh, I see. And you're moving. 12 columns of people through yeah. it both ways. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was just, it yeah, was, a, yeah. it was a bridge too far. It's too narrow. The, the, the panel scheduling was a little weird. And that's where I go back to, you asked me about the panels. They had Carrie, Carrie Yules, however his name's pronounced. Mm-hmm. I apologize, Carrie. He was supposed to be at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I go to check that out. They bumped him back to noon. And he never even knew. Yeah. No. And, yeah. and if there was a sign somewhere on the show floor, yeah, I, I missed, missed it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And another thing I didn't understand, this was in a huge convention center with a lot of satellite rooms, and they had the speaker guest room. You couldn't have gone any further. The only way to have gone any further in the building was, was to, to been, walk out the door. Was to have been to knock a hole in the wall and go out the yeah, door. It yeah. was just, I never made it all the way to the room. We met, made it to the group that I was kind of walking with. We got almost to the room and there was a staff person there turning people around and informing them. Yeah. So I don't, I didn't get to the room to see if for some reason there was this ginormous room that was on the back. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I don't know, a little nitpicky there anyway. I mean, I would go again and and again, none of this stuff is going to run perfect in any of the shows we go to the, the pen and video shows, they don't run a hundred percent perfect. There's always little things. So overall, I really enjoyed it. I'd definitely go again. I wouldn't let the little things that I thought was a little odd hold me back, and I wouldn't suggest that to anybody that's listening. Overall, though, any show, if you could hit it on a Friday, I think I'd hit it on a Friday. Just generally in the sh- in the shows that we hit for three days, Whitney, I mean, it's am I safe in saying Friday, a little less traveled? Yep, definitely. Saturday tends to be your bigger day. Yeah. Unless you have a compelling reason to go on a Saturday, like a particular panel or the like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I will mention this, and this isn't specific to the Cincinnati show. If you go to, well, I see this a little bit at pinball shows too, except the crowd will turn over in the evening. Oh yeah, it's un- it, it's unavoidable, right? Yeah, and, and I'll mention this specifically for families with with young ones. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed at at comic shows, there are a lot of after hours activities. They'll have uh, air qu- themed proms, and they'll have um, they'll have just parties. And the cosplayer community turns over. As I was walking out the door, there was it probably gets a little more adult as yes, well. Yes, there was an interesting yes. stream of people walking yeah, in. I'm so sure of that. you know, if you're going to go and you're going to take the, the the family and yeah, it's not something. Yeah, I'd there's there's explain. a different after hours aspect yeah. to all of these shows. Yeah, that's but, true. So yeah, that that was Cincinnati, and there was there was gaming content up there. There was a lot of. Um, there was a lot of art, like I said, there was a lot of art vendors here. There was a lot of stuff that would fit our space. I picked up a, uh, uh, 
an artist had done Marty and Doc from Back to the Future in a style that I really liked. So that'll get framed and I'll start I've talked about over the the past several months starting to add artwork and yeah. different decorations in the game room yeah. so that'll get added down here somewhere at some point in time and, and, I, and i'm a sucker for the artwork as well i, I am I, I love just very tasteful retro and pop culture artwork i always have i always will so i've bought quite a bit myself i tell you the going rate for your average artist they'll do their originals and it seems like the going rate for their print mm-hmm. Uh, and a good size print, there's a standard size here in the U.S. that's like 17 inches by like 11 by 17 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a weird size. I, mean, I, think, I think it's called like A1 or something like that. If well, I'm eight, that's, that's uh, eight, eight and a half by 11. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I got a print at Fandom and I, I didn't realize this. I thought it was an odd size because I remember, I'm pretty sure one of, the de- one of the dimensions was 17 inches. And I went into... A uh, Hobby Lobby here, and uh, I don't know how that translates to other places, uh, you know, across the country. I'm sure not everyone has a Hobby Lobby, but nonetheless, I was able to get off-the-shelf frames for this 27 by 41. No, that's that, way too big. That, well, that's a standard movie poster. Size. Okay, yeah, yeah, this is way that's it's, it's smaller. Okay, th- I remember thinking this this was a, it was definitely a dimension I'd not heard of because in, in photographs you get four by six, five by seven. Uh, eight by ten. Yeah, this I just found found this on uprinting.com. Eighteen by eleven, eleven by seventeen. That's probably eleven by seventeen. Yeah, I bet it's eleven 18 by, by twenty four, and then it goes on. Uh, then it just gets bigger from there. So. I bet it was eleven by seventeen. Yeah. Okay. So that 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 rough size is what I see a lot, and you're talking fifteen dollars for one, mm-hmm. uh, twenty dollars for one, and then generally most of the artists are doing. Uh, half over the original purchase price for two. So mm-hmm. maybe 30 for two and some would do 20 for two. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking, you're not talking the original work, but you're talking a really nice print yeah. of, uh, especially if it's something that catches your eye. Yeah, exactly. For not much not, money. Not much money. And, and you're not into custom framing. You're yeah. off the shelf framing. Yeah. So. You know, when you first walk up to a lot of that, at least like I was like, man, I like that, but I don't know if I like it enough to pay what it, what it's what I think he would be asking because it looks like it's worth it. Yeah, for something to hang on a wall with maybe three or four or ten other things that might kind of get, uh, you know, you're working that balance in your brain, and then you're like, you only want how much? Yeah, and then and then that's where I, that's where I tend to buy my art towards the end of the show to make sure that I'm leaving with what I really want mm-hmm. rather than buying it all up front and toting it around with me. Mm-hmm. But I, I still almost always leave with something because it, I'll, I'll find something there I like. So it, this, this has turned into episode set. What episode is this? 73. This is, this is episode from episode 72. I droned on and on and on about 3d printer. So this is, Episode 72's version of the 3D printer, which is comic shows. Comic, comic cons, yeah. Check them out. Yeah. You know, the Cincinnati show again, I, was, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely go again. My little nitpicky things were just that nitpicky. It's different if you're used to pinball and arcade shows, but you don't have to be deep into comics or anime to enjoy a show like this if you've got one that comes close to you and you want to dip your toe into it, go. 
check it out. Definitely. Yeah, everyone I've been to, I bet, I bet they'd be fine. Everyone I've been to, even the ones that have been kind of flops, like the, the Macy's one we keep joking about. It was here in Louisville. I've enjoyed, I've had a good time. There's, there's been a lot to see both in terms of people and product. Oh, it's cool. And then there's a lot to partake in. Yeah. So. All right, Whitney, I can't drone on much more because, I mean, honestly, I think my throat, my voice is about to give out. So <laughs> well, for, let's tell put it this us way. a story, Whitney. So, so here's the thing. For all the updates that you had this month, this month for me will be poignant because I'm the exact opposite for <laughs> lack of updates. Oh, okay, man. lack of updates. Well, Brent, here's my updates. You know, for for all for all that's been said. I, oh my gosh! I, please I, bring. I hate it that that I just don't have that much to say. Please bring us back after my rambling. My <laughs> it's rambling. All, it's hurt, all good. It hurt my it, soul. It, there you go. There you go. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna redeem we're, we're gonna redeem it and bring bring this one home as brent uh this month i got my tna oh did you is like in your hands it is it is in my hands actually right now though i I hate to say this it's sitting in the back of my truck and is your truck in the building oh yeah totally oh yeah 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 yeah, totally and uh oh oh, yeah dude yeah we we wouldn't mistreat something like that you didn't get it to the door you would you have to go to like a shipping depot and get it that's exactly right that's exactly right so let let me tell let me tell a little bit of the story on uh, you know on on how the tna came to came to be at the house so well, first I wrote a check. Yes. Well, that definitely. Well, yeah. No, first, first I let my credit card get charged. Yeah, yes, yes. First I let my credit card be charged. Yes. And I came to grips with what I was going to do. Okay. Then everything followed. How about that? So uh, ordered in, um, ordered in mid December 2017. Uh, took delivery, I'll say mid September 2018. So. By the time you do the math, I mean this 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 was a nine month excursion, okay, from from start to finish. Um, it, it, it's been it's been fun. I will say that watching the the build threads on Pinside and watching people talk about speculation of the numbers and everything, you know, Brent, it's almost like I've gotten a soap opera in addition to so my pinball. The machine, build threads you know? like. I've got my delivery date. Yeah, yeah. It, kind there, of. There, there's, there's two main TNA threads running on Pinside right now, and then there's a third tangential thread that I'll, I'll talk about. Is, is that in the about news. comic shows? No, it's not. Okay. Yeah, no. So we're I'll... safe. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> there's nothing to add to that discussion. How about that? <laughs> and, uh, and so there's there's one thread on just the, the the production of the game and where where it's spooky at, what's going on, what numbers have been ordered, what numbers have been are showing up in customers' hands, this and that. So that's kind of like a crowdsource logistics thread. And then the other is just about the gameplay itself and the game and the theme and Scott Denisi and Spooky and Stern and uh, you know theme theme for theme for this theme for that. You know, do you like the gameplay? Do you want to order two of them? You know, yada yada yada, so on down the line. So two. Two, two fairly different but still related threads and um again the third one I'll, I'll talk about in the news segment but all that being said it, it's been fun to watch the the build and the logistics thread because there's so many people that are talking about oh I, I got my i got my payment email on this day i'm this number i just put my order in how long do you think it's going to be do you think i'll get my game in six months will i get it in eight months or nine months or 12 months or so whatever I, so I just take it from a, a lot a lot of armchair quarterbacking going on there so i'm reading into this yeah. that the the experience isn't exactly 
consistent? N- uh, no. Or or is it no. okay? No, no, no. They're, De- they're, definitely not consistent. If everybody was. It, it, so okay, it's an excitement type thing. Yeah. So I, definitely I, here's fun, my build number. So but, based but on everybody else, I expect about the yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the opposite. It's a yeah, little inconsistent. It, 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 was, okay. it was a little inconsistent because for whatever reason, um, I, I think Spooky built and or delivered games out of order based upon whether you were an operator, whether or not. It, maybe you paid through a distributor. There's, I, I don't know all the reasons. Won't even begin to pretend I know the reasons. But nonetheless, you, know, you did see people post in the thread where they were getting games out of out of quote unquote numerical order and out of quote unquote order order. Um, and so there, there was there was a little bit to try to chase down with that and try to understand you know, where am I really and. You know, based upon these these game numbers coming out, am I still within this window and things like that? But uh, I will say this: KT was always very good about answering questions, and she was literally just an email away. You know, when when you had questions about kind of where the game was at and, and, and stuff like that. So, so when I got my uh, email uh, from uh, from Spooky to confirm my options, uh, that was probably. F- four weeks or so ago and then uh a couple weeks later 10 days or so later got an email to confirm uh payment and everything like that and to kind of quote unquote finalize out the game and uh and get the the shipment logistics sorted out so i chose to have my game delivered at um at, at our local depot and then held there for me to pick it up because brent the shipping was almost half by oh, me, I could by imagine. me doing yeah. that. Okay. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah, and that that's coming by big truck. It's coming by, by the, fifty-three foot trailer. Yes, yes. And then they have to offload it and then send out somebody else in a smaller truck to do home delivery. Most exactly. Cases. And yeah. and that may be a subcontractor that's going to charge R and L that has to be charged yep. back to Spooky, which then has to be covered and charged back to me. So who who knows what the what the mechanics are on that. I decided to just kind of cut cut it out, and and KT and I worked it, and she's like, "Yeah, for X number of dollars, I'll just I'll, I'll just mark it as hold at depot, and then you go get it when you're ready." And I'm like, "Sweet, that works really well." So that's what I did. That's how I had the game room carpet delivered. Yeah, yeah. It's it, if you can do it, it's, yeah. it's it's a smart way to do it. There's no doubt. And um, it, it did take me a couple of days though because uh, the game was actually ready and was scheduled to be delivered while I was uh, out of town on some work travel, and I just asked her to hold it for a few days and just say, "Hey, listen, I, I don't want it sitting at the depot oh, okay. for for another three days while I'm out of town." And you know, stu- the the ratio or the propensity for stupidity to happen while something is just sitting around goes up when everybody's driving forklifts. Yeah. Okay. I, I, the, I, when you said you, they held it for a few days, I was like, oh my gosh. Did, no, 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 no. I no. would have been out of my skin. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I was able to keep that from happening because I went and picked it up at the day that it landed uh, at the day that it landed at, at the dock. Okay, so cool, so cool. everything was good. So, um, according to what I understand, mere hours had transpired. So I, I was able to get it pretty quick. Uh oh, hear that? Uh oh, <laughs> we got a visitor. I hope not. I hope not too. I don't know if the mics picked that up. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was that was the the alarm system. My, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the. the the dog biscuit fed alarm system is going crazy. I, my imitation of my dog sounded like the classic cartoon seal. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. okay. No, but um, so I was able to pick it up and uh, and then just park my truck. And fortunately, I've got. 
I've got a topper on the back of my truck. I've got an F two fifty and got just just like yours, Brent. So we got essentially the same truck, and I've got a topper on the back of it now. And so I so I had the forklift operator drive the game out into the parking lot. And, uh, and then he set it down behind my truck and then right there in the parking lot with nobody around me, no whizzing forklifts driving by while I'm doing, you know, while I'm trying to take a look at everything, I was able to break the cardboard down. Oh, so you actually unboxed it in that parking lot. I sure did. Yes. Yeah. Weather was good and everything like that. So I had no troubles, uh, no rain, you know, nice breeze going on and everything like that. And, uh, and I was able so, to actually unbox it, inspect it, and everything right there in the parking lot at the, at the dock. So was was there any damage to the box? No, the box was pristine. It was I mean, perfect. So Absolutely perfect. I, I would have wondered, I would have, well, you, you hate to assume, but if the box wasn't damaged, I would have maybe snapped a few pictures of it. I did. And then just tilted it in the truck and then just went on home. Well, here's the thing. I had to depalletize it, okay, because it was strapped to a pallet. And I didn't want to take the pallet home with me or mm-hmm. anything like that. And um, Oh, and then I, I'm assuming that it, the, the bottom was... The pallet, the pallet that is correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the gotcha. bottom. So, so it was it was essentially it was essentially a wraparound box with a top, and the bottom was empty because it just slid over, over the pinball machine, and then it was fastened uh, via some some plastic straps to the to the pallet itself. So, if I was going to take the game home, I had two options: I either take it tilted it on its side with the pallet hanging out of the tailgate or I depalletize I, I depalletize the, the the game and just take the game in the box home with me and leave the pallet there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I thought maybe you were more concerned about before you took ownership just inspecting. Oh, well, it. I, I was definitely that as well. I mean, I, but it's it served two purposes gotcha. is what it did. So, uh, I I got the game off the pallet and everything like that and um it, it was it was had it kind of hugged up against the tailgate of the truck to where I could take some cardboard and kind of lean the game over onto the tailbed of the truck and then just lift it up and then slide it in the back of the truck. It worked out. It worked out absolutely perfectly. And, um, and then this is what I do for all of my games that, that I have, that, that I've bought. I take the box and I actually, I actually cut the, I actually cut the box and cut the logo and the serial number and everything like that out of the box itself. Mm-hmm. And then I hang it on the wall in, in my, in my office, in my oh, okay. workroom. And so I've, I've got kind of like a little wall of card, <laughs> a little wall of cardboard going on. And, and I wanted to save the spooky box because it had my name on it and had the number on it and, you know, and the born on date and all that well, kind I'll of stuff. Well, I'll write your name on a box. Whitney, uh, no, it just doesn't carry the same effect, you know. No yeah. offense or anything, well, uh, you know, know. but I'm just, well, I'm just, I, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> seventy three well, might be it. Seventy three is a good run. It. Yeah, there, there you go, there you go. <laughs> Whitney brought it all down with it with a with a signature deny, you know. <laughs> but my uh, feelings. <laughs> but um. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, all things, yeah, all, I got a Trisket things, box. Yeah, exactly, a Trisket box. Um, I'll, I'll sign it with a, you know, I'll sign it with a avoided check stamp or something <laughs> like that. 
But uh, all things being equal, um, it, it worked out really well. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where it, it's a different experience. You know, Spooky's a boutique company, and you just you, you have to understand that going into it, you're not going to get your game as fast as you would if you were ordering from Stern. But it's a different experience. It's, it's a different product. It's a it's a different. Uh, you know, you get uh, you get access to different themes, and uh, it was really cool. And, and and I did appreciate the fact that they took the time you know to to kind of uh cater you through the through the buying and the delivery and and the kind of the, the quote-unquote the born on date and everything <laughs> like that it, it it really brought a human element to the to the entire yeah, not process. just a date but there's actually a time there's on actually here. a time on there that's exactly right now, what they didn't specify is the time zone so don't celebrate it's it's birthday yeah an hour off whitney no i won't do that because i i do know that wisconsin that they're central that that yes, that they're central and I'm Eastern. So I have to, I have to account for that. Yes. So it's all good. I can do that. So that, so on this particular one, I think what? It, 205 yeah, PM. Yeah. 205 PM be 305 yes. my time. So it's all good. But, um, if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it and do it right. <laughs> that's, that's it. But no, I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the personal, the you know, kind of the personal touch aspect of it and everything like that. So it, it's cool. And, um, the only problem that I've had is that I loaded the game, uh, you know, I loaded the game up and that it was uh, getting on towards an evening, getting on towards the evening. The dock closed at seven o'clock and I was, I I got there ahead of that. But when you're just by yourself and you're moving around something like this with, you know, and I purposely, I took no dolly, you know, I just took some gloves and some stretch wrap and tape and what I felt like I would need just to get it up into the back of my truck based Mm -hmm. upon it sitting on a pallet. So I, the way that I had played it out in my head was exactly the way that it played out in person. So I, I was okay with everything that I had, but it's just one of those things where you've just paid, you know, you've just paid a significant amount of money for this thing. You want to, you want to give it a good look over and make sure yep. that everything is square before you leave. Because as soon as you leave, it's, I mean, it's, it's your problem, whether it, it's yours, whether it's a problem or not, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. So uh, w- with all that being said, you know, I got on home. I, I knew that based upon what I had to do that evening, I, I would not have time to to mess with it that evening. Uh, wound up traveling for work for a couple of days, and then Brent, the rain is hit. And so that's your problem. So right now, yeah. the rain is my problem. Yeah. yeah so w- I'll bring this all the way back around to the very front of the show, and you know, but it's safe. But it's oh, it's totally it's safe. In a, it's in an enclosed truck in a building. That's exactly right. It's sitting in it's sitting in the back of my truck, which has a topper over it, sitting in my outbuilding, which is in and of itself completely sealed to the elements. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this thing is hurting in any way, shape, or form. The only thing that's hurt is my is my feelings because it's not in my house, you know. So and none of us care about that. Well, so. I, you know something, I've, <laughs> especially me. I've got I quit caring about episode fifty. <laughs> about episode fifty, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah. So it so it's just one of those things where yeah, I just I just haven't been able to get it inside because it's funny. A uh, friend of the show, Daniel Copeland, he he was he he bought a TNA and 
uh, he's already got delivery on his and he and I were just talking about the whole process and he was like man dude I can't believe you don't have that thing in your house yet and so I was explaining to him the rigmarole that I have to very technical term the rigmarole that I have to go through in order to get games in and out of my basement because of how our deck is situated over the back of the house and my truck's super heavy and I can't drive it over I can't back the truck right up to the back of the house because that's where our septic tank is at and an 8,000 pound truck crushes oh, septic yeah, go tanks right goes right through it and with all this rain it just my truck would get stuck in the yard and um i will say this i i, I love our trucks but they are absolutely no use none whatsoever once they have no traction or limited traction because yours, yours is a four-wheel drive yeah right? and and i have to put it in four-wheel yeah. drive to do oh, anything with I've, it i've done that i i don't know how many times in, in it's just it won't go anywhere. It won't but go anywhere. All the weight, yes, is in the nose of the truck. Is, is is in the nose of the truck, and and it's almost like if it doesn't, if, if it's in anything less than good traction, it it can't push itself if, if around. If you fill the bed up, it uh-huh. actually rides better. I, I can I can believe that. I can believe that because because the truck is probably a bit more balanced that it, way. Yeah, yeah, it takes, it takes, it takes the, some of the the, the, the nose diviness out yep, of it. Doesn't it takes it? some of the stiffness and the bounciness out of the tail because yeah. it's sprung for a heavy load because it's sprung yeah that, yep so 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 i can't get the truck in the yard if it even if there's even dew on the grass i can't get the truck in the yard mm-hmm. so i have to go through um i have to go through a scenario where i use my utv to in in my open trailer and then i'll transfer from my building to the trailer and then drive you know hop on my little utv and ride it around the back of the house and then unload it there it's it, it's whole production but anyway first world problem but it's a first world problem that i just haven't been able to address well, you, you've yet. played this game before oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah you, you knew oh it's it's totally expected yeah. yeah and once i explained the whole situation to daniel he's like oh okay i get it you know and it's like yeah it's it's not just i i can't just you know, whip open my french doors and roll my games out into a trailer it just doesn't work that way at my house it's just not the way it's set up so. i'm very fortunate here and it, honestly it was one of the selling points of the house i have direct access to my driveway from yeah. my basement. Yeah, it's and handy. When, when I had to redo that portion of the house, it had a it's a double door width, but it mm-hmm. had a faux door on one side. It didn't open. It just looked like a door. Yeah. And when I redid all of it, I made both doors open. Yeah. And I had a custom made, and it wasn't near as expensive as you would have thought, a custom made storm door. Uh-huh. So they both, the, the inner doors open in, the storm doors open out. Yeah. And you could, I mean, you could bring a, a small car through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, right and off the driveway. Right off the driveway. Yep. Yes, because there because there's no there's no frame obstruction obstructing the middle. You know, in between the two doors or anything like Correct. that. Yeah. So, uh, I would like to eventually have my door scenario at my basement reworked so that that would be the case. But as of today, it's not. So anyway, and that still wouldn't solve the game hauling scenario that I find myself in. And it's largely because of where the septic tank is in relation to how the deck covers the Mm -hmm. basement and everything like that. It's just, you know, it's just the way it's laid out, you know? So anyway, there's that. So I'm hoping this week I I, I will get the the TNA down into, into the basement and moved in. But, 
uh, before I wrap this up, and like I said, Brent, I told you it, it wasn't very long. Well, that's all right because yeah. I ram- I rambled on. So well, the, well, I'm a rambler. We'll we'll equal each other out for this month. I do want to give uh, a couple of uh, of shout outs to some to some good friends of the show and listeners. Number one, Jim Hale, he sent me a sack rack. And uh, for anybody who has been an following SAC. an SAC, and I have it, no idea what this is. Well, it is a it, it is a three D printed, and, and I, I will have to show you a picture of it. Or I tell you what, I'll bring, I'll remind me, and I'll bring it with me next I mean, month. Can I Google this? I'm afraid to Google. Well, this. just it, well, it's not what you think, okay? And it's not how it sounds, okay? Because <laughs> you, you get, and, gosh, I hope not. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, SAC it, that that what was uh, Bally had uh, that interchangeable cartridge game system and it was the uh sente the valley sente yeah and i thought there was some something sac something mm. anyway I, I, I don't know but this isn't it what this is it's, it's oh, a, i figured that yeah yeah it, it's a 3d it's a 3d printed coin holder and it's it's meant to hold susan b anthony coins that's what oh, the sac for is okay. for susan anthony coin uh so it's it's a sack rack is what it is and it holds i believe it holds four um if i'm not mistaken four for uh for uh dollar coins for playing dollar games okay and so it's for competition is what it is oh, so this isn't just like if i went out to thingiverse this isn't just, no 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 it's no. specifically made what it's 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 made by some folks on pin side why are you carrying around Susan B. Anthony's. No, nobody, hardly anybody would. It's for it's purely for dollar games and competition is what it is, and and a lot of people regard even even now already a lot of people on pin side are regarding TNA as like one of the ultimate four player competitive games, mm-hmm. and for for doing dollar for doing dollar games for number one gambling for the sake of gambling and competition, but also keeping it at a very uh, a very you know not. Uh, you know, minimal or nominal level, you know, with, that's that's up for grabs. So they they use it for um, the Susan B. Anthony coins, and that's that's how everybody ponies up their ponies up their coins. It's actually it's actually really cool, and uh, it seems to be like an unofficial accessory for for TNA. So Jim, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. I was looking um, to see if I could find the model for it. <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's made it out to Thingiverse or not. I, I'd have to do some more research on that to find out. I mentioned Daniel Cope. I just want to say thank you to him for just a lot of the play-by-play discussion on on his TNA experience and uh, giving me some advanced insight into a metal speaker panel grill that he is uh, or a metal speaker panel and it also serves as the grill the, to cover the speakers um, for the for the TNA for the back box on TNA. So that looks like that's going to be going to be pretty sweet if he decides to do anything mass production on that. And then uh, last but uh, in no way, shape, or form least, um, I'm just I'm mentioning the pinball stuff together. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, my good buddy Porchy over in the UK from JamArcade.net. Uh, he and I were talking over the past month. Uh, quite a bit as we do and he hooked up uh, my daughter grace with a uh, game boy everdrive 
cartridge, which is uh, one of the multi-carts for the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. And so, uh, Porchy, thank you. And so I sent him a picture, Grace, after she opened it up. And once I told her what it was, she, she got a big smile on her face. <laughs> so that so that was pretty cool. So I think I mentioned it last show where Victor from the Ten Pence Arcade, he gave Grace a Game Boy Color. And so Porchy and I have been talking about the Game Boy quite a bit and everything. And he's like, oh, hey, if your daughter really likes that, just you know, send me your address and I'll hook her up with something. And then... You know, a couple weeks later, the EverDrive shows up. So that's that, awesome. that was that was very, very sweet. So, Porgy, thank you, um, my mate, for that. So that's all I've got, Brent. I, I've traveled for work quite a bit, and um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of any of my updates would be around just other stuff that I've had going on at home, which um, fortunately are not plumbing related for this <laughs> month. So I'm thankful for that. But, well, then why would we talk about? Yeah, it? exactly. But don't really qualify into the uh, into the show itself. I mean, quite honestly, I've spent some of my time reworking home home storage and and stuff like that. So my NAS and hard, swapping hard drives and computer stuff. Let's well, put it that way. You got to keep the lights on, so to speak. Well, there is that. Yeah. I do. I do suppose. So yeah, that's it, buddy. It. That's all I got. Well, Whitney, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to transition into the uh, next segment of the show where we're going to do a little tech talk. I mentioned earlier in my updates the, the the power supply adapter that I put in Tron. And I've used a few of those from Arcade Shop. So I wanted to mention, I don't want it to sound like a sales pitch for the adapter as much as, hey, look, this is my experience in using them in a couple classes of games. Yeah, no, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear this. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And then I'm kind of scrolling through here and it looks like uh, I'm glad my wallet is hidden because the Spinbrint's money section looks long and formidable. It, especially towards the end, it's pretty formidable, yes, but good stuff nonetheless. I do see a couple of sweet things in here that I've... Um, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, I think right. stuff, yeah, yeah, stuff we've all, stuff all been that, looking at. So I've seen earlier solutions for that technology looks like it's caught up with. Yeah, exactly, cool. exactly. Earlier in the show, Whitney, we talked a little bit about my updates, and one of the things that I keyed in on was the power supply adapter that I put into the Tron that I'm working on. We've talked about these on the show before. I've used, to date, oh man, one, two, three, probably five or six and I've, oh, okay. Yeah, I've used that quite mi- a few. That many? I have. Wow. And I've split them between the, the, the MCR games like Tron, Satan's Hollow, Spy Hunter, and the Midway L board games, which is what you're going to see in your typical Space Invaders. So your your Midway style Space Invaders. That's going to be like the red cab or the, the white cab with the, the, the monster blue. type artwork yeah. on the side of yeah. it. Now, there was two flavors of Space Invaders stateside, perhaps worldwide. I'm talking about the Midway style. And there's a lot of games that use that L board design and a similar power supply. If I've got my history right, I think Space Invaders was actually the last game to do that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it goes back quite a ways. What's the uh, sub game? I've got two of them out in the garage. Oh, Seawolf. Seawolf. We talked about that in prior Uh shows. Yeah. Those two games came in with the the collection I purchased last summer. Well, they've got that L board in them, if I remember correctly. Anyway, those are the two flavors that I've used. I've had really, really good luck with them. I just want to talk a little bit about 
my experience and kind of some do's and don'ts and things, things that I've learned. So first of all, check your connectors. All right. And this really kind of more applies to your MCR two game. And again, there may be other games that are applicable, but on the MCR two side, you've got a battery on the power supply that supplies a little voltage to run the backed up ram where the high scores are saved back on the game board okay okay Mm -hmm. so okay great it's not out on the game board like a lot of other manufacturers did so if it grenades you're not taking out the game board like a la pole position or a mega race or a handful of other or pretty much every pinball you're taking out this power supply board it's a little bit more manageable and the more delicate logic board cpu board that's safe and off to the corner Mm. great okay but they still leak and when they leak the way they're organized the way the board is oriented rather you're going to get that corrosion coming down the board it'll get in the connectors and it'll follow up into the wiring so before you plug them in on your on your mcr games look in the end of the connector and check them out when i did the spy hunter for the gentleman as part of the the purchase that brought the sea wolves in and a bunch of other games in we talked about them you know last summer on other shows i repaired the spy hunter for him and one of the problems was the power supply had corroded sure enough i had to go through several of the connectors and and repin them make sure the wire was good cut back to good wire Mm -hmm. it had sat long enough to leach up into the wiring what happens there is, is you might plug it in and it might work but that corrosion is going to continue to spread yeah. and it's going to foul that connection. And it's also going to walk its way back into the power supply adapter. Wait, how about long ago was it Whitney that I had that Gottlieb roller disco? Hang on. It was, let, let me look. Oh, this was several years at this point. And this is when we were talking about the Y numph. If I'm, I'm probably even getting that wrong. It's a an MPU replacement that was popular, and I'm assuming he's still out there because this has been several years. Oh, it, it, not just several years, like lots of years. Oh wow! So okay. this goes back to episode. This goes back to episode eight. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, we're on episode seventy three. So that's a long time yeah, ago. This this is back in the mid twenty fourteen time frame. Oh geez, can you believe that? No, it seems like yesterday. It does. Yes. So anyway, when I was a younger, more handsome gentleman. Many, many years ago, I had this Gottlieb Roller Disco System 1, and the, the MPU replacement at the time was a Y-Numpf. Y it's interesting spelling. I'm sure I'm butchering the name. Whoever had put that in before I got the game, they didn't do what I'm suggesting. They didn't check the pins. So I had this replacement MPU that was having problems, and I pulled the connector off, and sure enough, there was corrosion on the pins on the header of uh, of one of the connectors, and it had walked itself back onto the brand new shiny replacement MPU board that someone had put in there before I owned the game. I ended up having to repair the connectors and this aftermarket board because they didn't do their homework on the front side. So anyway, check your connectors on your MCR games. Check your voltages. I mean, this is basic type stuff. And for example, when I just connected everything up, the switcher and the adapter in this Tron, Tron wouldn't fully boot up. I've got sort of this weird slash random pattern of crud on the screen. Turned out it just needed a few more tents on the power supply. And I, I was golden. What I what I do is 
I'll fire up a switcher unloaded and, and there's, I say schools of thought. I'm, I, yeah, I, there's it, definitely camps on this topic yeah, for sure. And, and I'm sure an electrical engineer will, that understands the power supply and a, and a switching, a typical switching power supply circuit will say there's feedback and you got to have it loaded. And, and I've never had a, a an, an unloaded switcher, uh, not fire up and give me five volts. Okay. Unless it was bad. If I had one that's bad, I've connected it to a circuit and not that's not fixed it. It's not given it a load. And then the feedback side of the circuit and the switching power supply work. And then all of a sudden I've got a, I've got something I can read. Yeah. Okay. I, I have had in my experience a hundred percent correlation with, I'm going to plug it in, unload it and I get a reading off of it. And it's a, it's a, supply that's going to work now that's not going to say it's not going to work under load there could still be other issues with it but i have had good luck just quick dirty tests unloaded and that's what i do every time i do this i'll go ahead and hook the supply up to power unloaded and check the five volt just to kind of see where it's at Worst case, if I dial it into five or 5.1 volts and i get a load on it and that changes fine i'm going up I'm not going to plug it in and it's at like six and a half volts or something silly. And I got to get in there and go down really quick. That was the case here. I checked it unloaded, set it at five or 5.1, powered the thing up under load, had to bring it up a little bit more. I think on this game, I ended up around 5.2 volts at the supply. Mm-hmm. And you, you know that's to account for some loss through all the connectors, mm-hmm. and then those MCR boards. That's that's like a three board stack. There's a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 no doubt. So that's why I've got a little extra on it. Tip on the power: don't hook it up to an unswitched source. So that's really easy to do if you're rummaging around in the bottom of your. Space Invaders cabinet or your Seawolf with cabinet. a multimeter just yeah. poking around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, here's 120 volts, you yeah. know, or whatever your you know pick your voltages and your wherever you can get these adapters at. I I, don't, I I guess this arcade shop, they'll probably ship international, right? I mean, oh, I'm sure they would. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, never had to, but I'm sure. Sh- I mean, I'm sure they would. You could get your, you could get a power supply a. a Typical hap style switching power supply, probably most anywhere, but the arcade shop switching power supply adapters is they're unique to arcade shops. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they'll ship the the combo kits, which is the adapter and the supply, or at least just the adapter anywhere in the world. No, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they would. You know, yeah. I I would think if you can get them, man. Part of me likes the originality of it. And even in my own games, I generally don't run them, but I have. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to be said for a proven piece of hardware that's not going to add uh, little weird idiosyncrasies to your system. And the reason I say that is, is solutions prior to these adapters didn't always address the what the game needed that was that was built into the factory linear supply. And I'll take Space Invaders, the the L board set for an example. The factory supply has a circuit built into it that'll send a reset to the game board. And the reason for that is, is 
the supply will come up, but it might not come up in such a way that the game can successfully start. So the supply, after it stabilizes, will shoot a reset over to the game board. Now, this happens faster than yeah. you'll see it. Oh, yeah, but, but it happens nonetheless. It happens nonetheless. So that as an operator, as a, a person on location that has turned a game off and the operator isn't there till next Wednesday, they're going to get a successful boot every time, mm-hmm. okay? And the example on the MCR2 side is there is circuitry in it to account for, uh, among other things, that battery backup, Okay, they handle that on the adapter as well. So, you know, this stuff has gotten a little bit more scientific than the old school days of going out to eBay uh, before it was so integrated with PayPal and eBay was eBay. (laughs) We all used to know and love and buying what was basically a glorified uh, cabling adapter. All right. There's there's actually a little bit more, a lot more technology and design behind these adapters that mm-hmm. that i know arcade shop sells so I, i've sent a little bit like a fanboy here and i am i've had unbelievable success no with that, well i mean that's good uh, because there's i mean there's definitely schools of thought on that as well a lot of people say well you should run the power supply that it came with and it's like uh maybe if if it's called for mm-hmm. but I, I think you just have to take each game on its own merit i if what well, I've made the argument plenty of times, and I still feel this way on the pinball side. I'm not a fan of the replacement boards, okay? I've seen, for for example, just as recently as this week, I've seen one of the Facebook groups where someone was looking for help trying to replace a driver on an aftermarket board. Well, the drivers were surface mount. And I think some of the, the third-party board manufacturers have addressed that and gone back to through-hole type stuff. But now this gentleman or lady, I I didn't even honestly look, I I was looking at the pictures and reading the, Hey, can you help me here? I didn't even pay attention to the name. I I was like, you've got a transistor that's driving a coil or a flasher and it's surface mount. Mm -hmm. And yeah, surface mount transistors there, you've got physical tabs that are, they're still tiny and they're the chances are I'm not going to call up Whitney or Whitney's not going to call up Brent. Oh yeah. I got a tip, so tip one Oh two or tip one twenty two or whatever yeah. Here it is. Let's yeah. go. Let's it's fly. just very, very easy to fix. Right. Yeah. They, they, I almost take it like, so some of them are almost direct copies in terms of circuit layout and component. And then others, they try to go a step beyond and that's where they end up, in my opinion, shot in the foot. And, and I know in the early days there was some even, uh, something similar, there was like high voltage boards for well 6100 vector monitors. I've got one of them stuffed in a game out here. I don't know what I'm going to do because I, it's a completely different circuit of that person, that vendor's design. And honestly, when I get to the game, I'm probably just going to have to scrap it and, and source original parts or something. There, There's solutions out there today that are based in the original hardware and the original design so that there's at least some kind of relatable documentation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Now that doesn't, that goes against everything I've seen about the arcade shop stuff because it is new tech air quotes. It's new design air quotes. At the end of the day though, the price isn't as high and the pieces, the parts that I've looked at, it's, it's through hole. So it's serviceable. Okay. And, Honestly, let's be. I don't see arcade shop going anywhere. You're not putting a, an exorbitant amount of money in it, 
So 10 years from now, if something happens, you'll either go with the next thing or you'll repair your original part or something. You'll have an alternative. So I, I don't have as much heartburn about it, honestly, because to me, I feel it's serviceable. Yeah. And I've yeah. had a good experience with it. And the expense is not that great. Yeah. It, I mean, it's nominal okay. for what, for the convenience you get. I'll say that. Yeah, or pull up Arcade Shop's page, Whitney, if you can find it. Because I, I know they do the MCR, obviously, MCR2. Mm-hmm. They do the the L the Bally Midway uh, the Midway L board, and they do I think a Gorf, which would probably also work for Wizard of War, and they may have a couple others. But yeah, yeah, they've got uh, oh gosh, they've let's see one two three four five six seven. Oh wow, okay, so eight, they've really expanded it. Nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've got adapters for a lot of games. Okay, here. so would you count ten or twelve? Oh, there's well, actually, there's two pages full. Oh, okay, yeah. awesome. All right. Yeah, so I'm going to say there's fifteen, if not more. So, and, and again, you know, my experience is just with these two different, these two particular ones, and I've had such a good experience. I, I that wouldn't stop me from ordering any of the others. But overall, so l- let's let me let me get back to it because I'm covering some some general some general recommendations here when you're go, we're talking about hunting for the, for the, the voltage for the power supply, you're looking for that 120 volt in the U S AC. That's what got me off on a tangent about other, you know, other countries and other aspects of it. Make sure you get something that's switched because I've heard the stories of people like tapping these in the first place they find 120 volt and they're doing it before all the cabinet switches what ends up happening is, is they'll reach up and they'll turn the game off. It turns the monitor off, turns the marquee lights off, turns anything else in it off, but there's still power to the switcher. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the board, game's still running. The board's still running. Yeah. yeah. And it, basically you end up with that board running 24 hours a day. You're putting wear and tear on the board. Not, maybe not so bad on a modern switcher. But you you probably don't want that on your you don't you don't want your your spy hunter sitting down there running twenty four hours a day seven days a week exactly yeah exactly watch where you tap into and I use the Tron to get in as a good again as a good example really close to where I was going to mount the switcher I've got the whip for the monitor well okay do I do I tap into that. If you trace on the Tron, I bet the other MCR games are like this. I'm sure they use the same, if not an unbelievably similar transformer fuse block assembly in the floor of the cabinet. If you walk those wires back to the isolation transformer, Mm -hmm. it's labeled for one amp. All right. (laughs) That's not going to cut it. No, no. So you don't want to turn around and have the monitor and the switching power supply off of that one leg of your isolation transformer. No, it'll burn it up, man. That's it's a quick way to buy a new one if you if you like them shiny, (laughs) I guess. Really fast. Yeah. So on the Tron, what I ended up doing is in the in the center of that that assembly, if you will, there's a board in the floor of the cabinet that's got your ISO on it. It's got some other other caps on it, some other elements of the, the power plant, if you will, there are, there's a, there's a, a, a header that is just a series of tabs that fan out. And in one of the, one of the tabs is your input voltage or your input lines for all the lighting and kind of 
I don't know how to describe it, kind of fanned out off of that yeah. or all the other tabs that all of the mar- all the marquee and the, the fluorescence, all that plug into, there was another set of open tabs that's in the floor of that game. I just crimped on a set of connectors and slid them right in the tabs and yeah. away I went. Okay. Now, if I didn't have a, an open set of tabs, what I was going to do was take a set of terminal connectors and basically make a little Y cable. Where I'm going with this is... I'm pretty sure, at least in all the kits I've got, they'll send you a basic little wiring harness and a couple of those little vampire taps. Okay. So you okay. find your, you'd find where you want to pull your, your voltage from, and you put the little vampire tamp on it, and you put your wire in it, you crush it with a pair of pliers, and it cuts into the insulation of your source side and then bridges it with the little vampire thing that you just, the metal piece that you crushed with your pliers. And I, I, there was only one thing I use those for, and that's to fill a trash can. <laughs> yeah, those things are not good at no, all. No, I just just I, the source of so many problems. I, I don't, I, I don't like the idea of cutting into my insulation, of potentially severing some of the strands of my wire. I just uh, that metal piece. There's a little flap. Like I said, you crush it with a pair, with a pair of pliers to run the tap into your source wire mm-hmm. and then there's a little flap that that'll clip over that to insulate it because it'll be hot at that point in time it'll be hot with whatever current is on the source cable i've seen those break off and you got that stuff flopping around in the breeze and i see them a lot they i don't know i'm sure they've been around forever but i remember them being very common when i was squirreling around a lot with Cars and stereos. Car stereos. That's exactly aftermarket head units and uh, amplifiers alarm systems, and alarms. The early oh, alarm yeah. systems. All of and that. I never used those. No. I always would make a Y adapter or I would split into my wire at a tab where it was connected yeah. and then properly seal it up. I, mean, so. I see those vampire connectors and I just shake my head. And it's like, why is that? Why is this even a good idea? You know, but there it is. So like I said, on the MCR game, on, at least on the Tron, I had that where I, where I had the connectors fan out with a little factory fixture for all the lights and they had a spare tab on it. So I just used those. The other games, for example, the, uh, the Space Invaders, take a look around the interlock switches. And if you do a little probing, you'll figure out pretty quick which side is switched and which side is unswitched. And, and like I said, just work your way through the game and find you a place that will switch off with the game. And in a game like Space Invaders, you've got the two doors. You've got the upper door and the lower door. The upper door access to the top of the monitor where the drop-in card is. It's got the spa- the the base, the moon base, and all that stuff in it. The lower doors where the game board is, and both of those have interlock switches on them. And then there's a switch on the top of the game. Tron's the same way. It's got the upper lower doors, two interlocks, safety switches, and a button on top of the game. So whatever you find, make sure it turns off with all the switches. Don't get something in the middle where you've got something that's hot when this switch is tripped and that switch isn't and yada, yada, yada. Test everything so that you know if anything turns the game off, it truly turns the game well, off. Well, and I'll tell you, your suggestion on the interlock is actually really good because you would already physically have a break in the wiring harness right there, mm-hmm. uh, a factory break in the wiring harness, and you can guarantee that when that interlock is pulled out or popped out, it, it, 
the, there, there's nothing, there's no power going right. to that board. So if, if the machine is off, then it's off. And if the machine is opened up, then it will automatically power down the switcher as well. So, I mean, to me, it's the perfect place to go. Uh, and yeah. And, so, and some people might not care about the interlocks. I know the first thing that, that I'm I'll do. I'm a big fan of them, man. I like them. Well, the first thing I'll do when you open a game, you got to turn it on if yeah. you're trying to fix it. I understand. But I know that, okay, I am turning this game on. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather turn it on on my own accord. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, I know that there's still elements in that that transformer assembly or the power area of most games that will be live because you have to have power enter the game and get to the, that, that switching. Get to the interlock, yeah. Exactly. Yep, yep. But just like you said, I understand that. And I know that, okay, the monitor isn't going to come on or this linear supply or the switcher isn't going to come on or this isn't going to work mm-hmm. or the fixture. If you've ever been shocked by a fluorescent light fixture, mm-hmm. thinking you're cool and getting in there and changing stuff with the with it turned on, yeah. you don't do it again. No. Huh? You know that it's on or off by your own accord. You by hit your the nail on the head. That's exactly right. Uh, in, in kind of in that vein of where you're hooking stuff up, hook up the earth ground too. So you've got that FG, which you usually see on a switching power supply, like frame ground, and it's you've got your ground symbol that you see on schematics, and it, that runs off to the third pin on US plugs and whatever the pin is in your locale. Make sure you hook that up. And it, it, in these games that you're putting these adapters in, those aren't hard to find because from the I've not opened up any game, no matter how, let's just go with how, inexpensive the manufacturer may have made the game and there's some beloved games and you open it up and it (laughs) it is trash on the inside it's like an atari you open up an atari they put it's like the board is here this is wired great this is i mean atari set a pretty fairly fairly high standard for u.s manufacturers and how their games are assembled how like the the monitors they really thought it out yeah you open up a cinematronics and you're like, wow, the only thing that would make this a little cheaper is if they would have just used like cardboard from a cereal box. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is yeah. Spartan. It's Spartan. But yeah. the, you're, even in, even in a, a, or a, a century is the same way. It's maybe a step up from the way cinematronics. I, I, would, say, I would say it's a step up, and, and that's, all, and that's yeah. all it is. A little baby is, step. Is a baby step. But all those games still... They're still running. All the metal is interconnected with a with a wire, generally green. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll see a lot in the the Bally games. They'll use a flat piece of metal, and it'll have like a yellow insulation. I, over I, it. I, Nintendo does the same thing. They yep. use a ground strip, and that's awesome. Yeah. And it goes everywhere. So it's not difficult to find a place to tap in and tie that supply into the ground of the game. In the Tron, there was another row of headers right there in the center of the the power assembly in the bottom of the game where all of those green wires homed. And then there was a jumper that went over to the little filter right where the power comes in because that's where the ground from the walls tied into brings it into the game. Yeah. Extra header, I just crimp, uh, crimped a little connector on the end of it, plugged it in. Yeah, and if, if there wasn't, you know, what I've done before is put like a little ring connector on it and screwed it, pulled the screw off of one of the tabs of the isolation transformer because that's metal mm-hmm. and it should also be in that ground loop and just grounded it there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just if you're going to do it, 
spend just do the, it right. Spend the extra couple minutes <laughs> yeah, and just do, do it right, right. Yeah, exactly. and then it won't give you any problem down the road, or so, or hurt somebody, or, or hurt you or your or somebody else later on down the road. All right. So the the last thing is mounting, and, and to me. Everything else is kind of just rote. You just this is how you need to do it. You need to wire it with with a with a little thought. Wire it with good connectors. Don't just kind of hash and trash slop it in there. That's just a given. And where you're where you're kind of out of your control is how this adapter mounts to the supply. And I understand how they do it and why they do it. And wh- what they do is is there's fingers that jut out of the edge of these connectors and they line up with the um, the screw terminal block on the switchers, okay? So like the MCR one, and, and I can't remember about the the L board one. I, it may be the same, but mm. the ones I've had for the MCR games, there's two sets of these headers so that they can account for a couple different power supply configurations. How, how, the, how the pins are ordered. Is it 5-volt ground minus 512, or is it 512 ground? You know, the order's different. So you have to look at the supply, and you have to look at the two options you've got on your adapter and say, okay, this one matches up. And what you do is you back all the screws out, slide it under the screws, those little fingers, and you tighten the screws down. I understand why they do it. You don't have any wires to mess around with. Your manufacturing is a little less because you're not, you know, soldering on on flying wires that then have terminal connectors on the end of them. It makes it a lot easier for a little bit more non-technical arcade owner to basically plug and chug because if you just match up A with B, you don't have to worry about the yeah. wiring and maybe yeah. crossing and putting a ground on five or something like that and then having problems. It, it's it's a lot easier straight straight ahead. Now, what I, what I kind of don't like about it is, is you don't get a lot of bite under those screws. Yeah. But in aggregate, if you got a couple grounds, two grounds, a five, a minus five, and a 12, you've got five screws. So you get a pretty substantial bite overall combined on this board all right and where i kind of don't like it is this board because it goes into that screw down terminal it's jutting 90 degrees off the power supply yeah where this all comes into play is is just pay attention before you screw the thing down so that you don't orient it in such a way that you've got a heavy wiring harness hanging on it Mm -hmm. it may never and i've never had one cause a problem but I could see that if I didn't put it in there in such a way that it, it had a little bit of strain relief. Yeah, fatigue may be an issue. Fatigue. And yeah. eventually I could see it slowly pulling that mm-hmm. that like kind of wrenching, mm-hmm. kind of at a little bit of a torque, a little twist, walking that adapter out of the end of the power supply. Yeah. yeah. The Midway games, the Space Invaders I've done, it's not been a big of a deal because the adapter is actually pretty narrow. And the plug is pretty much at the floor level level of the cab. So you can screw it right to the floor of the cab, plug it right in, and it's pretty good to go. The MCR stuff, you've got pretty good size Molex connectors. I think one's a 12 and the other might be a 10 or something like that that plug into it. And at least on the Trons, I, I can't remember... On the Spy Hunter. On the Tron, it's up on the left wall. 
and it comes right down. It's clipped right there to the wall. And if you mount it high on the wall, you can plug right into it and you don't have a lot of weight dangling on that adapter. Makes it nice and solid. I want to say the Spy Hunter, when you open the cabinet, you look straight to a wall. There's a board right in front of you that would be parallel with the front of the cabinet. And that's where the original power supply was. You're looking straight at it. And the wires come down from above. So you have to mount that power supply facing upward to, to make it all kind of fit. Yeah. But I, I'm really belaboring, uh, uh, laboring the point rather. Just pay attention to what you're doing, where you're mounting it, and just consider that, all right, if you're moving the game, if you're taking it to shows, if you're getting a little a little active, you know, messing with the cabinet. You don't even just you brushing the harness right. when you're inside of just, it. Just pay attention yeah. to it. I, I've never had it. I'm probably overthinking it. I've never had one come off. And like I said, I've used several of them, but just pay attention so that you don't start screwing things in. And then you're like, Oh wow, this is barely reaching or I've got a lot of weight hanging on this thing. Think it out, think it through a little bit. And I mean, I, I don't see that you'd have any problems. Yeah. yeah. No, and, I, I'm sure it works well. If, if you, th- if you just sort yourself through it, start to finish. And, and again, I've, I've had nothing but good luck with these. I've used them in several games. I'd have to think, I, I don't think I currently have any in a game in my collection, but I have had in the past and I've resurrected a few games specifically Space Invaders, that I piece back together. I come up with all the parts. I started with, I did this a couple years ago. I had two pretty darn nice Space Invader Deluxe cabinets. And over time, I found board sets. I found um, the uh, bezels. The bezels were gone. I found the, you know, sourced the rest of the pieces to build the monitors back out. They were pretty much stripped. And honestly, a power supply adapter was a no win. Uh, I mean, it was a, was a win, win. It was yeah. not a no win. It was a win, win. I, I didn't have to hunt one up and then repair it. I could just make a phone call and I knew it was going to work. It, yeah. You knew period. it was going to work. Yeah. And it made, and I'm sure it makes troubleshooting the rest of it a much more confident process because it's like, well, I know my power is good. I've got a brand new supply and the adapter gives me everything that I need from a connectivity standpoint. So if anybody out there has got experience with any of the other supplies or even bad experiences with these, I'd love to hear from you. So just you know, email me, brent at brokentoken.com, or hit us up on the Facebook page. You can send us a, a, a private message. Whitney and I will see anything that goes to the page, or uh, you can even post. We have posts for uh, members. If, you're, uh, if you follow the page, you can post on the page, you know, post something to the page and say, Hey, yeah, I've used this here and I had this experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be good. It would be good to hear other people's experience. Cause like I say, if you read on the forums and some people kind of poo poo them, some people really extol their virtues and it seems like you can just go back and forth on the topic and <laughs> not really get anywhere unless you just try them yourself and then determine whether or not it's, it's the right thing for you. Well, like, me, me for one, I'm glad they exist. I'm glad we've got the option. Well, like I said, Whitney, I was resistant, and I've said I've said this on different shows, on our show. I'm still of this opinion on the pinball side. If I can fix the original board, 
I, I would I would much rather do that. There's just such a track record out there through Facebook now, all the forums, all the old news groups. There's such a wealth of knowledge. You've got to wade through some other stuff. Yeah, definitely do that. There's such a wealth of knowledge for fixing, for diagnosing a known entity. And you can kind of do that with some of the third-party boards because they, they've they looked to make drop-in, same circuit, same component, for the most part, replacements for those classic parts. To a degree, though, you kind of do, in some situations, end up in a lurch, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I, I know I've got... Uh, I've got a game out there now. I've got that Genesis and the cabinet's great. The play field's great. But one of the things that keeps sliding it down the to-do list in my brain is every board in it is third party. Oh yeah. And honestly, I need to go out there next time. It's more trouble than it's worth, isn't it? Next time I have access to it. And that was the case of somebody trying to fix their game and just doing a plug and chug parts replacement. Mm -hmm. And there was issues elsewhere or they've created some issues in doing it because it, it, when I got the game, it wasn't working. That's kind of the way I I looked at it. I got some spare parts with it and it looked like there was a lot of in and out with it. I need to go out there one day and open that game back up and refresh my memory as to what at the time I didn't recognize the vendor. So I don't even know if they're still around. I don't know if I can get support for it. I don't know if there's some interpretation of I, what the part, what the yeah. what the board set was. It's going to be more I have trouble. No idea. Yeah, it's going to be more trouble to track all that down because it's third party. Then we'd be just to fix the game. Yeah, it might be worth it, honestly, to just over time, like I did with the Space Invaders, start looking for the parts and just swap everything back. So I've got a known entity. (laughs) That's, I mean, if it were mine, that's what I would probably aim to do because at least then you've got, you're, you're at a known quantity. So uh, real quick, while while I'm looking at it, it looks like the MCR. Oh, I just, I just went back. The MCR kit. Oh, you're looking for price. on? Yeah. Well, it's 45 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's just for the adapter. And that, has the uh, proper power and reset circuit. It's got the battery backup. And let's see, Crater Raider, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, Demolition Derby. I know that game. I didn't realize it was an MCR2 game. Disc of Tron, Domino Man, uh, Gallagher 3. There's what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So about 24 games or so that it supports. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. And let's oops. The Bally one. Come on. This is this is clicking links with Brent. <laughs> Omega Race. Uh Midway. Yeah, this is it. I think this is it. So this is the Midway 9041, 9048 power supply kit. And I believe that's the part numbers of the power supply. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. This one, this one's not the one I was thinking of, because this one's Sea Wolf 2 and a handful of others. Da da da. This would be one of those where I'll never find it. My gosh, I didn't realize they had all these out here. With oh, me. there's tons. They of got them for ice cold beer. Yeah. They got one for. They got several for the Nintendo flavors. Mm-hmm. They've got the Tato ones, or however that's pronounced, Tato Tato, which should probably cap, catch your other common Space Invaders variant at yeah, least. Exactly. I'm assuming that that's worldwide, not just um, uh, state stateside here. 
a bunch of Midway, here it is, here it is, Midway 8080 power supply kit. And that's that L board layout I was talking about oh, I on, see. Okay. on Space Invaders Deluxe and, and the like, the, the Midway stuff. And it supports one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So about 25, 26 games. And a lot of the games are older black and white games. Um,. I, I see a couple baseball clowns, desert gun. I've got actually got a desert gun. I've got the earlier version called Roadrunner before who, who, who had Warner brothers before Ro- it, it was called Roadrunner. You know, Warner brothers had the Roadrunner and coyote. So apparently Warner brothers looked at, at midway and they were like, yeah, a little close. So they renamed the game desert gun. And what, You've seen your classic electromechanical gun game, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the height of a video game. It's about twice as deep. It's got that low kind of like countertop high section on the front, and there's a gun on a rifle on a pivot. Well, there was a generation of those games in a cab in that type of a cabinet that crossed over into the video era. So there was a black and white monitor in the bottom of the game where your EM guts would be. Instead of the EM stuff shining up into the mirror or having something face on, however they did it, there's there's multiple ways to show make depth and all that stuff with mirrors and graphics. There was a monitor shooting up, and then they ran on this Midway 8080 based board set, and that was a kind of a crossover deal between from electromechanical coming into the video age. Hmm. It's a, it's a neat looking game. I've I, I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it, played it, or anything. So th- that would be, yeah, definitely. Be I need new to, to dig me. that out. That would be a cool game to have around here. I've had it forever. Be a cool game to take to Expo as well. Yeah, it yeah, would. I've got probably, a bunch of cool games to take to Expo. Yeah, probably <laughs> probably be fun for people to play. So anyway, there I, I've rambled on uh, as usual, but yeah, yeah, definitely. If you've if if you've got a need, I wouldn't discount those power supply adapters especially if you've got something that is just well eaten up with corrosion yeah uh, i fixed several of the mcr power supplies and then others i've looked at and i'm like man i could fix that that's that's man that might be a bridge too far when i get a 25 dollar switcher and a 45 dollar <laughs> adapter and it just works yeah exactly and i'll put it in a box and i'll fix it later yeah you se- know? 70 bucks and i'm i'm, I'm on done. to the next thing yeah, yeah i'm done and it'll work yeah so well speaking of my money whitney well speaking of 70 bucks and on to the next thing that's exactly how this segment goes so <laughs> uh so this first one brent it's it, it's it's interesting uh in if for no other reason then we just continue to see more and more product come out for the classic arcade scene and i i, I think I, I don't know how many times i've said this but i'm sure over the course of 70 some odd episodes we've said this several times i mean i am i'm just i'm just amazed at the ingenuity of the of the community and the fact that they are bringing up and bringing out these modern solutions to keep to keep these games going the first one is uh, is one that i know will get will get my money at some point in time not not yet but this is something i'm definitely going to keep an eye on this is a uh, this is a sw- it's a switcher adapter, not a switcher from a power supply standpoint, but a switcher from a game board standpoint that allows you to run both punch out and super punch out boards uh, in a 
either a punch out or super punch out cabinet. So you can have both of them, uh, both of them installed in the game, and with a key with a key and a button combination, you can switch between the two boards. Now, the interesting thing I think about this is that um, this is at a much different price point and is being engineered from the from the ground up. And this is coming from uh, the same gentleman who created the, the two-way Nintendo Switcher as well as the two-way uh, Konami Switcher. And this is different from the Vector Lab Switcher, okay? The Vector Lab Switcher is... Uh, wholly a separate product. Oh, so this product. is two different things. Yes. So I was sitting looking at the show notes. Yeah, it is. And, and well, the, the, the way that I did the show notes, the way that I did, and of course nobody can see this, but <laughs> but what, what I did just for context while Brent and I were talking about it is I included a diagram out of one of the cloth threads that show how, how two people, or I'm sorry, how people have mounted two Nintendo PCB cages in the same machine with the Vector Lab switcher as the backbone between okay. both of those PCB stacks. Well, I tell you what, what kind of messed me up here, Whitney, is Vector Labs because, mm-hmm. of course, you know them from products for Vector Games. Exactly, exactly. But they have a whole line of switchers as well. Okay, the so Game Board switchers. That. Yeah, Yeah, two and one, three and one, JAMA switchers, things like that. So... So this is uh, this is another option, and it's a hundred dollar option. Uh, I, I'm I'm very confident that it will work. I, the gentleman's name on the cloud forum is Riddled TV, and uh, so I, we'll we'll have a link to the thread in the show notes. You can sign up for uh, for the interest list if you're if you're so inclined and interested in potentially purchasing this, but. Uh, the the thread's been running for I think from what I could tell since about May, and I don't know that either the minimum has been hit or that that this has moved into quote unquote full on production yet. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh, nonetheless, they the thread is still being actively updated even by the original poster, the Riddle TV gentleman. So he, he's adding people to the wait list and everything. I, I've I've seen that as even as recent as of a week or so ago. So it looks like it's going to be a real option. So if you're you know if you're a Nintendo fan. Um, don't know anybody who, who isn't. And if you, uh, are of the mind where you either want to, uh, either have a punch out or super punch out, you can run the other board in it as well. So, so help Sa- me saves on the real estate for sure. So help me out cabinet. here. Yeah. I, I, does super punch out. I can't remember. Does, does it have an extra button? Is there something? Um, it, it has, it's not so much an extra button. It's an extra move with the joystick. Okay. It, it allows the joystick. It, it's it's what's called a five way joystick, and it allows you to pull up okay. on the joystick handle to quote unquote ring a separate switch for what would be another button press. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's how. So that's there is how a that control works. change. Which there is a control change. I'm yes. assuming that there's probably an aftermarket way around, or you know, or are you having to start. To play Super Punch Out, regardless, you do you have a way around. Even if you hardwire the button, I guess, and put a physical button there to get that functionality. Well, you would use the Super Punch Out joystick in your Punch Out. So, how hard is it to find a Super Punch Out joystick? Oh, it's not hard because you can convert a Super Punch Out. I'm sorry, you can convert a Punch Out joystick to Super Punch Out. Okay, all right. Yeah, so you, there's you, a path. There. Oh yeah, there's it's a not. Pa- there's a it's path. It's not like well, okay, here's a way to play Food Fight, but good luck finding the the yeah hen's teeth joystick yeah yeah the the unobtainium joystick okay but uh fortunately um mikesarcade.com is uh 
is probably your best source for all things aftermarket Nintendo um, that you would ever want to find from, from we, an arcade perspective. Between, between my arcade shop and now your perfect read from Mike's Arcade, you'd think we were being... But we're not. No. I mean, we're, I'm not shilling for it's anybody. I'm, I'm just stating facts. We, we take it. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think we would. Yeah, yeah. It keeps us impartial. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um no, so, we're we're not endorsing anybody, nor are we nor are we compensated by anybody. So, so we're as impartial as we can get. So here's the second part of the question. And yes, I'm going to the way back machine here, but it seems to me wasn't there a conversion between Punch Out and Super Punch Out that didn't involve the board? I mean, can you make one the other? You can make one the other, but it does require the security board. Okay, it, so Super Punch Out and Punch Out differ with that security board. Okay, that sounds familiar. Little, yes. is it a little satellite plug-in board it, it, or something? It is. It's a satellite board, uh, but that has even been reproduced aftermarket well, as well. My my next thought was, I'm sure you can play these in Mame. Mm-hmm. And what surprises me here's the here's the uh, the end of season cliffhanger resolved. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't somebody just made an add-on multi-game kit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert at this stuff by any stretch of the imagination, but if the security scheme is known and the boards are convertible, I mean, like I've got a millipede in the garage mm-hmm. and I'm really strongly thinking about replacing my centipede, even though I love that cabinet, I'll, I'll have a hard time getting one that nice. Yeah. And it's got its problems, but I'm really it's still in good shape. Oh yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's got a little, I know it's got a little puffy on the bottom, kind of like the Tron we talked about. But it's still a, it's a great game, you know, and the cabinet's really nice. I'm thinking about swapping that for the millipede I have, which is, might be a push in terms of quality of the cabinet or the millipede is but probably, it's, but it's bigger, a little lower in terms yeah. of how nice comparatively. Yeah. Because I can put a multi kit on it uh-huh. and that hardware, even though it's got more colors, different sound options, and all that. Centipede has been shoehorned into it with a couple little differences, but but it's there. Yeah, it's color differences is more than anything. Uh Playability, it's the same. It's the same. That's right. I'm just shocked that if if those are a far if those are farther apart, that gap has been bridged. Mm -hmm. This just surprises me. This hasn't been done for Nintendo. Yeah, Punch Out. Yeah, and it's it's tough. It's tough for Nintendo uh, for Nintendo fans because. Nintendo would revise the hardware a lot of times in between games, uh, just just like Atari would do. But it's it's just not really come to it's just not really come to that that head, so to speak. So, about the closest you can get is Braze did a double Donkey Kong, where you could where essentially you can take a Donkey Kong Junior board set and modify it and run Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Junior on it mm-hmm. on the same board set. With some, so Donkey Kong does not have all of the same, all of the original sounds. There's a couple of sounds are different just due to the hardware differences between Junior and yeah. I was going to say Kong I thought boards. I thought the hardware was it's different, different it's enough, so it's notably that, different that it wasn't. You can't. It's not a ROM swap. Right, and go. you're not ROM swapping some no. security dongle away from changing them back no, and no, forth. No, 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 and that, that's that's at that era where. Um, Every game was 
a marriage between the assembler code and the hardware itself. Mm-hmm. Unlike an MCR game, which the only difference between one and another is a ROM swap. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so I, I think in that 1980, 1981, maybe 1982 era, you know, Nintendo was definitely engineering the hardware for the game instead of engineering the game for the hardware, which is what we saw yeah, which is what we saw with some of the later, the the later capabilities and like the Bally MCR system and things like that. So, yeah, I always thought that was interesting that a lot of vendors went through hoops to have mm-hmm. things that limited like operators' ability to swap stuff around yeah. and convert one game to another. Yeah, I don't know how many boards I pulled out where there was and people far far smarter than i would figure out that if you you took this hardware platform and basically you rewired it in such a way and i'm sure they're changing the way memory's addressed and yeah. da, you could convert game a to game b mm-hmm. that is at least from the same manufacturer basically because i'm assuming that there was enough commonality between these two games that that you could yeah. okay, you program the ROMs, go through this huge array of cross of cut and traces and yeah. jumper and stuff, yeah. and crosswire it like a Christmas tree, but it'll run this game. Uh-huh. And your yeah. tech spends three hours doing it, and you've got another game that'll you've got make another you game. Yeah. however much. And there was there was documentation traded around on you know I've seen like handwritten photocopied originally handwritten and photocopied. Okay, cut this, go to this chip, do this, go to make. It's amazing, isn't uh, it? To do early hacks on Pac-Mans and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And then you get to the MCR games and they're like, <laughs> we don't care. Wrongs. Yeah. But the games are, I guess their limiting factor there is if you think about it, all the games have such unique controls. Uh-huh. Who can, they, they're like, I put Tron chips in your two tigers, yeah. put Tron chips in your spy hunter. Yeah. Don't go to work. Doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I think, you know, each one of the, I feel that each one of the, um, manufacturers, distributors, they, they, they had their own take on how they address the problem. Some, some more elegant than others, but still, um, it, it is what it is, but the aftermarket has really, uh, or third party has, has really come to, uh, Nintendo's Nintendo fans, uh, defense in that regard and helping them get more mileage out of their game. So it, it's, it's neat to see the solution. So for a hundred bucks, I I'm definitely interested in it. And this is no, this is no slam on vector labs at all, but their products are very pricey. They're mm-hmm. they're very pricey, so this is a, this is definitely a more affordable uh, option. So maybe it, maybe it's one that would fit. So uh, again, it'll be in the show notes. Now the second one, Brent. I want to preface this by saying, if anybody out there's got a nice four slot Neo Geo Big Red for sale, let me know. <laughs> okay, I'm in the market for one. All right. So with that being said, this is um, this is a LED mini marquee replacement slash upgrade kit for your two slot four slot or six slot big red full size neo geo cabinet okay now what makes this so awesome is that what this is a this is a complete drop-in replacement and it is led panel lights for each one of the game 
marquees inside the Neo Ge- the mini marquees inside the larger Neo Geo marquee itself. Because you know when you switch from one slot to another, one game to another, the marquee is supposed the to marquee light. is supposed to light. So if you're playing the game in slot two, the marquee for the the mini marquee in the big marquee that slot only lights up. Now, what's nice about this is it plugs into the factory harness, but it provides a very even light because it, it, it's an entire LED panel that's lit rather than a small little strip bulb lighting up. And so, um, it's it, it's it's a in my mind, it's a very elegant solution, and it is a um, a very very ingenious solution using modern equipment to help keep a uh, a very uh, you know a very old game up and running and uh, and it brings just some uh, some nice control and, and some uh, I'd say some greater aesthetics to so, to your Neo Geo. The last time I looked at any of this, yes. the only way to fix these was finding the electroluminescent the EL, that's right, the, the EL wire. Well, yeah. it, it wasn't even the wire. It was, I don't know the right word. Uh, I don't think panel is the right word, but you could get that electroluminescent material, you know, in a width similar to the marquee. Oh. So basically, you had Whoa. to replace the EL material itself. Oh, I see. And then on top of that, to make the EL side work, there was a, a and, and this is way back machine. There, there is a, an interesting set of hoops in terms of power requirements. So you could have power issues, you could have EL panel issues, you could have both, and it, it wasn't a straightforward, I see, I see. easy lift repair. Okay. See, I've never been in the side of one right. inside one of these, so I, I wouldn't know. Well, the other thing too is is in, in, there might be one out there, but I didn't think that the two slot cabs had like my two slot doesn't. Okay. And I haven't opened it in forever. I'm pretty sure there's not places in there for the panels. Okay. But that, like factory. Okay. But that doesn't mean that this I wouldn't work. Couldn't retro this in it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the two side, at least the one I've got, just has little places where you slide the marquees in. Okay. Period. And that's it. That's it. Oh, I see. Okay. So, well, this says it's for a two slot, four slot, six slot. So I, so I, I have, I have to work on the assumption that it could work in a two slot uh, because that's taken straight from the person who mm-hmm. who's making this product. Um, and like I say, we'll we'll have a link to to it in the show notes. Um, it is from a gentleman in the UK, so it is priced in pounds. All right. So um, if if you need a new if you need a new factory connector cable uh, along with a, enough panels to do a four slot kit, you're looking at ninety three pounds. And by the time you do the conversion right now, you're probably that's probably one hundred twenty five bucks somewhere around in there. So one hundred fifteen to one hundred. I'm looking bucks. at the two slot. And I wonder if that, I have to go around the corner and see if that's exactly what mine looks like. Yes, I have an existing ELA cable and we'll use it again. So there's some kind of, that's probably just the interconnect from top to bottom. Uh, that's what he, it's called the MVS-ELA. Yeah. And that's the board and the cable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mini marquee holder. 
I just have to look at it more. Yeah, yeah. But th- this is, I mean, this is a this is an awesome option for somebody with you know with a Neo Geo that intends on keeping a Neo Geo. I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would spend this money on a Neo Geo and then get rid of the cabinet. I, I mean, because this seems like one of those investments that you do on your keeper cab, not mm-hmm. on your fixer cab yeah. to move on down the line. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely interested in this, and if I ever do get a, a four slot game I, I would definitely be well, a customer I'm gonna have this. to go get my keys out and open mine up okay cool <laughs> yeah I, well I just don't remember yeah no no it, well it, I know mine doesn't have lights behind them okay so, well but you that know doesn't what? mean it never did it doesn't mean it never did and it doesn't mean that this wouldn't work yeah. so it, it's definitely an option um and also have a link to an, an install video as well so really really cool stuff I was I was impressed to see this the the third one uh, that we have here, Brent, for uh, for this segment for this month is if you're of the Street Fighter uh, fan club, then and you're looking to restore one, then uh, Take Man from Clove is doing reproduction cut corner panels. Um, these are exactly what you think they are. They're the um, they're either the HS one panels or the three. Uh, I think it's the Coam panel, the Koam panel. I think that's how that's that's pronounced. But either one of those uh, reproductions on those are seventy five dollars a piece. We'll have a link to the uh, to the interest rate in the show now, notes. Was and it, contact take man and go. Wasn't your cousin Phil looking for one of these? Because I remember we talked about this at some point in time, and I thought was, I had one. That was a long time ago. And well, he I'm recently mentioned a long it to me, time ago. like this year. Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay, meaning the cabinet or the control the, panel? Just the control panel. Now, he may very well be looking for that because we did find him a cabinet. Okay, okay. Pretty, I, I remember him asking me. I think we talked about it. I know it seems forever ago because it was at March. The, at the Arcade Expo. At Little Arcade Expo. Now, he could very well still be looking for the panel. Make sure. Yes. I remember hunting through my stuff, and I was mistaken. I didn't. I didn't end up having one. I, I, good. Good reminder. I will send this over to him and see if he's interested in grabbing one of these. Now, Brent, before we get spin, into the news, this money. this is the piece <laughs> de resistance. Okay. Okay. This be that, that's. I mean, best. I see what's coming up. Yeah. I, I think it's cool, but I'm not as excited about you. It, well, as about you are. But. I, I, I'm pretty excited about okay. this personally. Right. Okay, and. This uh, this was originally uh, made known to me uh, by a friend of the show. Oh, he's excited. He's bouncing Jeff in his seat. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely very. Hey, I'm stalling. I'm I'm kind of just just to kind of screw with him right now. <laughs> just kind of mess up the rhythm. Where'd no, you get that shirt? This is uh, yeah. Don't, don't you like this? I mean the the I mean the the material on it. It's breathable. Is you know, it, it, it works with that's me. Really is what nice. it does. It, yeah, it, it brings out your eyes. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, this is uh, reproduction Wicko three. Three and a half inch and four and four inch, um, essentially ball top joysticks. The and entire joystick, the not enti- just the handle. No, not just the handle. I'm talking base, grommet, joystick, handle, uh, leaf switches, the, the the gray plastic base, the whole, the the entire enchilada, the, the whole shooting match, the the entire the spring, assembly, everything, the spring, the everything. This is turnkey, one price and done. $39.95 from Arcade Shop. And this is either for the three and a half or the four inch uh, red ball handle uh, leaf joystick. Now, the big, th- the big thing that I'm excited about this for is that, Brent, um, if you're if you're of the Robotron fan club, which I We're am, all arcade active, shop wall to wall, aren't we? I, this month, yes. But if you're of the arcade, if you're of the Robotron fan club, which I know we both are, 
this is probably some of the best news that we'll have seen in quite some time for for the Williams games because uh, Robotron, Smash TV, and Total Carnage, which I've never played. Neither but, have I. Uh, yeah, so I, I have no familiarity with that. But if you have um, a Robotron and the, mach- and the joysticks are just blown completely out, which probably you run a 90% chance of it being done, then um, you don't have to settle for you know, second-rate grommets or you don't have to settle for somebody swapping in a, a set of three-and-a-half-inch sticks, which tend to be so much or, easier to find or than the four-inch sticks. Or keeping the four-inch sticks with micro-switches. That's exactly right. You can, uh, you can if you're of the mindset... Uh, for eighty bucks, just put brand new sticks in that are um, that are essentially done. done. New leaves, new grommet, all of it. New brand springs, new everything done. Now, if you want to order the individual parts, the grommets are for sale. The springs are for sale. The leaf switches are for sale. The the um, the joystick handle itself, the red ball joystick handle, is for sale. These or grommets, I they the, I, and I wonder joystick. if I wonder if this is a side effect of having ordered enough to assemble sticks uh, but yeah. the grommets this looks like the price has gone down because i thought the grommets were around 12 to 15 uh, well us he, and they're he, 950 here's the, here here's the thing um i talked to Stephen gregory the, the gentleman who owns arcade shop several years back at uh sfg mm-hmm. and i asked him about the grommets that he had for sale and they were they were midway grommets that he had listed on the site at the time and he and, and I'd ask him about the grommets for the Wiccos, and I'm I'm completely paraphrasing. Okay, I'm just summarizing a conversation. But he said, "I'll do I will do the Wicco grommets for the for the three and a half and the four inch sticks when when everything is right for them. Meaning, I, I think materials and feel and mm-hmm. the engineering and everything like that." And uh, personally speaking, I, I think he's probably reached uh, a point where he can now offer these at a reasonable price rather than them being done one-off by some club forum members who had to do a run of, you know, I don't know, 500 of them or something like that and have this huge pre, pre-order commitment in order to get them done. So uh, hats off to Arcade Shop. I, I've not ordered... Uh, I've not ordered anything yet, but as soon as Jeff sent this over to me, I kind of stopped what I was doing and went and you know rubbed my eyes all over this to see everything that that Stephen um, had listed on the site, and it's like, oh, this is this yep. is good. The only thing I see missing, and I'm sure it's just a matter of time because it's just a different restrictor plate on the bottom. He's got four inch eight way and three and a half inch eight way, but no three and a half inch four way. Which is a pretty common for your classic arcade type yeah. arcade yep. arcade yep. type arcade games, mm-hmm. and and again, I not this is awesome, and it, it's just a matter of the lower portion, the lower half of the stick, which is separate from that upper plate that that attaches directly to the bottom of the control panel. Yeah, it's just a matter of a different restrictor. Yeah, where the leaf switches mount. Yeah, so I I would not be surprised if that pops up here. Not too long down the road. Well, he's he's got ninety five percent of the road. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, oh yeah. He's, he's gone ninety five percent of the distance on having everything covered. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's just a matter of time. But I, I like this because uh, the the handful of grommets that I've managed to get here and there, where people have done one offs and the like. Or yeah. If I've gotten a new old stock one that I can put a screwdriver through and twist a little bit and it doesn't just splinter open. Yeah. That you know it was protected over the years. Yeah. 
I mean, I treat those like gold. I know, but they, but you don't have to anymore. Right. And, and so if you lose one or if it dries out or... So what? So what? And, and you know, something people will say, or, and I'm you know, sure... If, if, if Jeff Waldron liked me too, he could have you know sent me this. Before. I just sent in the <laughs> well, arcade shop. Order, well, he, whatever, he knew Jeff, he knew I that I was going to be passing it whatever. along. How about that? Yeah, sure. But now tell Brent, make sure it happens. Go ahead. It, right on. But I will say this. Everybody, well, I, Whitney, I'm not going to make bones about it. People like you better. <laughs> I, I don't even know, I don't even know how to respond to that, man. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say this. I, I think that I think that the general arcade public he, he is squirming over there. This I, is awesome. I, I, I can't I can't I can't let it devolve. He okay, knows it's true. I can't let it devolve. <laughs> I think that I think that the general arcade public turns their nose up at at the replacement grommets because they say that they don't the aftermarket grommets don't feel right or they don't they don't they're not as stiff or they're too stiff or they don't don't have the return action or whatever let's make another trip down memory lane yeah we've done that several times this show when i had the two battle zones several years ago Uh and i had you hop up yep and I, i said tell me which one you liked better because the two i had back to back yeah one had a new old stock set of atari grom bellows Uh in the in the sticks yeah and the other had I think they're the only ones that still make. Who was that? It was a gentleman who only had a handful of arcade game parts, and one of the things he had was bellows. Yeah, and like pre-cut gel replacements yes. for Battle Zone. Man, they, good question because I I do that and, and it was definitely rings a bell. on his site. He also had his his blog. He he built like one of the Robbie Robot type from your your classic movies uh, everyone knows him as robbie the robot i think he built one of those so that was a subsection of his website but he had just that handful of parts Any, anyway i made you jump up during the show and go over and say which one do you like the best and if memory serves you came back and you liked the replacement ones yeah because they they felt better they they were more responsive so they weren't as slushy that gets into the whole okay well these might be originals but they're 30 years old. And so what if they're not splitting out and cracked and they never reused and they were stored in a cool, dry climate, da, 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 da. How's that material just break down naturally over 30 years? Because you know, as well as I do, it wasn't formulated to last and perform uh, without use 30 years after it was made. Like it was the, you know, with assuming their assumption probably was is that the life expectancy at most of this part on the shelf is two years. Yeah. Well, and you, you got to ask yourself today. Okay, so it's new old stock. It's new old stock from thirty years ago. Right, is right. it is it going to perform like it did? Like yeah. it should have thirty years well, ago? Probably not. How many pole positions or Atari games with steering wheels have you grabbed and the wheel sticky? Yeah. As because yeah. there's a chemical reaction. And, you know, there's chemists and real scientists and people that can actually string together three words with that same um, listening to us that are like about ready to just like come through and choke me. (laughs) But my understanding is, is there's a chemical reaction as the material used to make those wheels has broken down over time or it continues to interact. However, it's happening. And it leaches out whatever that sticky goo is. Mm, Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, because that wheel wasn't designed to, to be go, around to go that distance. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is those wheels that Atari used, if you look, if you pull the cap off, 
that wheel is actually sourced from a manufacturer that made those to put on cars. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there's a funky pattern. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that the wheel uses to bolt on with. Uh-huh. Because back when it was real common to do steering wheel swaps in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you'd get an adapter kit like you would like a radio adapter kit that would adapt your Ford, your Chevy, your whatever to that common pattern yeah. that then you could go out and buy my wheel or your wheel or, but yeah, but if you've got a, a, a bare wheel, look at it. There's a little logo from the original manufacturer. Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't even Atari that did it. Yeah. Yeah. But they just used that wheel. They just sourced that wheel from yeah. that vendor. So see, then that means, I hate to say this, that means that wheel's not special at all. No, not at all. And not at all. No, as a matter of fact, I, if I think about it, I'm going to get one of those ones that's a welded chain, <laughs> you know, like you see on the lower, oh my gosh, yeah. I should so do that. That would be cool. Yeah, like on a monster rig or I'm something. I'm thinking a pole position with a mini welded chain wheel at Expo. Yeah. And like a tournament. Yeah. That would be cool because that would be hard to that'd be hard to play oh, that'd be hilarious. It, it would be hard to play because as people are turning it there's like no wheel to grab and stuff like that but anyway so. but right to your point though yeah how do you know what new old stock really is right how do you know what it's supposed to feel like you don't you don't because you don't. what's happened to that material over 30 years sitting on a shelf in the perfect climate mm-hmm. just because it existed mm-hmm. yeah you don't so, know. so in my mind um I, I get i get where people are coming from with the new old stock discussion i think it makes more sense for artwork where it, where chances are it serves as permanent record of some portion of the game but let's face it grommets don't mm-hmm. it's so springs quote unquote don't so it's better living through technology, and so hats off to Arcade Shop for uh, for reproducing these grommets, and they'll, they'll they'll have a customer for me in in that regard. I just so. wish I'd have known about it about a week ago. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know, hey. It's it's all it's all about putting it out here no, now. I, so no, I know. All Whatever. right. Well, it, that, let's put it this way, Brent. The hurt's over for this month. How about that? Well, I'm going to the go hurt's cr- over. Uh, now that. You know, we're at a point where we can kind of transition. It gives me a little time to go back to the game room, pout a little bit more, maybe cry. There, there you go. Yeah. Come out fresh and ready to go. Kick with a some, can or, you know, just yeah. do whatever, you know. Find I'm going to go back yeah. and wink, wink, check out my Neo Geo and oh, get over this. Excellent. 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 <laughs> well, at least there's some upside to it. How about that? <laughs> oh, all, all right. right, dude. That sounds good. Let's uh, let's do some f- news and feedback and uh, then we'll call this one. We'll call this one done. Whitney, we've talked updates. We've talked comic shows. We've talked we've, a lot. Yes, we've talked a lot. <laughs> we've talked TNA pinball. We've talked power supply adapters. Uh, you and I took a couple punches at each other. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry. Punch out adapters. There we you go. About there, that. there you go. Yeah, keep your facts straight. We've spiffed up some MCR. There's my MCR again. We've spiffed up some Neo Geos. We've talked about control panels. We've got the ever-important loved yet hard to find wicko joysticks we've covered it all yeah or have we whitney no we haven't covered we've you know we have almost said it all but not quite not quite but not quite because we have not hit on the news news and feedback so just a a couple of items for news this month brent and you know i'll tell you as i scour some of the some of the the regular websites i hit and everything i just didn't really see a tremendous amount 
that I thought was quote unquote discussion worthy. I mean, it, it points of interest, but nothing that that I think was was really worth you know kind of picking apart for a few minutes. But this was th- this was one that definitely uh, passed the test and. On uh, Spooky Pinball Podcast episode number 102, okay, that was released, I think, at this point, September 1st, at the very beginning of the month, you can skip to about an hour and 21 minutes, and I'm being that exact because I listened to it twice, okay, just to make sure I had my, my facts straight. And you can listen to Charlie and Bug talk about their plans, longer term plans for TNA. Now, when uh, TNA was first announced, there was there was not going to be a ceiling to the production, but they have since um, they, they've since changed those plans well, a good bit. Oh, and, have they? Huh? Because my impression was that he would sell. I, I'm putting words in his mouth here in terms of specifics, but mm-hmm. I thought my impression, what I remember was is he would sell as many as there was demand for, but he'd have to do it in waves. Well, it, and both of those statements are true. Okay. Okay. Right. Both those statements are true. And I don't think, I don't think that has quote unquote changed, but what they have done is they have uh, announced that they're going to stop taking orders temporarily. And uh, number 550 will be the last machine that they build for the foreseeable future. Now they did not. Uh, th- they did not say that they would not restart the build of TNA at some point in the future. But the way that it was explained on the podcast is that uh, they are the whole time that they've been taking orders for TNA. They've also been taking orders for uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, and um, and so they've got to get that game out to the to the people that have paid for that game. And I think. Uh, Charlie had said that you know they've they've got essentially uh, an eighteen month window that they that they need to get these games out in, and um, so I haven't kept up. Do you know are those games hitting the streets slowly? Slowly, okay. Slowly. So there are some. They, there are. I'm trying to there remember are. if I saw one in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. There, there are. It, it, I'm sorry, they are, and um, both TNA and uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle are both hitting the streets slowly, but uh, but steadily. I will say that, but I. I think that for the number of for the number of games that have been sold, and then the number of out of people that are outstanding, uh, Charlie wants to maintain. It sounds like Charlie wants to maintain a a very respectable uh, delivery expectation and time frame versus uh, what the customer what the customer expects and what the customer is paid for. So I totally respect that. Totally respect that. So with the success of TNA. It feel it feels like from the outside looking in that the success of TNA has has got them to a point to where they they, they want to make sure that they can still take their resources and build the other games that they're committed to without without setting everything to the side and only focusing on TNA if they were to continue to take orders for it. So with all that being said, uh, it they they are calling a halt to production. Right now, I mean, a temporary halt, I would say, at number 550. So, as Charlie said, uh, at least for another year or so, they, they're not going to be taking orders on TNA. And he said that they they may pick it back up at a uh, you know at a later point in time. Now, that's not a 
they would pick it up or that they will pick it up. But he said that if they get enough orders in to do a run and I, and I believe that a run is, or a wave is groups of 50, if I'm not mistaken, that, that at some point that they would build TNA again. But Brent, who, who knows what the future holds? They may build TNA again. They may not. I, I, I don't know. But uh, the second bullet point here that, that I have in, the show notes here is um, an interview that was done on the uh, TWIP podcast, and it's on their website as well. The, the text of it uh, is it's the This Week in Pinball.com, where it's an interview with uh, Scott Denisi, and he talks about game number two. Uh, so where, where he's at on the development, he's already got a white wood cut for it, and uh, just talked about it in, in general. Not, nothing super specific that would give the game away or anything like that, but uh, it's it's... It was discussed in the interview that uh, Spooky would likely be building game number two, so uh, Denise's game number two. So TNA would then have to compete for line time for whatever other games T- uh, Spooky is doing at that point in time. Scott Denise's second game, uh, as well as Scott Denise's second game. It's probably the best way to say it. So. I don't know where they're at on orders right now. I've not emailed KT to ask, and I doubt I will. I mean, it's really it's really inconsequential to, to the discussion. I mean, if you're interested in getting a game, then you, sh- you should likely go ahead and, and get on the stick and contact them and hope that you can get in at number 550 or below. So you... To the best of your knowledge, they haven't. They they've put set their cap, but they haven't sold to it yet. I don't. At least as of this recording. At least as of this recording. But as of the first of the month, Charlie did mention that they were they were getting pretty close. So, I, I think it's been. I think the best way to say it is, you know, TNA has been wildly successful, and that's probably as much of a blessing as it is anything else. Uh, but along with the blessing comes the commitment, and so you have to make sure that you can honor all your commitments. And so, yeah, I, was just, I, I think it's. I think it's just a rank and a file scenario. I was just thinking, I get. You know, coming out of Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. then they had Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. and then if I've got my timeline right, after Alice Cooper was at least revealed. That was the next title. Mm -hmm. TNA came about and then kind of managed to wedge itself in there through production. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, I'm assuming there's probably a little bit of struggle to get both games running down the line. Yeah. And like you said, Charlie needs to take care of the Alice Cooper customers. Exactly. And 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 then there's already a game looks like behind that. If Scott's design, and, and I'm sure Charlie's got I'm another sure Charlie, design of his own. Charlie's got his own pipeline as well. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what that pipeline is, but you have to assume that that pipeline is there. So you've got to, you've got to build it. You've got to be able to build and produce at some velocity that is. Um, reasonably close to the velocity that orders come in so that you can keep customers happy mm-hmm. or at least keep their expectations met. How about that? Yeah, oh yeah. And so in the expectations that are set met. So so with all that, I completely understand where he's where he's coming from. I'm going to say, and this is just completely and totally my perspective on this, I'm very happy that I that I got in 
and was able to get a TNA in the run and that I wouldn't have to lament not getting the game later on down the line. So I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with my purchase. I'm glad that glad that I was fortunate enough to be able to grab one. So so there there is that. So the second item that I wanted to bring up, Brent, is we talked about this last month from a release standpoint is Stern's Deadpool. And it's funny what a difference a month makes because now on social media and stuff, I see Deadpool being delivered in oh, yeah. all the usual places. Yep. And I'll give Stern this: if there's one thing that they that they do when they announce a game, it's ready w- to go within three weeks. It's hitting the floor. It's done. I mean, I mean, it's being cut out of cartons, and people are plugging it up and playing mm-hmm. it. It's 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 there. Now, all that being said. I had the best of intentions of being able to play Deadpool this month, but um, I, some some other commitments kind of cut into that, and I was hoping uh, through some work travel that I would have at least an hour or two to make it out to the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas because I, I did do a, a, a trip to Las Vegas for work, and I was hoping one evening that I could break away if just for an hour to an hour and a half, and it's a short ride over to the Pinball Hall of Fame from the from the Las Vegas Strip. And uh, I will say this, the last time that I was there, they had a lot of new Sterns out on the floor. And so I was hoping that I was going to be able to play Deadpool, but it just didn't work out. But Brent, I know that you have played Deadpool. Yes. So I'm not, I'm going to put, I'm not going to put you on the spot technically, but I'm going to put you on the spot figuratively. <laughs> and I guess maybe that does technically do it as well, but you've played it. Give, give me your thoughts. I want to hear what you, what you liked or didn't like about the game, especially comparing it to Iron Maiden because these two titles came out so close to each other. Well, I've played quite a few games on it on okay. a pro on a pro and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Now, of course I said the same thing about Iron Maiden and I've really kind of, Cooled off, cooled on. off on Iron Maiden. Yeah, and I'm, I personally am glad that I did not buy an Iron Maiden. I've over time. To, to well, uh, things come to mind as to why I kind of I feel that I've cooled off on Iron Maiden. First of all, you, you got to kind of keep in mind too that that I, I am a an oddball in most everything I do, including playing pinball, and I tend to want to chase the modes. And I, I get into that where I've heard some really good players, that situation in their mind where they're like, okay, I got, I've got my goal. Mm-hmm. And inadvertently, they might end up a shot or two away from something else that's a pretty substantial fork from their original goal of how they're going to play a game. And they get into that chasing it mode when they then they start breaking the rhythm and they start having and that's how I kind of tend to play mm-hmm. and honestly the best games I have uh, is when I can just forgo all that and generally my better games on newer titles is when I first walk up to it and I'm just knocking the ball around yeah. chasing a light uh-huh. and when I start understanding what is when I start learning the game then I get I add intention behind that mm-hmm. oh well if I do this and this then then that's when I kind of start to lose a little bit. So where I'm going with all that is the shine may wear off of it. Uh, and that's but fair. That's fair. Between the games, I, I look at Deadpool versus the the just Iron Maiden. I the the I I don't have any way to really quantify this other than Deadpool is more a return in my mind to a traditional way of indicating what you're doing in the game mm-hmm. and where you need to shoot mm-hmm. a, a, a traditional stern way. 
Yeah. And, you know, you've got a, like I'm looking, I pulled up the pro play field because I wanted to have at least a little bit of a refresher. And there's a scoop. It's pretty key in the game off center left of the play field toward mm-hmm. the back. Mm-hmm. And it's what you use to start battles. It's what you use to start, do a series of things. And I, I know what that series of thing is series of things are because there's one, two, three, four, five inserts lining their way to that scoop. To, to that scoop, yeah. To say, okay, this scoop is now active for this. Uh-huh. And this or the you know, and, and the artworks, this is zombie yeti art, mm-hmm. I believe. It is, yes. So uh, you're like, oh, five inserts. Oh my God. Well, you don't realize there's five inserts there because it all works. Yeah, yeah. This to me is a real, a great marriage of a, a pretty neat design. Mm-hmm. Your, it sounds cliche, but some unique shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the artwork, and honestly, man, just turn signals on the car telling me what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's Iron Maiden. You can learn, and to to me i don't know personally i just work a little better this way yeah yeah i, I do if that makes sense uh, no it totally does i mean i, I do as well i I, w- I think i was initially enamored with iron maiden due to the uniqueness of the play field and in the shots and just the overall the overall flow of the game i, I did really like it um and still do but, oh i've still played it yeah, yeah yeah and still do but when i think about would it have would it have the staying power that i'd want in a home collection it, it 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 just I just don't today you know months months now and having several games under my belt I I don't think it would I I think that I would likely pass over it um, over time and it just wouldn't it just wouldn't get a whole lot of play and I don't know if that's just a function of the music versus the uh, the game and the lack of integration. Quite honestly, I feel that that's got something to do with it, and where it feels just more like a kind of like a, a pinball jukebox that mm-hmm. doesn't really match to the game. Mm-hmm. It's more so just jukebox in a pinball machine is what it is, and so I'm I'm just not I'm not a huge 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 fan of that. But anyway, what I see with Deadpool, it looks it, it looks like it has personality and it looks like it has personality that matches the game and the, and the modes and the, in the, in the rule set and everything like that. So I'm so, looking forward to playing it. Well, so you're talking about the modes and the mm-hmm. rule set and all that. So there's the age old code discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think as of this release, they're in the dot eight. They, they are. Yeah. I think they've kicked out a couple here in the last few weeks. Yeah. But it's still not one dot. yet. no, it's Consi- still not one dot. Uh, I don't even think, I don't even think Batman is 1.0. And that game's been out, what, a a year and a half? Maybe even even longer than that. I I know that not this year's FGE, SFGE, which was June, Mm -hmm. the year before there was some out there, and that was like one of the first places we got to saw it, see it. Yeah, that is so correct. it's at least a year. Yeah. And they're not even at Mm -hmm. 1.0 yet on it. No, they're not. Um, But... What surprised me about this game is I was shocked at how much was there already, even when it came out of the box. Rec Bar's got one here in town. Mm-hmm. They've had it three weeks at this point in time. Okay. And I think it's gone through a code update, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And just out of the box, when I first played it, I think I played it a week after they put it out. I was surprised at how much was already in it. 
in terms of just, and I know this isn't a gauge, but just the animation. Mm-hmm. And my guess is, is that that was probably something they wanted to key on mm-hmm. as it was, as because Deadpool interacts with you. He's, he's, he's breaking the fourth wall. He's always talking to you. There's always some funny quips. Um, there's, it, there was something like when Iron Maiden first hit, they didn't have, for example, the match animation. Okay, mm-hmm. big deal. So what? Yeah, that's a that's an afterthought. We'll take care of that after the fact. Well, they already had an ad, a match animation in this game, and they already had everything else behind it to really fill out the modes that were there. Yeah, there didn't yeah. seem there there wasn't a place in it where it was like all of a sudden it just went to like a, a basic font and a black background. Yeah, and, maybe and it some was just sparkles. it was just glaring gaps. Yes, yeah. yeah, they they had it. They had enough DM or DMD crud enough in the display to match what was going on in the play field, and it fit from what I understand that Deadpool is. Now, granted, my going back to my earlier conversation in reference to the movie, you know, the the cult classic that is the Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back to School, and him going to the movies, and that was his reference for classic literature. Yeah, my yeah. reference to Deadpool is the two movies. All right, but even knowing that. The game fit, yeah, because it just wasn't callouts. It was callouts at you, yeah. And it wasn't just the the standard welcome back or let's start the game or things that you would have uh, at the end of a game or to mm-hmm. start. It was stuff all through the game mm-hmm. and then quips that he was making as he would get into battles. Yeah, and, so you, it's it, like the game was con- conversing with you as it right. went. Yeah. So to do Deadpool, like that. to do Deadpool justice, you had to have that stuff. So the, you know, you start with the rules. You start, with, then you go to the callouts that fit the rules and the modes, and then you have to have him interact accordingly on yeah. the display. Yeah, yeah. So because of the nature of the theme, it may have forced the hand yeah. of being a little bit more air quotes complete. Well, and you know something, that's okay. No, and, no, and that's it, fine. And it, and it should. It should. When I when I played the game, I would I had to look at the back box. I I could tell that. You could look right at the game. You could say, "Okay, the the figures aren't sculpts; they're two dimensional plastic, like you would expect on a pro, on a pro which yeah. is fine." Yeah, yeah. But there was enough in the play field that I actually looked at the game. I'm like, "This isn't a premium, isn't?" I looked at the tag on the game. I, I, I know. I was a little shocked. Yes, the, it, it feels like, and I'm just seeing this based purely on visuals because, again, I've not seen it, not played it. Okay, but when you look at the play field, it, it looks so much like a premium yeah. that it there doesn't seem to be hardly any feature gap whatsoever. And, and I know that there is. I mean, you can look at the Matrix yeah. and especially like the spinning disco, but the motorized disco ball is one. And it, it seems like it seems to me like there's there's a bit more glitch. In, in the premium than there is in the pro, but gameplay, when I, when I look at it, it seems like it would be almost identical. I'm just scrolling down here looking at the the premium LE play field, and just real quick, I mean, I see like the left ramp is, is a color. It's like this crimson red versus a bare metal. The I've just there's sculpts obviously instead of the flat plastics. Yeah. There's the disco ball thing on the left. 
Yeah. Uh, and the sculpts do help. I mean, when, when you look at I, Ghostbusters I, versus Ghost, Premium versus Pro, I mean, the, the sculpts make the game look a lot more finished. Yeah, I, I will say I that. I, I, and and I'm the same a big, thing on Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah. The, very true. And, and as it stands, I mean, I am a big fan of the sculpts because it gives it a much more... It gives it a much more uh, elegant feel, but that does not gameplay make. The um, I, I'm just usually there's some major ramp difference between a pro and then the upgrade playfield, and, and I'm not seeing that unless I'm just missing it trying to scroll through. Of course, I can't get the whole playfield on a one screen, and and it not large. You know, I'm kind of having to scroll up and down. The yeah, play yeah, field. exactly. But it, the thing that kind of made me think, man, what is this? Is this a what? What's the deal with this? The katana on the right. Yeah. First of all, that's an interesting way to make the ramp. It that's kind of cool. It's pretty cool. The ball goes in the back of the katana, and yeah. then the katana split, and the ball rolls down. But it's a physical ball lock. Yeah, and and the katana looks like it has texture, and it looks it does, like, and it looks it does. It's it got look, something over it. It's got something over it, and it doesn't look cheap. It looks like oh wow, I bet they actually had to spend some money on that. Well, you could have just as easily gotten away with with using the same basic ramp and form and making a, a, a pass through and then doing a virtual ball lock mm-hmm. or even like a single pin just to hold the ball for a second and, you know, ball locked and then let it go. But that's a physical ball lock for all the balls from multi-ball. Yeah. And I mean, that would have been a quick way to cut dollars to make the pro a pro type machine, but they didn't do it. And, and I'm not complaining. It was just surprising. It was yeah. surprising. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a pleasant surprise, wasn't it? Right. I, I will say that. And yeah, and I noticed that even just from looking at the playfield shots, it very, very intently. Um, that it seemed like this is a lot of pro for your money. To the point where I don't know that I would get a premium at this point. If I if I were to buy one, I, I think I could. I think I would. Be I'd happy have to with, look at the matrix and yeah. see what the difference is. Well, you got to ask yourself though: Is it a two thousand dollar? You know, is it a fifteen hundred dollar difference? An eighteen hundred dollar difference? I, I I don't know. I mean, I've I've told myself time and time again that if I'm going to buy a Stern, I'm going to buy a pre, you know, a premium is where I'm at just for the features and the sculpts and the, well, and, the and everything and the art and everything. But, but Brent, I'm telling you, I like the art on the pro better and I like the art on the premium. Well, you're talking about the far. cabinet art? Yes. Yeah. Cause the, pr- the premium ha- is, is blue and it has the Megalodon yeah, on it. Yeah. And, and well, I, the play I just, field, I'm just not a dinosaur fan or a lizard fan anyway. So, so I, I'm looking at the play field art and I'm looking at it on, and I know who Ron is, but I'm looking at it on Ron's game, Ron's game room. Okay. And basically I just Googled, I wanted to see the play field as a reminder and the the page I'm on, it's ronsgameroom.com slash deadpool.html. And I don't know if Ron is a dealer. I don't know who. I have no idea who Ron is. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Ron's a stand-up guy. But toward the top of the toward <laughs> the sure, top I'm of the sure playfield, <laughs> toward the top of the se- playfield section, it's got <laughs> Ron. It's if got, you're out there, Ron, write us and let us <laughs> oh, know. Oh, I'd love to hear yeah. from Ron. Yeah, we need to hear from I you, want Ron. Ron on the show. Yes. Yeah. Come on, Ron. So it's got the three playfields side by side. And then as you scroll down, it's got a larger picture of each playfield. So you can just scroll through and get a, a zoomed in look. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at across the across my display here. I'm looking at Pro Premium LE. And the art is the same on the playfield. Uh-huh. Now, do they do that? Is the art the, the art's the same on the other playfields 
other than where the play field is different that's for for the for the 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 addition for the addition piece that is correct yes. okay so like ghostbusters yeah. is an example you're right the center art's the same but the ramp layout yeah, is the different ramp, the ramp so fan, the ramp fan outs are going to be different is different yeah so as i'm looking across all three of these I can see that in the LE, they've got art blades. I can see in the premium and LE, they've got that disco ball on the left. Yep. I can see the sculpts. Yeah. I can see that the left wire form on the premium and LE is that red crimson versus bare steel. Exactly. Now, which one do you like better? Do you like the bare steel better? I kind of do. I do. Because actually. of the contrast. Yes, 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 yes. And to me, and uh, when I said hello to you, Whitney, I told you everything I knew about color matching, interior decorating, yeah, well, same, same and here, art. But same here. But you know something? I know what I like right. when I see it. And yeah. to me, uh, it looks a little bit more, if I, dare I say, balanced mm-hmm. when you look at the color. Oh, no, blade. It, there's no doubt about it. It does. It just it, looks it, right. It, it makes the left and the right look. It, it, the feng shui is there. How about that? It's good feng shui. Here, you know what? Let me. Th- so you can look at the same thing. I want to. We'll put this in the show notes too. Yeah, no, that's fine. Let yeah. me. I'm, I'm going to stick it in here right now, so you can at least open the page. And yeah, okay, you know what cool. I'm talking about. Yep, yeah, there's the. It's right there. You should have it. Yeah, as soon as so, it synchronizes, I'll pick it up. I'm not. I, I'd have to look at the matrix. I see, and I don't mean the Keanu Reeves matrix. I mean, I see <laughs> something over to the right next to where the katana is, there it is that I don't see on the pro. It looks like. Some other kind of ramp thing. I can't get a good enough angle on it to tell what it is. It's between the sidewall and the katana. Yeah. And I'm sure that's probably spelled out of something in the... Uh, it almost looks like it's got an arm on it, like it could knock a ball off the katana. But I'm not... T- this is a well-appointed pro. That's where I'm oh, going it, with it, all it, this. That's exactly right. And... and you know, there, there's been games where the pro has been an awesome game and it's a real struggle to pay the uptick. And then there's been games like, I, I want to say Game of Thrones is one of the ones that's just an obvious, when you get into the pro, you've got the castle kind of deal in that upper left that adds an entirely different dimension to the game that is gone. I mean, the premium that's gone from the pro. I mean, it's like a third of the play field is totally different. And, and there's no way to kind of reproduce that virtually in ball locks and other Ex- stuff. Yeah, and exactly. There's a huge leap. But to me, from what I can tell, there's a lot. Okay, so all, all this pro versus premium stuff aside, what, what do I think of the game? I think the game shoots shoots well. It's got one of the cool shots that I that uh, I noticed was the there's two ramps on the left, but the entrance to the rear left ramp is on the right. And it goes, it whips around the the little pod that is the mini Deadpool. Mm-hmm. You've got to hit that solid, and it half horseshoes around behind the mini. Deadpool. And that's pretty cool, man. And it is. That is cool. And it's one of those butter shots. When you hit that shot, that ball will whip right around. It'll climb that ramp, and it grabs the top of the ramp. And and I don't know if it's intention or accident, but it loses its energy just oh, as it, there, I doubt there's anything by accident by, on this. When yeah. you hit that shot dead on, he whips it whips around behind Mini Deadpool, crosses the gap below the pop bumpers, yeah, goes up that 
entrance to the ramp at the top of the ramp it takes a horseshoe around to enter the wire form and just as it comes around that wire form it loses its energy and it's like you made it and the ball's like and goes in the katana yeah it is so satisfying yeah yeah that's that's cool i've mentioned like i i really love that narrow spinner shot on ghostbusters to the uh, right of the left ramp mm-hmm. well you've got this tight sort of horseshoe uh, almost center spinner that feeds around to another spinner on the pro has two spinners on it and they come in uh in uh, um they're they're key in the whose battle is it in the saber tooth battle because those are two of the lit shots to do damage against saber tooth those are really satisfying and they intermix with uh, uh parts of the game including the spinner sound effects from earlier stern arcade games and that he's in an arcade on the back glass and in the background there's a berserk and there's yeah, a see, scramble that's so cool that's so cool and so you've got those callbacks and those are it's kind of like the old williams trope where once defender took on they took oh let's take the sound of defender yeah. and put it everywhere <laughs> everything sounds 20 percent like defender yeah exactly yeah. Yep. you know the williams exec had doorbells that was defender i mean <laughs> Ring oh, that would be that so cool yeah Oh, man, that would probably drive you crazy, but I don't know. I, I don't know. It's 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 all classic sounds, but yeah, no, I get it. I mean, the way that it's it's more in the way that it's executed. It's like, does it make sense? And and is it is it endearing? And in a lot of the ways, it it definitely can be. So here's my thing. Here's what I don't know. The uh, the, the modes. All right. So you you basically Deadpool. You, you can collect weapons. You can collect Timmy Tongas. And there's one other, one other thing you can collect, and it's escaping me now, but it, when you end the ball, you get bonused by how many chimichangas you've picked up, how many additional weapons you've, you've upped, and whatever the third, the third thing is that's escaping me. It'll probably hit me in a minute. That aside, I haven't figured out far enough if one or the other of those also play into helping you in the battles. But the key thing in my mind is the battles. So you can start, you can qualify a team up and then collect the team up over on the left. And then when you start a battle by getting the ball in that scoop I mentioned earlier, that's kind of offset from the center, yeah. your, your team up partner helps you in the battle fight, whoever you're fighting. So when the battle starts, you can choose between the Megalodon, between uh, Mystique, uh, Juggernaut, baby. I think Colossus just shows up for, to help you. Oh, okay. I think it's T-Rex. Okay. There's four or five. I'm looking at the center of the play field. It's Megalodon, T-Rex, Mystique, Sabretooth, and Juggernaut. All right? And I do see another another couple other lamps. I see Mr. Sinister and one other I can't make out. So I'm assuming that once you get through the first four or maybe you win a couple battles, those are unlocked. All right? So you're looking at like four to start with or five to start with. And then an additional couple others after that, you choose your battle and then it's you're directed to the shots that you make. So like I already mentioned, Sabretooth, you're, you're, the spinners either side, those will do damage. And then there's a third shot. I can't recall where that is. They light up and they, you know, Sabretooth is primarily yellow. So those shots will pulsate in yellow. Megalodon is primarily blue. So those shots will pulsate in blue. Uh, and then there's Megalodon, for example, has a little added benefit where one of the blue shots will have another color mixed in, and that's supposed to be Megalodon's current location. Mm. So if you hit that shot, it's extra damage. 
you damage them and then you put the ball back in that scoop that you used to start the battle and that ends the battle deadpool wins oh i see okay yeah so either if if you lose the ball or deadpool is beat down because you can't make the shot soon enough deadpool loses and you just move on all right so that's kind of you're focused on those battles and the battles are varied it's not the same shots for every character then there's the little the mini deadpool aspect which is i'm sure it gets harder to redo this every time you do it but initially there's three drop targets you drop those you hit the target in the back once then on the second hit the drop targets pop up and trap the ball you're served another ball you hit one of the drop targets off the the all three drop and you're in a two ball multi-ball yeah okay all right and and i'm assuming because i haven't focused on that too a lot that you can requalify and it takes a few more shots in there to do it again and again and again. One thing I haven't picked up on is how to start, how to enable ball locking for this three ball multi-ball that locks in the katana. Cause I've shot that shot a few times and it just comes right on out because I haven't started it yeah. yet. Yeah. So, so you, so you, you get the whip around shot and then it just returns back down to the, down to the flippers right. and there you are. What I haven't figured out at all is the left ramp that returns on that wire form other than when it plays in with a character. And I see little diamonds on it, like the ball, like the ball lock diamonds that like would be in a katana handle. Yeah. I just, I haven't gotten that deep into it. So anyway, anyway, where I'm going with this is I don't know what the, what the, returnability is the long-term playability is do you get to the point where you're just cutting bait okay i'm going to start the game i'm going to go hit my mini deadpool get a two ball multi-ball smack some jackpots all right i've got uh the four or five initial uh fights um saber seems to be the easiest i'll take him out first because i hit the hit the that the spinners a couple times okay i got saber tooth i move on I mean, do you get to the point where you're? That, that's my thought. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and I, I mean, it I'm seems kinda, pretty linear. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of almost like you would approach it the same way every time. I don't know, but I'm kind of curious as to what the end run on the game actually actually will wind up mm-hmm. being. You know, when when is it? When is it terminal, and when do you consider the game "quote unquote" one and right. done? So, but that that I don't know. But I will say this: uh, I'm definitely interested in spending some time on it. There's there's no doubt because it feels to me like it is a great marriage between theme mode mm-hmm. uh, mode uh, playfield layout and um, and then just interactivity. Well, you know, I say all that given that I'm terrible at pinball. Oh yeah, and I, I can. Uh, I'm horrible. At Back it. to the Future Absolutely is not it. deep, mm-hmm. and I could play Back to the Future forever and still not see it, mm-hmm. unless I take the glass off. Yeah, and I say that all that knowing I've got an Adams here that would be the last thing to ever have to leave if I had to liquidate. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, for the most part, that's a that's a double. That's a that game has two major forks. You play it for multi ball. Or you tour the mansion, and that's it. And I—that's a love for the most part. I mean, we joke. I joke about Donkey Kong. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, that's a beloved game. Yeah, still. Mm-hmm. And it's—I mean, look at it's 
I mean, compare it to a modern game. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think part of its charm is its simplicity, though. Mm-hmm. And I'll say the same thing about, you, you bring up Donkey Kong, but I'll say the same thing about it. It's not like, it's not like Donkey Kong is a... It's not like Donkey Kong is an infinitely complex game, but what it is, it's an infinitely challenging game, and it it, it is it is complex in its simplicity in it's that got, regard. It's got that balance of it does. It seems like you would just be doing, like I said, cutting bait. Yeah. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over. Just chopping wood is but what it feels like. You kind of are, but you kind of aren't. You kind of are, but you're not. Right. That's exactly right. And that's the reason why these games endear themselves to people for decades, which is interesting. I wonder, I, I am left to wonder how Deadpool will be regarded in in that way and i don't get the same sense that don't don't take this the wrong way i I don't get the same sense that iron maiden will be regarded (laughs) that way i just don't and it maybe it's maybe it's because it was designed as one game and then themed as another and that everything kind of comes on as kind of a bolt-on after the fact i don't know I, i just don't know all i can tell you is where my perceptions lead me and and that's just based upon what i'm seeing and what i'm taking in so a couple of the things i need to i want to bone up on Mm -hmm. is first of all i'm i'm a sucker for lane changing Mm -hmm. lane changing yeah i it's it's neat and satisfying yeah it's neat and it's been around forever but i'm a sucker for it yeah and um i think it's uh, i hope i'm not wrong with this iron maiden and uh guardians will do this when it lane changes it changes. I know Iron Maiden does. It changes around the entire play field, so you can chase from the in lanes at the top to the out lanes at the bottom. Yeah, and then there, I, there's something with Guardians, and I, I might be wrong on Guardians. Regardless, so you've got the in lanes. You've you've got lane change up there, so you can you can qualify. You can you can collect those as you go. The in lanes have their own separate rotation. And I don't know what one or the other, other than obviously it's good. You want to mm-hmm. get them all lit. Mm-hmm. So even if you're going out one of the far out lanes, you can try to catch something and light one of your missing out lane lights. Yeah. Cause you've got okay. four along the bottom that smell out. Uh, I think it's, bo- yeah, boom. You got the B and the M on the far drain lanes, the out lanes, and you got the um, two O's on the flipper return lanes. Then you've got, and I don't know how these figure in, you've got dead and pool, four stationary targets on either side about midway in the play field. Yeah, yep. And so, you know, there's options there to do things. I don't, I, honestly, I haven't studied it to that level of detail to know, okay, if you get dead or and dead and pool, yeah, yeah. does it give you a weapons up yeah. so that, you know. Th- there's other things there. Yeah. And the great thing is about pinball is that it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's just because of the depth of the games, it just c- keeps on giving. So I, I've enjoyed it. I, I've uh, I, right now I like it, mm-hmm. you know, even in the pro they've got lights in the backboard behind mm-hmm. the play field. Yeah. That give you an indicator of the battles that you've been in. So I mean, it's that's pretty user friendly. Yeah, and that seems something minor. Yeah, but goes it a long way. Doesn't, doesn't it? feel like a pro thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And, and I'm not arguing. I mean, yeah. this. No, no, it's one of those things I'm grateful for. Yeah, actually. this feels like there's a lot of value yeah. for the money. It's, in this. it's it's a big step up. Yeah. is what it is. So yeah, I'm with you on that. So, so right now I'm a fan. Well, good deal, good deal. Well, more to come. You got on. an action button too on the on the lockdown bar. Yeah, I, mean, I, saw, I saw that, and it's. I mean, Guardians had one. That's yeah. getting kind of. Yeah. Common. It, it is getting common. I mean, I, I think ACDC may have been the first to feature that, but um, you know, all the way through. But yeah, it's it, it's a nice ad as well, for sure. But um, all right, well, more to come on Deadpool for sure. Uh, appreciate appreciate the insight on it. It's one of those things that I, you know I'm definitely interested in, and I want to put some time to. I just I just haven't been anywhere to play it as of yet. But. Um, Let's see here. I, I did get the, the link to Ron's game room, so we'll make sure that that's in the show notes. Yeah, I have no idea who Ron is, so yeah, we take fine. no responsibility yeah, for it, anything it, Ron may have it, said or will say in the future it, or do. It, it's all good. It's all good. It, it's, it just served a purpose at the time. How about that? But um, Brent, before we go ahead and close this out, we've got a little bit of feedback here. Uh, let's see. So yeah, you some work on email. that because I'm reading Ron's story right now on his page. That is that is no problem. <laughs> that's no problem. I, I'll cut through this here. So. <laughs> So the first email a picture of Ron. Ron seems like a stand-up guy. Excellent. Yeah, it looks like he does a lot for Texas he's pinball. He's gonna jump festival, over here. So, he's gonna yeah. slam my laptop. <laughs> quit. Quit it. <laughs> Rage quit. The oh, show wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Favorite links. Favorite links. Favorite links. And I don't see broken tokens. So we're just gonna go ahead and yeah. Go we're gonna have to have a talk with Ron. Ron. So there it is. So this the uh, first email for from uh, last month's show is from Rob Miller, and uh, he titles this subject. He goes, "What's with the plumbing issues in the game rooms this month?" <laughs> So Rob goes on to say, Hey guys, I just finished streaming all in. I'm saying that with emphasis because it's all in uppercase. The latest broken plumbing him <laughs> token podcast that leaked out onto the interwebs. So yes, Rob, we see what you did there. And I will say, ouch. But anyway, it goes on to say, he said, I'm happy to see that I'm not alone in my home repairs in the game room uh, this month. Uh, Oh, in the game room month I just had. You see, I too had to deal with a a leaky toilet waste pipe in the wall adjacent to my game room. That doesn't sound good at all. That stinks. <laughs> Tell me you didn't see yeah, that coming. Yeah, well, you've met me, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, touche. So he said I had to cut the wall open to find the leak that spread out onto the carpet <sighs> under a couple of my pins. Oh, Rob, I am so sorry to hear oh. this. It took me a few weeks of back and forth to get it repaired, especially trying to avoid getting too much dust on everything. While I would rather have fought the drain on my Black Knight 2000 this past month, I flushed out all of my plumbing issues and am back to doing what I enjoy. Vids, pins, or frost-free spigots, please keep the <laughs> podcast coming. Thanks. Well, Rob, thank you for taking the time to write in. We, your note was absolutely puntastic, and that's P-U-N with capitals, and we sound a lot like click and clack as we're talking about this. But that being said, uh, great email. Man, I'm just glad you got your problem solved because uh, that ugh, I, I wouldn't wanted to have battled that at all. I'll take my frustrating spigot issue all day long. Well, you know, thank we, you very much. We 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 we've yet to break 
past number eight, but we are consistently at least the eighth most listened to podcast while doing plumbing. It, it, that's okay. That's okay. You know what? It's a weird demographic, it, but we'll it, take it. We'll take it because you know what? We're in the mix. How about that? So, all right. Number two comes from listener Rob Cassaro. I, or, uh, I think I'm saying that right. So it's C-O-C-C-A-R-O. So Rob, if that's wrong, just blame it on d- me. Yeah. So we're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his subject is friend or foe of the hobby. Rob, Discuss. you're obviously a foe. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, there's more. Go ahead. There's more. Hang tight. Dang. Yeah. He says, hi, Brent and Whitney. Started listening Rob's to Rob's sh- no Ron. Uh, well, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. the, the poor guy, we want to get him through the back, the backlog, okay? okay so he, right. he said, started listening to the show, episode 69, got hooked, and have been current, and in backtracking ever since. And Rob, oh my we gosh. apologize. He said, now in episode 61. Oh, so he's, at, he's not starting at one and going no, up. No, he's going backwards. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it's going to get progressively worse as he goes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So he says, thanks for putting out the show. Question below. Thanks, Rob. Friend or foe of classic arcade and pinball discuss. So number one, pinball simulators, as in pinball FX3. Friend or foe, Brent, what do you think? Is it a friend of the hobby or foe of the hobby? Pinball simulators. I'm going to go with friend. I've played a few of them. Yep. Uh, Why do you think so? And and this goes back to the you you get more people into it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's the honey versus the honey versus fly scenario, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You you get someone that's interested, and then from that pool of people, hopefully, they will either you know support vendors, buy machines, support locations, and, and get out and they'll play the real thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I'm going with friend. I, I'm going to go with friend as well. Uh, I, I like your reasoning. Uh, my take on it is that uh, you get access to experience tables that are not physical and and may never be represented as physical tables. So it's like pinball plus pinball is what it is. So not only do you get the license tables, like the Williams tables and the Bally tables that are coming to uh, Pinball FX3, but you get all the tables that are just complete digital daydream tables that would never, ever see the light of day anywhere else. So... It's it, you get to widen the audience, plus you also get more than you would ever get if you were to just if you were just walking around playing physical tables only. So for me, I kind of see it as a win-win. So I'm actually from a genre perspective. To add to that real quick too, I, I want to say that in listening to some other shows, it's been discussed that people will actually play the virtual tables to help them in the physical world there you go just to avoid like the conversation you and i were just having with deadpool yeah it's a good way to learn the rule set to learn the rule set that's right now the the, the, the there's a whole question of play in physics but uh, you're gonna learn the, the rule set that, that's okay you got to approach the whole physics discussion with the understanding that you're playing on a flat screen so, so real with quick that, rob added a link to game informer and, and i've not kept up with this but i kind of had the feeling when this started that something like this was going to happen yeah this looks like this was published september 4th of 2018 and it discusses the williams and i i'm assuming that would be the will yeah williams bally because there's a mention of adams which came out of the bally name when they were together um is going to zen studios yes and exactly. that was they expired on what Pin- they expired on um 
What's the other? What's the other major pit? Because up until now, Zen has been has been basically the fantasy table. Th- that's exactly right. Uh, pinball arcade. Pinball arcade. Yes. So yeah, the pinball arcade lost the uh-huh. Williams license, and it looks like they're Zen's being picked up at Zen. Yes, exactly. So, so there you go. So that that's that's the take on that. I, I think uh, both of us agree. Definitely friend friend of the hobby, no doubt. Number two, the the arcade one up, quote unquote home arcades now are you familiar with these brent uh pretty sure and okay yep Uh, yes so these are the smaller than smaller than actual size uh tables or i'm sorry uh cabinets that are playing three four five six whatever games they are with the control scheme that they have built into the cabinet and they they allow for uh multiple games to be played in one form factor. Right. And they're okay. $300. Yeah. And they're $300. That's exactly right. And they're available at Best Buy, Walmart, places like that, Target, places like that. Okay. Now, ultimately, and are, are you going to say friend or foe? On but this? for $40, you can also get a, a arcade one up branded. Uh, step stool deal, the, the pedestal, can, pedestal that yes. you can park the game on to make it full height. That's exactly right to make it full height. Now, all that being said, okay, friend or foe? Do, do you do you think this does the hobby more good, or do you think it detracts from the hobby overall? I'm mixed on this one because what I see this as is it's going to be a flood in the market. Yep. Uh, in a couple years, if not a year, when these go away and they're going to be handed to a couple people and bought at a yard sale, and then we're going to get, and this is a personal deal, obviously, mm-hmm. You're, we're going to get, oh, I've got this game, it's $800, and yeah. it's one of these. Yeah, yeah. Because that's happened, quite, that happens quite often when a, a game like this comes out. Now, that said, I've seen runs of home multi-games. I think Clay Cowgill has been involved in some in years gone by, and um, they they ha- this looks a little. I, I want to see one of these in person. This looks yeah as if it's been thought out a little better. Yes, th- than your normal quote unquote sixty and one. Right, you know. Yes, the I, I don't know what the dependability. Then that's 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 my sticking point here at a three hundred dollar price point. What are you really going to get? And is it going to sour somebody? Yeah. Oh, you know, the flip side could be, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I love Centipede and I broke it. And then they're going out and they're going to buy a real, they're going to look for a real Centipede. I mean, there and is, bring them into the hobby. Th- there is that. So my take on it is I, I'm, I'm mixed. I, I don't know what I am on it. Okay. So, so I am, I am friend, but with an asterisk by, you know, at the upper right hand corner of my answer. And I say that because I am definitely not the customer for this product no, this is okay? this is purely an emotional money grab and, I, and that's fine and that's fine because it, if i could do it i would yeah well i'm fine with that and, and i look at it like this would be a way for someone who who wants more than three games and they get it they, they buy let's say like all th- i think there's what three of the three of the cabinets that they're offering that arcade one up is offering um, three different cabinets with a host of games inside each one. And it, it, I mean, with three miniaturized, the space of three miniaturized cabinets, I get to play, let's say 20 games. Okay. Actually it's five. Is it five? Wow. It's five asteroids, 
uh, with oh, okay. uh, Major Havoc, Lunar Lander, Tempest, the Centipede Cabinet, a Rampage Cabinet with Gauntlet, Gauntlet and Joust. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter that's with a couple flavors odd, of Street that's Fighter. an odd pairing right there. Gauntlet and Joust. How about that? And I'm betting the Gauntlet is because there's already multi-stick. The Rampage yeah. is three-stick, and then you're going to get three players in, in Gauntlet. Yeah, and probably so. Since you've got those sticks there... Um, you can you could have you since you've got at least two sticks you can do joust yeah pretty yeah. easy true true enough true enough and um, Galaga so, and Galaxian so so that's the driver they're they're yeah. not pairing it based upon game relatability they're pairing it based upon what can they wedge inside the cabinet and and have it still be credible enough to mm-hmm. be art looks nice considered for the cabinet it does I, I think if I'm not mistaken their ship flat pack. And then you assemble them yourself okay. when, when you when you get it. And, home. and there's there's more games on because the way the picture I was looking at was cutting them off. But yeah, yeah there's, okay. There's about four games per cabinet. four games per. Okay, yeah. so you're talking twenty twenty five ish, you know, twenty five ish games available across the entire run. Mm-hmm. So I I think that there's definitely a customer for these, and I think that that those people those people that that are that are into these would probably get a lot of value out of them. I, I just I'm just a stickler for I'm just a stickler for yeah. The Thing. I'd so I'd rather have just me. the yeah yeah I'm kind of that way I'd rather yeah. have the uh, original yep so so I'll say I'll say friend with an asterisk uh, third one this is interesting interesting scanline generators on LCD or LED swap outs friend or foe no foe I'm I'm totally with CRT. you CRT yes I I am I am not a, I am not a fan of this in any way shape or form because I think what it does is is it takes a cop out solution and tries to make it less cop out it's not just the scan line it's the curve of the screen it's the curve it's the way the the warmth uh, of the screen yes. it just the colors just the, the the mechanics of how it moves the the, the images move on screen even just just the the difference in pixelation matters. It truly, truly matters. So yeah, if, I, 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 I I call foe on this. I, I would, I, yeah, foe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, CRT. Period. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. So that's awesome, Rob. Thank you for sending that in. Lo- love the love the interaction. And uh, last but certainly not least is listener Ed Owens. And this is cool. This is a follow-up from last month. He says, uh, hello, this is Ed, uh, the other half of Pinball Mayhem on YouTube. And, Brent, if you remember, uh, Pinball Mayhem is uh, the, the guys who sent in the um, the dehumidifier video response which from last month, which was, which was really sweet as well. He says, I recently heard you discussing getting your TNA um, powder-coated, uh, getting the armor powder-coated. He says, may I suggest the following? The legs are actually Pinball Life's Bally replacement legs, correct gray color and powder-coated already. Why not keep those and contact Pinball Life about getting a bare set of metal legs for powder coating for your TNA. Then you have a new set for your favorite classic Bally. Also, don't forget the other big news. Midwest Gaming Classic tickets have gone on sale. Help support the show and buy early. Thanks, Ed. So that's Ed Owens from Pinball Mayhem on YouTube. And the only thing that I that that I'll uh, say, well, two things is Ed. Number one, thanks for listening and and taking the time to write in. Uh, number two, great suggestion on uh, getting those legs from Pinball Life, and maybe something I look into. But I, I will say this, and I, I say this with as much respect as as possible. I'm just probably not. 
I'm probably not a guy for a classic ballet in my game. I, I knew where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm just being as straight up honest as I can be. I, honestly, the, I, I'd keep the legs for nothing, or or I or I should just pay the legs forward to somebody that would actually use them. And, and you know what? And I may go that route. That, that that may be the way that I solve that problem. But I'm just pro I'm just probably not not going to be probably not going to be that. You know the the guy who goes after that. You know I've played uh, a handful of classic ballets. Yeah. And, and I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because when I started messing around with pinball, I started with the the, the newer games, and that's kind of what drew me in. You know, now I know guys that that I guess kind of like with EMs. That is what they knew. That's what they started with, and that's where their heart is. Yeah. And and then I know you look at a uh, um, uh, there's a couple guys here in town that are a little younger than me Uh that would have started with games even past your more classic like your Adams and your Twilight Zones. Yeah. yeah. But yet they go back, and then they love the classic ballets, and they love the uh, the the classic single level Williams type game. Yeah. So I mean there's there's people that break out. But yeah, I, there, I don't there are. I don't know if I'd if I'd have a classic ballet myself. Yeah, and I I mean again, it's it is absolutely no, nothing other than my own personal taste driving that response. It's that's not a comment against the games, it's not a comment against the quality or or the the, the playability or anything like that. It's just that I I started I started into this uh on on later generation games and so it's really kind of hard to step backwards i guess uh, now that being said i go to pinball hall of fame and i love playing like the, the gottlieb wedgeheads i think they're just i think they're a blast to play I've never i absolutely to play love one. them oh they're so much fun but that being said they would not have a spot. They would just just wouldn't have a spot in my game room. But I, I love to go to shows and play them. In fact, I actually look forward to playing those wedge heads. It shows. I think they're fun. That's, when I walk into a show, yeah, I try to play something like something out of my normal ordinary play. Mm-hmm. Something that I won't see. I mean, there's That's exactly there's, right. There's going to be a line at the couple atoms or, there, oh, yeah. or the twilight zones yeah. and. That there's, I'm gonna go play something that there isn't a line on. Yeah. Not because there's not a line. It's because there's no line because someone doesn't really know what it is. That's exactly right. Yes. And then that's that's kind yeah. of the stuff I gravitate yeah. toward. So. so so Ed, very good point. Appreciate appreciate the the time writing in. I think the the best thing that I can do is take those legs and instead of getting them blasted and and recoded is pay them forward to somebody else and I, I think that'll be the that'll be the way that, that that we make that one work out so so yeah I appreciate it sir very much all good and uh, just a, a couple things that I, I scraped from Twitter and quite honestly Brent I have not been active very active at all on social media this month at, at all and and uh, honestly our feedback shows <laughs> because I haven't really been <laughs> Sinking a lot of time into it, but um, 
But anyway, uh, the first one is from uh, Ian Cullen. He says, uh, Broken Token, while the small metal ramp is quite satisfying, I always found the the, uh, satisfying thunk of the Adams Vault the most satisfying shot in pinball. Wish I had never sold mine. And that's that's directly from what we were talking about last month. I was talking about that the the thing ramp that's right almost right up the center uh, on adams to me that and and he's he's right ian's right you hit the vault the open vault from the left flipper Uh and especially when it's the shot to start multi-ball and the all the lamps go out on the play field and anim and animation starts and go oh my gosh that that is a satisfying shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool. That's cool. I, got but I still like the respect for that. <laughs> I, I, I get it. But you know, the thing about it is, is that if 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 we're talking about that to that level about that game, it's got cred. There's there's no doubt about it. So it's got cred. And uh, the last one here, Brent, is from a friend of the show, Sean O'Shea. He says, I'm going to make it a point to check this out the next time I'm up at Fun Spot, New Hampshire. I never got a chance to check out the place, but I know my friends over at Broken Dogan would would think this is cool. And it is a picture of Snapjack. Now, did, have you ever played Snapjack? No, the, the name sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. And I definitely... No, I was grabbing a, a link that I wanted to make sure we mentioned for the end of the show. Did you mention? Oh, okay. Did you mention where he's the? Did, you didn't read the thing here from the from Arcade Museum talking about the history of this, did you? Um, no, it, no. It, it says, and this is Sean is is replying to a tweet from um, the arcade, the American Arcade Museum, and it says visiting us this weekend. Um, Question mark, like visiting us this weekend? Try Snapjack, released in 1982, part of a large collection of games from Universal, generously donated by the place, Retro Arcade in Cincinnati, which sadly closed in 2016. And so, so it just goes on to talk about that. Yeah, so, so. Uh, that was what I was going to bring up. I oh, okay. know we'd been up to uh, the place, Retro Arcade, that was in Cincinnati mm-hmm. multiple times. And I, I'm assuming that maybe we just kind of missed the sweet spot where this game was, probably, or probably when it was so. there. When it was there, yeah, I'd say. So that's yeah, the case. It, it was so close to home yet so far. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about this game. Ne- neither do I. But Sean uh, definitely, definitely thinks it's notable, and so I, I, I need to check it out. I, I personally have never played the game at all. Never. This cabinet, it's just the top of the cab, and you can see the marquee. It, I always liked how Universal. Their art was always beautiful on the sides. Yeah. And they had that plate, for lack of a better term, that was in the back of the hollow where the monitor sits. I don't even know what you'd call that space. But instead of it being all blacked out, they'd have artwork back there. lit up so beautiful. And then the games were kind of... Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So M- no, I, Mr. Do was their crowning achievement, <laughs> and I stand and I stand by that. The Mr. Do series was their crowning well, and achievement. Ladybug's pretty good. I, I, good, I like good point. I like yeah, a good, good point. Good yeah. point. Ladybug as well. Yes, but that, the that's rest a very of good it. Point. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's yeah. anyway. It's kind of eh. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, Brent. Well, that's dude. I'll tell you that that's it. I, I look at the clock and and I know that we've, uh, we've I, brought I think, in another record oh a record show, man. So on the way out, I just wanted to mention, this was the link I was looking oh, up. Okay. So I apologize for being unattentive, but wanted to make sure everyone knows that we are 
going to be at the Grand Room Game oh, Grand Old Game you. Room Expo this yes, year. Yes, yes, thank uh, you. Of course, that's in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's going to be held November 9th through the 11th. So, God willing, Creek Don't Rise, Whitney and I will be there in Nashville. Uh, come buy t-shirts. Yes, yes, yeah, come see us. And, and Oh, and then come by for the show, too. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's, there's pinball yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of good <laughs> stuff there. So Yeah, so uh, make sure to check out the site. It's grandoleexpo.com. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. For sure. It is going to be here before you know it. It, it will is, be a fun time. Uh, always a fun time. This is going to be the third year for the show. It is at a new venue, so if you've visited the show before, don't just go autopilot on it. Check it out. Make sure you show up at the right place. Uh, and we'll see you there. Yes, definitely. We'll see you there. All right, Brent, kick us out. Oh, hold on. Now I got I to gotta switch tabs now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So where can you find us? You can find us on the Throwback Network, and that's throwbacknetwork.net. And check out not only our podcast there, but all the other cool retro podcasts that Rob O'Hare has up. We're on iTunes, and we ask that you please leave us a review. We make no money off the show. This is a complete labor of love. I have no idea why we do it. Um, I, I Whitney just shows up over here. I'm like, dude, you're here. We'll do something. Okay. But... You know, any iTunes, iTunes seems to be that pivot point for getting people it definitely, noticed. It definitely so is, yes. The the reviews will just help get the show out there a little more. It'll help drive us up. Whitney, we need to have a review drive of some. We, we yeah. do, we, we do. Because I will say this, the reviews are hard, they're, they're hard to come by because you're asking somebody to purposely go outside go outside their normal routine and and do something and do this and and um yeah and you've got to have itunes and you gotta be an apple i'm not an apple user so yeah if if you gotta have access to yeah i'd have to go create an itunes account for something yeah to do it yeah yeah and we realize it's a bit of a hassle but for the people that have done it so far thank you so much and for anybody who can we would appreciate it so you've got apple products and they've got a podcast app right i do and yes does it tie to itunes i mean is it as simple as going to the their own app and looking at us and can you itunes rate Mm -hmm. it right there uh not not from the not from a mobile device but you can from a a pc from oh so you can't i would have thought yeah now i don't I don't know about an iPad, but an iPhone, you cannot leave a review in the native podcast app. Mm. So now iPad may be different due to the expanded real estate. It amazes me how much pull iTunes has, and Mm -hmm. it's that difficult to go. Anyway, okay. So yeah, check us out on iTunes, and please, please leave a review. Yeah. We're on Stitcher Radio, Xbox Music, and the Google Play Store. Yeah. And social media, uh, facebook.com slash broken token, Twitter at broken token, and our website, brokentoken.com. And Brent, you know, all the all the emails come in to us via the contact form at the website. So, you know, people hit it and they look at it and we we really do appreciate it. So yeah, send us uh, send us more emails, send us more contact and uh, you can just click the uh, the contact uh, menu item there in the uh, the upper uh, I think upper left hand portion of the website and uh, yeah reach out to us so we appreciate it well Brent that brings number seventy three to a close Woo-hoo! yeah no doubt thank you sir we made uh, it this far and we haven't killed each other yeah, yeah! we're good to we're good to seventy four how about that you haven't left yet <laughs> <laughs> still got to drive home watch yourself but uh, no thanks everybody for listening we certainly do appreciate it um, we'll say see you hope to see everyone. Uh, that we possibly can down in Nashville and until 74 keep your quarters clean and game on
Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with. But I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes store and on our Stitcher Radio page as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Litzy. And that's me. <laughs> music for the Broken Token Podcast is graciously provided by Mr. Scott Denisi. For more information about his music and the projects that he works on, visit his website at www.scottdenisi.com. Go Team Fiero. That won't make the outtakes. (laughs) (laughs) Shut it. (laughs) Take that mouth to church. (laughs) There's a booth to talk to a pastor. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Hold on. I'm eating a banana. We've talked a lot. Yes, we've talked a lot. (laughs) 